Sump City Radio and Necromunda podcast may contain profanity and mature content, not suitable for Jews younger than 14 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Keep away from the infected! Find shelter as soon as you can! Okay, stand by! Now go! Go! Run, everyone! Run! Oh, my wife and child! You undead bastard! Die! I was up making some tea. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been near the door. Yes, it's quite the shit show out there at the moment. Do you have a radio? Yes, of course I have a radio. I'm an old man. Quick, turn it down. Yeah. You know if anyone is transmitting. Surely someone knows what the fuck is going on. Come on, what is this inane bullshit? All law enforcement agencies have been organized to search out and destroy the marauding ghouls. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another ep- episode. Episode. Fuck's sake. Chris! Yep! Could we perhaps focus on the episode we have to record? Uh, well, yeah, but uh, we are also in the middle of a viral outbreak that appears to be reanimating the dead. <sighs> okay, you join us today, listeners, on the roof of the Sump City Radio shack in the zombie-filled harbour area. Uh, Chris, did you pull up the outer wall ladder? I did. Right, okay. Uh, has the yard fence been connected up to the generator? It has, yeah. I've got Zeke to help. Who? Uh, do you mean Divi Zeke? Yeah. You trusted a man called Divi Zeke to operate a generator? Did I? Fuck. I told him to fix some of the fence links from outside and then I shot Zeke in the kneecap as a distraction while I sorted the generator. To be fair, the scummer did owe us at least a four-pack of toilet roll. Ablution scrolls. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I was worried that you are just going to be doing something reckless, but uh, do you want to come back down inside and give me a hand with the show? I can't. But the shack's secure now, so what are you doing? Uh, I've got a wager on with Simon Gurney. You mean the dude who's running the new trading post in town? Ah, that's the fella. Uh, first, a uh, hundred zombie kills wins 70 credits, and I've got my eyes on a shiny new combat shotgun. Yeah, I've already got one. You what? You dodgy little bastard. Where'd you get that? Well, I've been out adventuring with a band of editors, haven't I? You know, with Bill Harvett, before the zombies hit? Someone's not been watching under Hive TV yet, both. Yeah, well, that's all well and good, Steve, but why don't you fetch the auto pistol and help me rack up the kills? I think in our current economic climate that another combat shotgun would be a worthwhile investment. 
Good point. Well presented. How many kills are you on now? 58. Uh, where's the auto gun again? It's just above the minibar. Right, hang on a sec. Right. Okay, listeners, well, I better tell you what's coming up on the show today. Okay, first off, we'll be hearing from the Tomy Scalto, uh, presumably with an atmospheric support, but who knows? It's been a few days since we've last heard from her. Next up, it'll be our segment, Rapid Fire, where we'll have to update you on what we've been getting up to that's Necromunda-related since our last broadcast. Following that, we'll be hearing from Cannabella, who doesn't seem to be a happy bunny at the moment. It's then back to us for Hot in the Hive as we round up and talk about all the cool new things that we've spotted in the Underhive. Returning show associates Blitz and Krieg are back again with another of their murder brawl memories. Then we'll head to the war room to discuss the updates to Goliath with Jess Lee Simpkin. Followed by Becky Boom who will be talking about another piece of battle gear. Then it's time to shoot the shiz as Chris and I look at creating our own Goliath gangs. After which again we'll hear from creepy Dalak information trader Salacious Paul. Then it's back to us in the studio to wrap up the broadcast with your letters and thank yous, assuming that we're still alive by then. Right, how many kills are you on now? 69. <laughs> 69. <laughs> nice. Right, uh, listeners, we better try to hit around 100 kills and we'll hand over to Natomi Scalto. Thanks, fellas. Currently, I am locked in the atmospheric station high above Sump City on the Northern Dome Wall. I'm locked in here with Alador and Fasgar, two of our engineers. We've been up here for the past week, isolating ourselves from the chaos below in Sump City. Currently, I'm sleeping in a stationary cupboard and we are surviving off the sacks that Fasgar has been stashing in his desk drawer and the occasional servo skull sent up with small rations of corpse starch from Salacious Paul. Well, he agreed that if we tell him everything we find out, he'd make sure to send up the skulls with water and food. Apologies to the poor bastards in the residential area below the station, as we've had to throw out all the contents of the crapper bucket over the side of the walkway once a day. At least we've run out of Fasgart sugar-free gummy bears now, you'll be pleased to hear. Over the time we've been stuck here, we've been piecing together information from various sources. And this is what we believe caused this pandemic. Importation documents we found on the shipping network suggest that a delivery of off-world livestock from Corvin 2 was being held in quarantine whilst waiting for the test results to come through and clear the livestock for entry into the hive. CCTV confirms that while the livestock was held, a pod of ripperjacks found their way into the faulty ventilation systems and were found feeding on some of the animals. Quarantine personnel attempted to terminate the ripperjacks, but a couple of them escaped. A few cycles later, reports from a doctor's medical log, lower in the hive, says that a a citizen presented to their medical care unit exhibiting symptoms of eye fever, coughing and aches and pains all over the body. The citizen is admitted to the doctor's care, 
but within 24 hours, the citizen uh, is sadly pronounced deceased. Their body was submitted for assessment by the Corpse Guild as to the suitability for processing. An hour later, the medical unit goes into lockdown, citing a biohazard situation, before communication with the unit then ceases. Enforcers were then called in to deal with the problem. Their medical unit was listed as maintaining 37 staff members, 15 of which would be on hand at any given time. Enforcer reports state that when their squad entered the unit, they found nobody alive. But within one hour, they were under attack, seemingly from medical staff and patients. Experiencing coughing fits, an excess of mucus, glowing red eyes, and an overwhelming desire to consume ablution scroll and human flesh. Simply put, people, plague zombies. We're dealing with plague zombies, innit? So the best thing you can do is stay in your dwellings and wait for all this to blow over. Otherwise, you're all gonna die down there. Vaskar, what's that? Right, we'll transfer you over to Scrofulous Pile, who's presumably out reporting from the thick of this lava. Civil unrest grows in Hive Primus as rumours of the mysterious plague spread as virulently as the under-identified disease which is decimating the population. Fears are not being assuaged by the growing visual presence of Adeptus Arbites convoys which have been witnessed taking over duties usually assigned to the more familiar Palanitan forces. My sources tell me that the Eye of Selene has put heavy restrictions on all trade from the wider Segmentum Solar in a bid to cut off the further spread of the illness. Officials have yet to respond to my inquiries. Word has been received that similar situations have been reported to Lord Helmore for Acropolis Hive and Quinspire Cluster. Official word is business as usual, with extra caution being encouraged as quotas are still being strictly enforced. Trading posts across all sectors have been stripped by citizens, gangers and nobles alike as panic spreads as quickly as the infection. The Traders Guild confirmed a spike in sales of protective equipment such as respirators, hazmat suits and weapons and ammo, but more surprisingly, ablution scrolls. Despite the lack of utility against the virus, these basic hygiene products, or rather the lack of them, have led to several deaths and numerous gang fights. The Corpse Guild has said that they will do what they can to alleviate the misery by doubling their rounds and in an unprecedented gesture will collect the nearly dead for a nominal fee. No doubt this comes as a relief to the population who are having to navigate the growing piles of bodies of former workmates and family members as they go about their days. We are waiting for an official response from the various ordos of the Inquisition and Ecclesiarchy regarding, hopefully, a cure. More on the situation as it develops. Cheers for that report, Scrofulous. So then. Oh, good news for scavengers. As, well, apocalyptic conditions, innit? Looting is rife, and if you ain't selling your grandmother for some hand sanitizer, you're missing a trick. Well, that's all from me for now. 
Hopefully all this bollocks will be done with by the time you next tune in. Now back to the studio. I know you're gonna dig this. You're all listening to Sump City Radio. Okay, welcome back, listeners, to the roof of the SCR shack. It's good to hear that the Tomian Scrofulous are holding up with this virus, quite literally, running rampants on the street of Sump City. Oh, look over there. Get in, air delivery. Voice mode activated. Dead X, servo skull delivery. Of one item. Combat shotgun from Gurney's trading post. Following message attached. Message begins. Enjoy your purchase. I will beat you next time. From Simon. Message ends. Please place finger on sensor to confirm delivery. Thank you. Goodbye. Right, well, I hope there's some ammo in that box too, Chris, because now it's time for Rapid Fire. Woohoo! Rapid Fire! Okay, listeners, now it is time for rapid fire. However, we have a slight problem with this uh, episode because our backyard is now being attacked by zombies and by the looks of it, the generator's just conked out. So, uh, basically what's going to happen here, folks, is we're going to talk about what it is that we have been doing since the last broadcast. Uh, Anything related to Necromunda, each individual point will get us uh, some time to fire at targets, which in this instance is actually going to be zombies. So, Chris, as soon as you jump down into the backyard, your time begins, and you can start wailing on zombies. So, um, are you ready with your combat shotgun? Let's do this. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker! Right, ready, steady, and... Okay, I cut and I finished cleaning up the rest of the Dark Uprising kits and they're all good to go, but I have no idea what I'm doing with them. Nice, go for it. Oh, his head went. Uh, that was a hit and two misses. Oh, I'm glad I had uh, protective eyewear on there. Okay, so I cut and cleaned the walkways from Conquest. I've got um, five of one lot and four of the other, and that should make a nice uh, walkway system for my hive. Okay, go, 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 quick. Right. Oh, right, nice. Yeah, that's him gone. Right, three hits on that guy. Hey. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, uh, I'm on painting Frankstone, um, but I'm taking a lot of time over it because it's um, a lot of different challenging kind of techniques that I'm not really used to, but I'm really pleased with that one coming along. Yep. Okay, oh, right, yeah, I'm getting the one with one eye, one eye, watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, two hits, nice, that's him down. Right, okay, be quick on this one, okay. he's getting close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, first hazard stripes that I've ever painted on my Frankstone strict base. I've never painted um, hazard stripes, not ashamed to admit it, but I, oh, I guess... Three hits. Hey, combat shotgun for the win. Oh, I've started building my Asher. Um, I've uh, got a few new models for it, and I'm in the process of doing custom death maidens. Right. Nice. Yep, okay, that's uh, one hit. Uh, sorry, it's not one hit, two hits. Nice work. Try to rob us. Okay, um, my plastic card just arrived today to start um, using the bulkheads that I've, I've been collecting over the past few months. 
um, all my other terrain has been on hold until I've got this, so I'm really looking forward to getting started. Okay, quick, quick, quick! Right, go for both of those. Two hits, you have to hit one nice. piece, nice, bombs. Okay, um, I've read through House Chains in more depth in preparation for the war room in this episode, and I have to say, it's awesome! Come on! Oh yeah, I started planning um, uh, a little bit more of my uh, future YouTube channel. It's very embryonic at the moment, but um, it's going to be a kish, kit bash channel called uh, Under Ivers Chop Shop. I saw you sneaky bastard! Right, go, go through it, go again, Yep, two hits, right, he's down. Right, okay, right, Chris, up. That's me, hand, I'm coming up, I'm coming Right, okay, that looks like the yard's mostly cleared, so we can get to the generator now. Um, the fence is going to be a bit of a problem because they're still coming through over there. So, right, in which case then, uh, by the way, that was a really quick time on that. That was about two minutes. So, um, I, well, we'll work out multipliers in a bit. Um, right, okay, here's the deal then. You jump down, you take your shots. As soon as you've cleared the yard, you didn't get the generator I get the fence. Right, okie dokie. Cool. Right, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Ready when you are. Right, okay. And I'm going down! Right, okay, right. Uh, okay, so you might have heard this uh, on the uh, Underhive TV channel that's been uh, touted in the group, but I've been off adventuring with Bill Harbour and uh, Kevin from Promethean Forge. Um, so, yeah, we've been playing uh, Necromunda in an RPG style, and uh, just so that we can get some games in whilst this whole lockdown thing's going on. So, and uh, again! Oh, nice warm hit. Right, okay, that's him down. Right, okay, um, okay, I've made and painted my propagandist Mr. Vox, uh, which people will have seen on the group. Uh, took several parts to get hold of that and a big long wait to get the parts in because of everything being delayed. Ready, ready to go, let's take this dude down. Oh, two hits! Nice! Right, okay, oh, he's getting through the fence, better be quick on this one. Right, um, I've finished building my corpse grinder and bot, I just need to paint the bastard. Right, take this! Oh, three! Nice! Right, okay, um, hopefully that's going to stop the next one getting through. Uh, right, okay, I've been using the lockdown time to try and get some extra paint on miniatures, however I've discovered that I am ridiculously slow at painting because I've managed to paint a grand total of three models. You slowed this as well, come on, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Right, okay, yeah, there we go, firing. Three hits, you took his head clear off. Oof. Right, okay, uh, oh, shit, one coming through on top left. Right, uh, finally locked down the colour scheme that I want to use from the Zone Mortalis wall, so it's a combination of concrete and metals uh, and a red background on the wall pieces. Right, and take this. Three hits. Okay, and uh, I also got in two lots of the Conquest walkways, which I now need to sort out during my lockdown time. And... Oh, only one on that one, but you still got him. Right, okay, right. that's just clear, let's do it. Over to the generator. <laughs> okay, right, we're back up on the... Oh, hang on, wait, are you finished with that? Just give us a second. Right, there we are. Okay, and we're back up on the power on the generator. Take that, zombies. <sighs> Bastards. Right. Okay, to be fair, that was another two-minute job as well, so uh, we'll count up the hits on this one and work out what the points are. Um, so I think that's going to take an action replay on that one. We use the CCTV camera to do that. So in the meantime, uh, best thing that we can do is uh, hand over to Cannabella. Thank you, boys. And hello, listeners. You find me somewhat out of sorts today. In fact, I'm quite riled. 
on top of this ridiculous viral outbreak and the subsequent zombies who are at this very moment attempting to break into my kitchen, I feel like the many years of hard work to make a name for myself in the underhive are being questioned. I could name a dozen dishes that I've created in several collaborative creations with input from some some city locals that are beloved across the hive. The giant rat roast, the fried fritters, the meat surprise. I could go on. Yet some diminutive upstart has just strolled into some city claiming to be some sort of renowned culinary expert. Have you seen this pompous fluff piece from the local rag that accompanied his appearance downhive? <coughs> Unlike most sloppers who pass themselves off as culinary experts just because they know how to siphon a water still. Bigby can actually cook. This has put him in high demand among the gangs of Hive Bottom. I would wager he has paid a pretty penny to get a propagandist to write this... this... tripe! If I didn't know better, I would think this were a personal attack. Well, let me state this right now, Mr. Crumb. If you want to come onto my turf and start paying propagandists to throw about slanderous statements, probably just to make yourself feel big, hmm? I suggest you put your food where your mouth is and agree to a cook. Off. You know where my kitchen is. And shall we say, best of three courses with some of Sump City's elite in attendance? Hmm? And in the spirit of fairness, I'll even provide a stall for you if you can't reach the kitchen counter. But cross me or continue in this high and mighty bragging, and I'm sure that my recipe for roast rat will work just as well on roast rattling. You have been served. No bloody hell! Get out of my kitchen! Bloody marvellous, isn't it? Where's the service bell gone? Ah. Yes, chef. Stilton, <clears throat> be a dear and fetch the industrial strength cleaning supplies. We're going to need a red level kitchen clean down. Oh, I didn't realise we've received any delivery people today. Uh, are they in the freezer? No, dear. Just these god-awful plague zombies. We never used to have incidents like this up hive. Oh well, we shall soldier on as always. Owen oh, Stilton, fetch something to board up this window. 
please? Forgive me, listeners. With all that excitement, I almost forgot you were there. Let me hand you back to the boys in the studio. Goodbye. Toss a crab to your DJ, some city of plenty, some city of plenty. Toss a crab to your DJ, some city of plenty. Help support some city radio by heading over to our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash some city radio. Help support the show and allow yourself to feel epic. Now, back to the studio. Okay, listeners, welcome back to Inside the Studio, where we've uh, taken refuge from the zombie horde that is banging on the doors outside. And uh, thank you, Cannabella, for that. Um, Let's hope that she can come to some kind of arrangement with this guy who's coming to town. What was his name? Mr. Crumb or something like that? Yeah, little fat bastard. (laughs) <laughs> Not a fan of Ratlins, then, I take it, Chris? Uh, just that one. Oh, just that one. <laughs> right, okay, folks, well, it's now time for Hot in the Hive. Hot in the Hive. <laughs> this segment is lit. Okay, Hot in the Hive is the part of the show where we talk about the latest releases, leaks, community work, articles, blog posts, videos and podcasts and so on that we have managed to discover in our time since the last episode. So, uh, Chris, what's been on your mind this time? Oh, come on. Um, House of Blades release. Um, yeah. That's there <laughs> in the new, what's it, the Underhive Informer? The new um, like little mini blog that they do specifically for Necromunda through uh, GW now, which is really cool. So obviously you've got um, the new Escher releases teased there um, with cool stuff like um, Death Maidens and Wild Runners and new exotic beasts. And then obviously the little Enforcer gets her own um, Psychic Null model with a, with a um, Cyberhound. Nice. I mean that's that's pretty sweet. I mean, it do you want to have a little chat about what that could entail and what you were excited about or not excited about? Well, or? I will go straight on record as saying that um, it's a bit of a a knock-on effect for me, really, because the amount of detail that they've gone into with the House of Chains, mm-hmm. um, I think, has lit a fire for everyone because they may not necessarily have liked Goliaths. But people are certainly liking the amount of detail that they're putting into a single house. And so it has built a lot of anticipation, I feel, for House of Blades, where a lot of people I know statistically actually prefer playing um, Escher to Goliath. So there's a, a bigger buzz about it, I think, almost now at this point, as a result of House of Chains. Um, so I'm definitely part of that group. I'm, I'm very excited to see where they're going to go with Escher, because Escher was the gang that I like first invested in heavily when uh, a first of all in old necromunda and b when they re-released it i went a bit mental and bought like three extra boxes of escher so <laughs> they're a gang that i've not revisited in a very long time you're probably talking about two years really since i've properly played as escher um so i'm it, it, this is a very well-timed release for, as far as i'm concerned because i was raring to go with getting back into house escher so to have the expanded 
um, information that's going to come in this book is going to be fantastic for me and uh, for many other people as well. Um, as for the types of models that they've had released, the Death Maidens look really interesting. The first thing that sort of came to mind with, for me with the headdresses was uh, Hela out of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, the one with the kind of big fan-shaped thing behind the head with the spikes on. Yeah, yeah sort of like antlers an, an air and of that. Yeah, um, and I was thinking about doing a Nurgle-tainted um, Escher gang called the Nurgirls. Yeah, um, I did see your little post there. Yeah, on, so on the uh, I thought, well, that go for a green kind of colour scheme, so they're going to end up just looking like Hella, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's going to be really cool with that. As for the inclusion of like the more archaic bows that they had in there, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those. Um, and I would have thought, in all honesty, that they'd have probably had those for Cordor, because Cordor have already got the crossbow, so we know that that type of thing is uh, feasible in Necromunda. But it was an interesting choice for Escher, I felt. No, I've, I've got to be honest, um, not really known a great deal about the... I'm, I'm the same as you, I bought Escher, but that was my first ever gang, um, back in like 95 or whenever it was that it first dropped. Yep, yep. Um, but I only ever bought one box and played for the one summer, so I never really kind of... It was just because they looked cool to me that that's what interested me and seeing girl miniatures was really kind of a real novelty at the time yeah um the beautiful sculpts obviously i i didn't know what to expect um I, obviously with the whole poison and chemistry angle i expected something to do with that um and i was very interested to see kind of how their prospects would look and what their kind of uber champs would be now their uber champs are obviously the death maidens because um, I'm assuming that's how the way the box releases them uh, yeah. it's exactly the same as kind of the subjugators and the, um, the corpse grinders and the uh, the latest release for Goliath um, I, I wasn't sure how to feel, I, it was like I liked them, I loved the, the bow models I thought they looked really cool I'm not so keen on the paint jobs on the little rack things, I think they're a little bit too vibrant for me so I would probably but then I'm I'm a sucker for just wanting to make them a little bit different anyway now. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. It took us a little bit by surprise. And I was a little bit, well, is this... Because I'd picked up a really cheap box of Escher for like... I, th I think I got them for like 11 quid or something like oh, that. Oh, nice. So I thought, I'll have them. Um, I'll come back to them at some point. And then obviously the the year roadmap, I was like, oh, well, that Escher might as well be my next gang. Um so I started collecting some little bits from them, uh, got a few bits sent off people um, and, and hunted down a couple of models that I'd been keeping an eye out for. And kind of, I was going to just build a standard Escher gang, but when they dropped these, it made me think, well, what's the expanded armory going to be like? What's the skills going to be like? What's the gang layout going to be like? Yeah, so yeah. It's, I, I'm really keen to push ahead and start making stuff, but I don't want to make stuff that's redundant in the next yeah. minute. I know exactly how you feel, yeah. And... On first view, I wouldn't say I was underwhelmed. I was just, yeah, surprised at the angle they were going for. But now that I've kind of um, gone through House of Chains and seen how flexible and, and malleable the different guns are and how 
open to variation and change they are. I'm just really excited to see what the customization of it is just crazy. I mean, I've had a quick flick through it at this point. Um, we've got Jess Lee coming up later on with the war room, so no doubt I'll, I'll look at it more then. I know it's a bit naughty of me to you know be in this position and not really read through the book, but with everything that's been going off recently, now the you know whole lockdown thing and all the craziness and other things going on in real life and it's just like oh yeah and let's just not, not have the time it, sorry to, to interrupt you but obviously we were planning to go to yak tribe <laughs> well there was that as well yeah and that was our kind of whole direction for this episode so then they kind of go right well that's not happening fairly late into the month and then figure out well we'll better find a new angle thankfully they dropped the house of blades thing which has given us something to talk about and yeah. we we're already going to discuss house of chains so well the interesting thing for us at least is the time that it's taken for them to go oh look there are these models that are going to come out and then they've put more information out about it they've actually shown that you've not only got those death maidens but you've got the well, versions of prospects i forget what the name is essentially uh, but you've got them all in the same box along with the weird little kitty things yeah so that that's going to be a nice box to get hold of it's kind of like the um goliath stimmer box but more so because you're getting even more in the box technically speaking yeah no I, i'm really looking forward to getting the kit and seeing what i can do play around with it and even more so the the book to be honest because i just oh, want to yeah. see like is a death maiden a freshly like um rejuvenated corpse is is there a limit on it uh, how does that how does the fact that they're undead play into a mission? Is it is it going to be a post or um, pre-game kind of um, special skill, or is it going to be That's something true. they can actively use within? What what's their new skill tree going to be? That's going to be interesting, definitely. Yeah, I mean, also whilst we're, we're kind of on the Death Maiden topic, um, shout out to Tony Rhodes in the group. He was on the money, wasn't he? Remember he put up that post like early in March. Oh no, uh, I messaged him and I said, what, "What what do you know that we don't know?" I was yeah. A bit like, <laughs> And then lo and behold, shortly after he does that, they actually drop it. Yeah, here you are, have some Death Maidens. Mm. And it's like, yeah, he was bang on the money for that guess on his release. He's actually put up another post somewhere in the group, and I'm desperately trying to find it now as to what he suspected might come out in the book, just so that we'd have something to throw in as a potential idea on this one. Oh, here we are, baseless speculation time again. Right, here we are, we don't normally do this, but let's, let's read out Tony's post on this, see what he's, he's put on there. So, looking forward to the new House of Blades book and all the necromunda goodness contained within. Um, here are a few of my thoughts and hopes on what to expect in it. Uh, we know that there's a new skill tree, as you've just said, Chris. Um, I guess it'd be heavily movement-based. So, yeah, that's a possibility. No, I'm thinking, yeah, um, I've been doing a... I did a, a Yak Tribe uh, deep dive... Um, and I'm hoping, like a lot of the people on there are hoping, is you're going to get um, an acrobatic skill tree so that they become oh. kind of like harlequins, you know, when they're dancing on the tops of enemies' kind of heads and just... <laughs> but, uh, Leaping like, over large gaps, that kind of thing, without but fight, it, a Even more so, like, um, say you want to get to somebody's leader and they've got a couple of people covering like a meat shield, mm. if you could just charge combat, ignore those two people as if they weren't there... It'll change the game completely tactically oh. for Asher. Um, like doing backflips out of combat, you know. You, yeah, you, that could you, be interesting. You think somebody's got their forge tyrant um, and a couple of stimmers in front, and you're like, well, the stimmers are going to muller me before I get to the forge oh, tyrant. That's but if a you, thought. 
Uh, what about a skill that would allow you to break out of combat without fear of being stabbed in the back as you do it? Uh-huh. Or like um, a, a skill that lets you use um, versatile if you don't have a versatile weapon. Like you oh. can you can hit from a distance as if, as if you're kind of flurrying in and out of combat like really fast. So they don't get a retaliation strike. That would be very cool. Movement could be really... Like, at first I was like, movement? But then, actually, when you think about it, it really paints that illustration of them being really athletic, agile, nimble, like, kind of... You know, they, they can't go toe-to-toe with the Goliath, like, punch for punch, but using their agility and their speed and then... Um, yeah. yeah. It's bringing to mind images of Terminal Overkill. Um, I don't know if you've got around to reading that yet, but that, that's very heavily based on Escher and sort of what they get up to and then their conflict with Goliath and a lot mm-hmm. of like the fight scenes where they get up close, it's them having to you know, zip around all over the place and get around the big slow hulk in Goliath. Uh, yeah, and I think the idea that they could have, like um, like you say, the, those um, like weird gauntlet things on the Death Maidens, yeah. if, if, if one of the skills is like, they can just get into the chink in an armour, so... All right, you've paid for your furnace plate, your ablative overlay, and your, your um, hardened dermal like dermal layer, or what I can't remember what it's called, dermal yeah. toughness. But they just stick a finger up into your rib cage, through between the plates of armor, and just negate your armor. Something like that, do you know what I mean? Just to suggest the difference in 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 combat style. I think yeah, could be really <laughs> we, really cool. We might be venturing very close to how toxin worked when it first came out in the N17 that if we go down that route too much because that was like so OP but it was so fun to play. It was, Russia. but if you if you look at House of Chains at the moment, Goliath are OP. You get that really? unintentional power creep. Well, I mean, you could <laughs> You can take a guy with, you know what I mean, increased toughness, increased wounds, increased attacks, increased speed. You you can literally doctor every part of the guy's um, stats. You you need counters to that, and that's what's exciting me. That's what's exciting me about House of Blades and going forward, Iron, um, Artifice, etc., etc. It's it's how, how do they make each of these gangs even more kind of um uh in tune with the theme of of the gang itself yeah. like with goliath they've made them back into beasts kind of mid to uh, short range um monsters like in combat because they'd lost out to corpse grinders you know what i mean it, it, as it stood up until the drop of um house of chains and i just think they've redressed that balance they've not They've not tried to make them corpse grinders plus. They've gone a different way. Yeah. They've got more of a flexibility. They've got access to better template weapons. They've reinforced the template that they had for Goliaths in the first place. Yes. Sort of got yeah. They, they've. They've. Um, it's like they've given them a, a, an injection steroids. of stims. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, Goliaths on steroids. Yeah. Wait, but, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. That's just Goliaths. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And I think as a Vansar player, I, I hear all the time. Oh, they should be nerfed they should be this plus two that's who they are that's what they are you can argue all day long but the the writers at games workshop have written it like that that's what they are whether they do come along with a nerf at some point i don't know i don't think vansar need a nerf personally at the minute it's changing play styles isn't it yeah of course it is and as long as dice roll comes into it luck comes into it and tactics come into it. I don't think there's anything on paper where you can say I'm guaranteed to win. John. 
All right, well, let's go back to Tony's post here then and, and have a read of mm-hmm. his other predictions, like Mystic Tony. Um, so, no doubt, some fun new weapons on the Death Maidens and Prospect Huntresses. Uh, possibly some new ammo types for toxin weapons, similar to the range of shotgun rounds, but for needle weapons. Hmm, well, that could be interesting. Uh, more Escher unique chems. Oh, that's right, because they've mentioned that there's more chem types coming out. Yeah, like Ice Cold. What was that one? Oh, wasn't there one that just makes them not want to bottle at all or something like that? Well, like, uh, over-frenzies them. I can't remember without... Um... No, they're just, like, super confident in what they're doing or something, and as a result, there's no chance that they're going to leg it off the battlefield or something, which, oh, right. not for Escher, normally is a bit of a problem. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see um, much in the same, like, bluffs and um, debuffs. Yeah. Um with the different drugs and what they do so you're going to get the weaponized versions that they're shooting out of the needlers and their bores and then you're going to get the kind of the the stuff that they're actually self-administering and taking themselves to give them yeah whether it like buffs those weaker stats so that they aren't as prone to bottling um would be interesting to see more acid related ones as well because those acid shotgun rounds correct me if i'm wrong isn't doesn't acid act as if it was a blaze it's a bullet yeah sets them on fire yeah so that's pretty cool yeah it's really cool um because i've like we were saying um i'd I'd picked up that issue and i had a look at the list before but then working through house of chains and then i went to actually go and build an escher list um, and I was like a bit underwhelmed because they're one of the first out of the gate. They suffer from kind of being one of the proto gangs in the new release. Yeah. Um, their house list's a little dull. They've not got the best kind of kit. I mean, their chem thrower, it just doesn't appeal to me. It never, it never did. Like, I like yeah. the look of it on the model. But I think the points value of it versus what it did yeah. didn't make it strongly appeal to people. No, and it like the fact it doesn't pin or anything like that, so you're losing a lot of what you need with Escher. Now, I'm not a massive fan of needle weapons. In I find them a bit kind of kitschy, kind of sci-fi. It's a bit weird, but I realise that there's going to be a heavy leaning towards that kind of um, drug delivery, so it's kind of making the needler something a little more exciting for me. I'm really kind of looking forward to it um, being developed and built upon. I'm probably wrong, and like um, I've heard a few people saying, "Oh, well, my multi-wound um, model really fears the needle rifle because it's a good way of kind of negating the wounds." Um, but I just find them a bit dull as a weapon, and I want more plasma, or I want more something like bang for my buck kind of thing. I like really silly, big, powerful weapons. Yeah. Like not too many of them. But so yeah, I just can't wait to see. I would like to see some more variation in the weapon types available to Escher, I think. You know, see something that nobody else has got access to. Yeah. Because with Escher they other than well no, to be fair, even even needle weapons other gangs have access yeah, to. Yeah, other gangs the can chem get needle throw weapon. is about the only thing really that's exclusively Escher. Maybe the because no, even the whip is available to other gangs as well, isn't it? You get the shot with from the trading boss, can't you? Yeah. So there's nothing like, for example, the Delac fle- Fleshette pe- pistol. Yeah. Um, that's something that only they can get. Um, Goliaths, they've got their renderizers. Um, the Corpse Grinders have got like the dual uh, 
chain cleavers and all mm. that kind of thing. So, uh, oh, and the, the, the even the flensing saw is available to other houses, isn't it? If you want to go to the right market or trading post for it. So, yeah, Escher don't really have a lot that is very exclusively Escher. Oh, acid rounds. Okay. But, you know, th- and that is very flavorful. So that's what. But we want more in that direction is yeah. what I'm, I'm saying. And then you've got that cool, like, doctor, nurse kind of character that they've shown illustration for, where yeah. she's got, like, some kind of... It looks like the kind of thing uh, that you'd inject somebody with drugs in in a, in a Star Trek episode. Yeah, 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 another one, yeah. And she's got, like, some kind of big glowing chem tank on her back, but it looks like an oversized one of the chem synth things that they have on the hips, usually, like, on the belt. You know, those, like, octagonal yeah, yeah. kind of glass files. Yeah, I know the one, yeah. Yeah, got, she's got, like, a big one of them on her back. So, yeah, I really want to see some cool characters. I want some awesome skills and abilities for the Death Maidens. And I want some crazy, reckless wild runners with packs of cat lizards. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I think if we start getting mounts into the Underhive as well, because um, I think another big part of the Escher aspect that will probably turn up in the book is beasts. Yeah. Um, and we're very likely, a lot of people are hypothesizing that we will see, is it cold traders? Um, as as their um, strong allies. Yes. Because of the exotic uh, beast trade. Exactly, yeah. So we might see even more weird and wonderful creatures, and it would be perhaps a way forward towards vehicles if we started getting mounts where that can you know change like if your model is riding around on a mount then their speed is this and you've got these extra rules for using a mount and getting on and off it and all this kind of thing and then that could perhaps lead the way for like house of iron where we get like dirt bikes in the underhive and you know little vehicles like that and then you know it starts building the way for, for things further down the line like the ash wastes Oh, I mean, that would be awesome. I'm not expecting it, to be fair. I mean, I I would love to see some more exotic beasts, but I, uh, I just think I almost daren't dare to dream that big, if you know what I mean. It's like, <laughs> well, you, I don't you... know. I think they've been doing bloody well this year so far, really. Oh, no, I'm not... That That's nothing against them. It's more against me trying to um, temper my expectation, really. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So, another thing that Tony's got on this post was... Um, either ranks of ostentatiousness or flashiness so uh, upgrades are exotic furs rare chems beast bones fetishes jewelry not those kind of fetishes i'm not <laughs> imagining but um master crafted gear and weapons etc so yeah that could be perhaps a an interesting route for the escher to take as well one where a lot of it's based on the appearance and then bonuses that you're getting yeah because they do tend to tie status to like uh, ostentatious clothing and and um ornamental kind of uh, garb yeah. yeah that would be really cool in fact it's one of the reasons that i'm reticent to cut up a model um i've got one of the i can't remember if she's from blackstone forest or kill team one of the two is it the one with the samurai sword no, no, no! I've, I've already, I've committed to her. She's got a plasma pistol and a power sword because she just looks really cool and sexy. Yeah. Um, but with the other one, she's got like, she's got that kind of Jules Verne um, baroque kind of uh, everything's lattice work and um, like fleur de lis and and, and and scroll oh, work. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And she's got like a half metal mask on with a feather plume. I'm taking the head off because I'm using that head. I'm not going to tell you because that's, that's a little secret Another project. Another project, yeah. <laughs> um, but she's going to get an Escher head 
and I'm going to take her peg leg off because she's got like a blade instead of her, um, her right leg from below the knee. So I'm going to give her a normal boot to go under there so that she's she's, she's um, bipedal again. Um, but she's got these awesome like flintlock style pistols with loads of filigree work oh, yeah, on them. Yeah. Um, and two servo skulls. One of them looks like it's an aiming servo skull, so like a targeting servo skull. And the other one's reloading a pistol. So she's got one down by her hip with the, with the actual... Um, the gun opened up, you know, when you're emptying yeah, your yeah. bullets out. Um, it's kind of opened up, and the servo skulls actually put individual bullets into the um, into the uh, chamber. So it's like a brake barrel flintlock. Yeah, brake barrel. Thank yeah. you. Um, and the barrel is broken on the left hand, and on the right hand, she's aiming it, and like it's like the servo skulls hovering over her shoulder, as if it's like a, really cool. a target and um, array. Um, and I, I'm like, I could cut them guns off and put them on, uh, you know, give us something from giving give us something from the current house list or I can hope against all hope that they get some kind of yeah um, exotic or um, master crafted or what was the word he used ostentatious some kind of ostentatious yeah. version of stub pistols that I could kind of run her with so I, I'm yeah I can change her head and I can change her leg but I'm a little reticent to touch her, uh, her guns yet because I really really love the kind of the, the broke barrel um, going off, I just think it looks really sweet. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm well up for that, please. And any, uh, although I've never actually painted animal furs, with like, because you, you obviously get the, like the leopard and zebra print and tiger print that people do on. Oh, that's shirt fun. That is. That. <laughs> you thought hazard stripes was fun. Wait till you do animal furs. Well, mate, I've I've done digital camo now, so I c- it can't be harder than that. That was that's really that's a tough little pattern to get the hang of that, and I'm pretty pleased with how that turned out so I'm, I'm quite confident i could do some tiger stripes or whatever but it's just something to look forward to but to be able to represent that like pimping your gang out almost you know with like big fur collars oh, and yeah, loads yeah. of feathers and plumes and skulls so yeah no um, I'm, I'm well up for that no that'd be really cool um, so yeah, that's the the House of Blades information that we've had come out and, and some speculation on that. We've uh, got the models which we've been shown so far. Um, so we've got the Huntresses, the, the Death Maidens, and then the little cat things whose name escapes me at this moment in time. I imagine that at least one of them is going to be end up called Snarf. Snarf? Yeah. And then we're going to have Battle Cat in there as well somewhere. What's that? <laughs> Someone's going to do it. You just know they are. Yeah. And what else was it we wanted to talk about? Um, you mentioned it earlier on, that um, Enforcer character. I think it's nice to see uh, some more thought being chucked towards gangs which are now kind of on the back burner. You know, they've had their time, they've had a big release, but they're still putting out little bits for them, especially as it's got a Cyberhound in there because people have been clambering for those cyber hounds since the enforcers were announced they're like where's the cyber hound why isn't there one included with the squad kind of thing because they had them back yeah and why did they have to get a hacked one in order to be able to use it yeah exactly it just seemed a bit weird so the fact that we've got that model coming out means it's going to come with the rules for said cyber hound and that means that then people can start applying those rules to their own house ruled versions of, of the enforcers so that's going to be really cool uh, the model itself's really nice as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So we've got that. Oh, and I suppose 
it's worth mentioning because it is on our list of things to, to talk about. We've got games workshops closure um, throughout the uh, the lockdown period. So, any particular thoughts on that at all, Chris? No, I mean I think to be morally responsible or an ethical company, they have to kind of be seen to give a shit about the people that work for them essentially that's you know what i mean that's the way i look at it yeah on the one hand i'm annoyed that you know it's going to put delays and things in place but we're talking about people's lives there's there's no no question for me that they've done the, exactly the right thing um in fact i was looking on a, a list of different companies and they've been like marked um red or green like good or bad um and games workshop i mean they've, they've let their staff kind of go home paid they've shut down the distribution centers which must be really huge when you see the amount of stuff that games workshop um produce and oh, ship yeah. worldwide so you're talking hundreds of people working in these places i can wait for my plastic toys uh, last time we recorded i mentioned that the possibility of the coronavirus in china may be affecting the flow of cards coming over for the game <laughs> might have been a thing Oh, it's kind of escalated from there now, isn't it? So, no, I, I completely agree with everything that you've said there. My understanding of Games Workshop, even without the information that you've just mentioned uh, about how they are classed as a company, which is very good because they are concerned about their, their not only their client base but their actual staff as well and the fact that they're still paying them and they've not had any quibbles about it or anything like that. That's, that's great. That's, that's big thumbs up for Games Workshop as far as I'm concerned. If we can just give them a massive shout for this. The Citadel Colour... The people who distribute that, yeah. the the company that they use to distribute the paints, has um, started. Is it respirators? No, um, hand sanitizer. Oh, that was it. Yeah. For for the um, health industry, so I mean that's just incredible. It's another good thing. Do you know what I mean? To think, oh, I'm happy supporting a corporation that'll do that. You know, you don't feel like you're just throwing money at a kind of a money monster. It's it it does seem to have a, a there's a heart behind it. Obviously, this is the heart of you get the passion of the the miniature design, the game design, the artwork, the law, etc. That's apparent, and that's what we all get caught up in. But to see them being like active in in real world matters, and for us, for us kind of nerds, they've gone and they've released all of their Twitch back catalog for free. So all yeah, of the Twitch um, videos you can you can just get on there and watch at your own at your leisure now, which we've all got more than enough of they have an extra uh, they've just launched their twitter um warhammer community team on twitter they didn't have a presence on there before so that's really nice to see they're really engaging and if you uh, hashtag um warhammer uh, community team they'll they're looking at people's work they're checking it out they're reposting it they're doing um live painting sessions hobby sessions every night yeah, and um, they've also got those uh, previews that and they the, yeah, would have otherwise that, that, not put online before. Exactly. The things that they were going to show off at the different events and conventions, the, sh- the schedule and um, over the next, well, indefinitely until this uh, whole thing blows over. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything Necromunda related specifically in the preview that they had in the last week. But that said, uh, I was quite pleased to see the return of Fabius Bile. Uh, oh, otherwise yeah. known as Fabulous Bill. Fabulous Bill. Um, in the community, yeah. <laughs> is there anyone who doesn't call him Fabulous Bill? Because like I, I actually had the original Fabulous Bile model. I mean, I wasn't like a big 40k player. I just had little bits and bobs from whatever I thought looked cool, and I could cobble together mm. something to play the game with back when I was playing 40k. 
Um, but he was one of the few models that I did have, and I thought, oh, he'd make a really cool character to have turn up a campaign for Necromunda at some point or another. So they've re-released him, so I imagine I'll probably end up picking him up at some point or another. I like his little um, his little dude that he's got, like the oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. kind of um, looks like a proto-marine with no armour on and... Isn't he like crouched over the body of a yeah, space he's, he's marine? Yeah, pulling the uh, pulling the gene seed out of him. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, which is a lot more really graphic cool. than I'd expected it to look. It looks yeah. like he's just pulling something straight out of his uh, out of his nostril almost. It's, it's quite <laughs> what quite... sort of like Total Recall? Yeah, like he pulls that big metal tracker out of his yeah. nostril. Yeah. <laughs> when you hear the crunch, you're there. Just pull it out. Be careful. It's my head too. <laughs> um, uh, I've read a few of the the, um, the Black Library novels, but he's such a cool character. Um, but what he comes along with, I'm quite interested to see. If, if he, they bring any other models for him that can be utilised for Necromunda, we know that they had scheduled some kind of Necromunda um, like seminar. A TED talk kind of thing. Yeah, seminar, yeah. there we are, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of keeping watching out and see what what goodies get released. Some people are anxious to see House of Iron previews. I mean, I'd be, I'd love that, but I'd be just as happy with more information on House of Blades. Blades, <laughs> yeah. And so House of Iron again, I'm really going to be happy to see what they do with it because you know I've collected everything. But weirdly, Orlocks, I've still got most of mine on the sprue. The only one that I've actually broken off of the sprue was to make my murder cyborg. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Yeah, uh, I'm really cool about seeing all of that stuff coming out but House of Blades definitely I really want to see more about House of Blades and what they're doing with that mm-hmm. I, um, I've just listened to um, the latest episode of Dawnrunner podcast that's um, Ian Longson he's on our group quite a lot right. um, he does uh, a Necromunda podcast and what episodes are you up to with that now? I think it was five or six. So you'll, Crikey, you, I've got a few to catch up on. Then. Yeah, you have to you have to check it out. I mean, the first one's more of an introduction, what he's going to do, and then he's kind of um, he's breaking the gangs into two. So one is like the law side of it, and two is the um, how to run them, like the tactics and things like that. Oh, right, but it's really nice, nice little, and it, it only runs at about an hour or something, or just over. So it's a nice little one you can just kind of listen to while you're doing a few chores around the house. You know what I mean, or, or whatever it is, or out for a walk or something. Um, it's not kind of a, an epic sit down and make time for this. You could just have yeah. it on in the background. But no, it's uh, really, really easy to listen to. Um, really quite well thought out. So well, no, thank, thank you for listen. reminding me of it as well because I'd listened to the first episode and then I'd just kind of forgotten about it. Oh, but um, done, though, no, that's, it? that's really cool because I, 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 the other day the thought occurred to me. People have numerous times on the group turned around and said, I listen to this whilst I'm doing my hobbying. And I sat there and I thought, well, what do I listen to? Because <laughs> I've sat there and I've made the show with you. And I've already heard it about three, four times all the way through by the time it gets released uh, properly for people to, to listen to on the internet. And, yeah, I was like, well, what am I going to listen to then? There's there's those Eye of Horus that occasionally comes out with stuff. Um, and then I suppose there's, there's Dome Runners. But I ended up listening to something completely weird called... Um, Neo Scum. It's a sort of a role play podcast based on Shadowrunner. I don't know if you you're aware of that thing at all. I, I've um, heard of it. I am aware of it. I've never d- dove into it, or it's never yeah. been something I've looked into. So yeah, not Necromunda related. So I'm not going to talk more about it. No. But it was just really interesting the way that they characterised everything as a podcast. But 
It's kind of felt borderline a little bit on what we do sometimes. Mm. But um, yeah, so that's all the official stuff, I think, out of the way. Um, other than damn you, virus, stop buggering up the damn world because I want my Ogrins. So <laughs> that's it, <laughs> oh, the, I think. That dude with it, hands up, I'll admit, I don't like Ogrin, Ogrin, Ogrin heads. I think they look like... Um, it just screams um, sloth out of yeah, uh, Goonies, doesn't it? can't get on with them i never have i've always thought i don't it, it doesn't do it for me and you know they're probably one of the only kind of races in the game that i just oh that's just lovely derpy well my daughter would say that's such a that's yeah. derpy and that's how i'd describe it but that one with the the metal head with like the red lens in yeah um, I, I, obviously the lens would be whatever color you painted it but the image they released and he he, he just looks proper hench he's massive huge they've because obviously they've got those arms that you can swatch out yep so it's like you, you can imagine fists or something like yeah that. oh he just looks beastly man i really really like that model with that head um, yeah the thought occurred me to me that i've already got about six ogrin models thanks to birthday models coming through and some that i had previously that i thought oh they'll make great enforcers because you've got those bull grins that have got the big shields and the batons and I thought, oh, they'd be like big versions of the enforcers that they bring in. So I've got enough models to do it, but I don't want to make a gang out of those because the models that they put forward for the slave Ogryn gang just look really cool. So I want those. And I want them now, please. So <laughs> so go well, away, Virus. I want my like models. The rest of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the official stuff out of the way. As for the community stuff, my God, you know, I mean, the community a, on our page, and B, just generally, seems to be picking up so much with the quality of stuff that people are putting out and the quantity of stuff that people are putting out, especially during the lockdown. So if you don't get a mention here, very sorry for that, but this is stuff just stuff on stuff at the moment. We've got so many things we can't mention everything, otherwise our quite expansive podcast length will be even longer and we'll just be here talking about people's stuff all day long. Yeah, and I've, I've tried to select people that haven't selected before because it's so easy to kind of fall back on, like, your Leonard's and stuff like that because that man, he just, like... There's something wrong with him. He's just, just constantly churning out tile after tile after tile of amazing scenery. Um, Leonard, the guy... Uh, oh, Leonard Dime. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a bloody phenomenon that man is. You know what though? He's a, he's a, he's a, excuse my language. He's a fucking tease, is Leonard? If he's the guy I'm thinking of, is he the one who put up that pill porn um, video for the hazard stripes? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he put up like seven seconds of it, and you can see the whole thing. And it's like, do you want no, to just explain what pill porn video? is? Because you've got a hundred <laughs> people kind of listening. Or what the fuck? What pill porn? You know, do not. Type this into your local adult site because I don't know what you'll find. <laughs> I've no idea about that, but uh, Dale watches a channel on YouTube called uh, Simply Nailogical, and it's a lass on there who originally was just doing nail painting, but she's kind of developed this whole life video thing that comes out of it as well with her and her fella Ben. And I've ended up watching it as well, so I'm, I'm well aware of what peel porn is. <laughs> but it, yeah, it just him putting up like a seven second clip of it. You know, it, I'm surprised he's not put up like, a, oh, and now if you pay this much money. That's on my yeah, website you can watch the rest of the video yeah. <laughs> but um yeah he's got some really cool um method for using the airbrush so 
it's almost made me want to get one now because especially with all the dark uprising scenery that I've got waiting in the other room to be painted and then all the gank trees from the conquest magazines and god knows how much other stuff that I've got sitting around as well it's like surely getting an airbrush is the way forward here um, am I venturing into like dangerous territory here because I know they're not exactly cheap are they and I've no other than on people where I'm like doing vein work or something for zombies, yeah. I've not had any experience with airbrush before, especially on something as small as miniatures. So no, I, I do love how smooth you get transitions and blends with them all, and you're talking hours if you want to do that with a brush, and you're still not going to quite the same. I mean, even like a master painter, the, you, there's just something that, like in the way that the airbrush works, like the way the, the you diffuse the spray. That you can get those like that, like even just something as simple as hazard stripes with a couple of colours of yellow and a couple of color like a black and a grey, yeah. you get real depth and richness that I just struggle to get. Um well I, I can get to an extent, I can get a similar effect, but it takes lots of glazing and shading and yeah. It, I think they're they're really, really cool bits of kit. Um but very noisy, very expensive and not really cool for using in the house, I don't think, because of the kind of the stuff that gets into the air the particles yeah well i think um, a lot of people are going to have uh, masks and uh, respirators over the next couple of months so uh, maybe uh, an airbrush might not be such a bad idea after that <laughs> again I've, i have tried to pick stuff that i haven't picked out before but i've seen loads of stuff so please don't be offended if your stuff isn't on here yeah rat hole angels um from uh, oh Rob. is that the orlocks yeah gorgeous colour scheme, beautiful, um, and he's, he's been painting them alongside the barricades and stuff, and I think he's using an airbrush, if I'm not mistaken, for some of it, but even just his hazard stripes, they just look like a work of art, just the stripes, like he's he's um, he's hand-painted, the, the cracks going into the black paint, bleeding from the yellow, and it's just so, yeah, just just. This is what lockdown has done to us. It made it makes us appreciate the details because we had to spend this long looking at things now. Oh yeah, no, um, I, I've definitely spent far too much time on Instagram and Facebook looking at stuff and and just coming away feeling shit because I know that <laughs> it's way beyond my current skill level. It's just yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty good at kit bashes. I, you know, I think I am. Um, and I'm, I'm not too shabby at terrain, but painting, I'm still, you know what I mean, I, I realise I'm still very much a beginner. And the problem is when you spend hours making a kit bash and then you come to paint it, it's like, I don't want to ruin it with a shit paint job. Yeah. And then you, you you spend 10 minutes on Instagram and then it's right, I'm burning everything. Just fuck it all, what's the point? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong though, because it's like all our regular guys that you know we've we've probably mentioned a few of later on down in the list anyway. But you've got things like Hobby Dad and uh, Slave to the Whip, High Will. Uh, you know these guys are still churning out stuff, and you're like, this this is art. This is actually art. This isn't something that should have models being skittered across it and dice bashing up against the paintwork on it because it is that detailed, yeah. with like the dirt and the water effects and the posters and the, you know and the grime and it just looks so cool. And it, I I wonder if I will ever get a table that looks like that. No, I, I've had to kind of because I use a um, 
a neoprene mat to game on that's that's like and it's so it's a four before thing so i'm not going to get the ground to look like theirs i'm not buying four before's worth of um zone mortalis tiles because mm. that's a hundred and odd quid that yeah. i just can't justify and the whole point of me having the neoprene mat is i can chuck it behind the sofa it folds up into a tube yep i've got one too i know exactly what you mean boom done and that's the my whole kind of um philosophy for the bulkhead terrain that i'm going to make that i'll be able to chuck it in one box it'll all collapse down I'll be able to chuck it in a box which means that i'm going to have to sacrifice a certain element of kind of you know i won't be able to have cables and wires and tubes going everywhere because it needs to be something that i can I, one i can collapse it and put it away for storage and two i can change it up I, I don't want anything too fixed. I like the flexibility and saying, right, we're going to have a, a pretty kind of low-level board this time. We're going to have a really stacked up, really dense board yeah. and, and having that, um, yeah, that uh, flexibility. This raises an interesting point, though, what you're saying there, because I completely agree, and that's exactly how I've sort of based my setup on as well. But when you see people like Simon and Will, Slave, Slave to the Whip, and all these other people, and they're building these elaborate... Dark Uprising Zone Mortalis mm. boards, and they've got like little setups where it's it's a shop area or a marketplace, and then this one's uh, some kind of generator, and they've got all these different things. You think that's really cool? How many times are you going to actually use that as a set piece in what you're playing? And I think the answer is well, probably more than you would actually initially say. You just call it different things, or it just happens to be a bit of random scenery in the way, but. So, so for the, having like the lockdowned—that's a word that we're using a lot now, isn't it? Um, setup of the board. That's fine as far as I'm concerned. It's the storage space that's a problem for me, which is why when you said a minute ago that I'm not going to be able to have cut, and I thought you're going to say kids, didn't you? You can't have kids anymore because you need the space for all the scenery. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and I thought, yeah, fair play. I, I can't argue with that one. But even with me, it's like I just live in a, a small enough um, flat, essentially, that you, you don't really have the storage space for like having tons and tons of pre-done boards where you've got a set base and then set things on top. You've got to have everything collapsible. Yeah, that's it. it it's essentially I've got a cupboard that I can use, um, a couple of plastic boxes. I can get stuff in the loft and out the loft, but I don't want to be going in and out of the loft every time I want to get like four tiles out and, and come down and set it all up and then it all goes back at the end of the night. So that's why I'm trying to kind of make it as um, streamlined as I can. I still want yeah. it to look cool and I want it to drip with atmosphere, etc. but I've had to accept that... The, the fact that space for me is a premium, you know what I mean? I live with my wife, two kids, two dogs. They own the house. I live around them, essentially. You know, that's just the way it works. And I'm happy with that. I'm a, I'm a really happy guy. But I don't have a hobby room. I don't have a hobby space. I don't... I don't have an area where I say this is my this is where I'm going to sit and model tonight. I, I'll, I'll work on the sideboard or in the kitchen or on the sofa. You know what I mean with a tray on my lap. It's that's yeah. that, and I've just got to be that adaptable, and my terrain needs to suit. I guess, which is I guess why I spend so much time kit bashing because I can put hours and hours into a model and make it unique. But it goes into a little box and goes in the cupboard out the road. Yeah. No, that, that makes complete sense. That actually that explains a lot. So, um, do you want to right. mention one? I mean, I've yeah, got a yeah. Few, but, um... No, I, I was going. We've got we've got loads. So yeah, let's just throw out a quick one here. James Stevenson, um, he made a model of Salacious Paul. He did, and it was really cool with like the scroll coming down. Yeah. <laughs> 
So just, that, just needs just, a couple of servo skulls. That's uh, he, he definitely needs some surveillance servo skulls hovering around him. I think feeding him information, <laughs> but pretty close to to what Salacious Ball would look like in my head. Yeah, um, he just needs a couple of like random shoes to beat people to death with. Um, <laughs> also got Carl Johnson again. You know he's a regular on our little group that we've got. He's an absolute star because he's created yet another set of underhive printables for you to stick up all over your scenery and I'm getting to the point now where if I do nail this colour scheme for my Dark Uprising stuff I can start putting these posters over things like yeah, that. So, we've got, yeah, Carl, we've got some thank you very cool much ones coming in. Yeah, Carl's really, really sweet. Um, uh, we chat quite a bit over Instagram. Um, he, uh, make a point though, if you are going to use his Dropbox to um, take his um, work from don't just click on the link, copy it and put it into your browser because he's had some issues with people being able to access it. And it's such a shame when he's put all of that work into it. And obviously we want to see it in every hive um, across the community. It would be cool to just, just get a little Just save the file, don't mess around with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but no, uh, yeah, really, really love his style as well. He's got kind of a, um, a scratchy Ian Miller kind of style to it. It's like a, a rough... There's a rough, sketchy quality to it that I really, I really enjoy. Yeah. In fact, my um, my uh, avatar on Instagram is a picture he did of one of my unkindness. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Oh, that was that was Carl again, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because he did. Yeah, of course it was, isn't it? Because he did that big, uh, big like compilation video of all the sort of watercolour artwork that he did. Yeah. He's been, he's been doing some more recently, actually. He's been doing, like, the flora and fauna of Necromunda. Oh, nice. So all different, like, cool grubs and stuff. Well, Carl, so def- make sure you get that up in the group, please, because I'd like to see that. Um, all right, I'll go for another one, then. Uh, Ash Bostock uh, on Necromunda Worldwide. I'm not, I don't know if I've come across Ash's work before. But um, now, it's not the most converted uh, ambot I've ever seen. It's a Goliath-themed ambot. But my God, the paint on that—it just—it's just. Oh, is that the one you sent me the picture of the other? Yeah, day? it's got like that is so the, cool. The hazard stripes on its arms, on its on its hands, and then like pinks and blues. But the 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 transitions and the the hues are just so striking. It's just really beautiful model. Um, so that's Ash Bostock. Um, and you'll see that on Necromunda Worldwide. I'll I'll obviously put a link in. I'm going to throw this one out there. It's, it's a pretty obvious one, really, and it has been mentioned in the groups, but I want to mention it officially on the podcast as well. Simon Gurney, okay? This chap is someone who we knew about previously, months and months ago, when we first started doing the podcast anyway, because we were in a group called Greetings from the Warp. That was it. He's been speaking to us recently, and what he's done, it, Simon runs a little, what's the word, reseller or associate or something like that business to, uh, from Games Workshop so um, you can buy the stock in from them but what he does is uh, at least for us in the UK he um, is now offering to members of our group a discount for products from Games Workshop and it's a pretty good one I think what was it like 25% off uh, yeah, it's, things it's, it's a solid discount yeah um, and you from... can't get much better than that no. anywhere else um, so he's been an absolute star in offering us that he didn't have to um, and what's worth noting is that so yeah Simon just runs this by himself in his own home um, and I think he's got like a small storage space that he uses for stuff as it comes in and he then ships it out directly um, within the next few days after that so he does this for the love of it and for supporting the community and you know and hats off to the guy for that so yeah if you haven't seen this post already in the group he's posting up regularly on Saturdays and Sundays I think it is or or two posts on a Saturday something like that 
Um, so yeah, have a look in the group if you're from the UK. And, and when obviously the world returns to normal, we can start getting orders in for, for new things as well. But he is, I believe, still taking orders right now. It's just that obviously he can't get the stuff to you until the stuff becomes available. Because as we've already mentioned, Games Workshop has closed um, their workshops for the moment until this whole thing has blown over. So by all means, if you want to wait for the stuff, knowing that it will definitely get to you and you're in the UK, then drop Simon a message and have a word with him and I'm sure he can try and sort you out for as and when the, the stuff becomes available. Um, guy called um, Alan Carrasco um, on Instagram. He's been making a mutant gang, like a mutant venator, and he's got this amazing mutant leader uh, kit bash and it's just it's gorgeous i i can't really do it justice with the description i'll just have to put the link um on the post when we drop the podcast but definitely get along and see some of that work because that is phenomenal and um, i'll send you a picture in a bit steve so you can know what i'm talking about oh, nice, but that's yeah. incredible. But to be fair that name rings bells i'm sure i must have seen his work already on instagram um and i think i've just got i've got a couple more so uh shattershell on instagram has made a crude gang and they're all they're all done in they're all red they're painted red, but my God some of the, the some of them are really simple but just so effective. Definitely check that out and um, they also are making some terrain and it's some really really good terrain so definitely check out Shattershell. Um, um, I'll just mention my last one and then you can add any that you'd like. Uh, yeah, George sure. McStocker on our group his Cardor gang. Um, he's done like. It's got the the grenade launcher, you know, the underslung grenade launcher that mm-hmm. um, Goliaths have. He's got a, um, a polearm weapon, but he's <laughs> it, oh, nice. it looks amazing. It's really, really Is this the really guy who's cool. done, like, a, it's a fairly muted paint job, I think? Like yes, yeah, purple, really kind of... Really, mm, it's, oh, you know, spot on. It's purple, but it's it's really torn down, like a really yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, good job, that guy. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to specifically mention was, was uh, one that Jess Lee requested that I mention for Hot in the Hive, which is Rochi Rochford's Goliath conversion, uh, which has been posted on the Necromunda Worldwide page. And it's where he's used, I think it's the legs of a Goliath, but the upper torso is from a corpse grinder, you know, the, the big chunky boy corpse grinders. Uh, and it, it just looks absolutely spot on for like heavy armor on a goliath yeah it just gives that like a carapace armor effect yeah. doesn't it yeah and it, it the way it's been converted it, you wouldn't have even thought it's converted it just looks so natural as, as like an expanded armor for goliaths and it, it's got the size aspect to it as well because obviously the, the big chunky armor is making the goliath look even bigger yeah so yeah um just good job to that guy definitely right in which case, then, I we could be here, as we've said, all day talking about everybody's work. So everyone out there at the moment who's in lockdown and uh, spending a bit more time modelling, keep posting your pictures up into the group. We really appreciate it. I know that everybody else does as well because of the amount of comments and uh, likes and things that are being put onto these images. It's just giving us all something extra to do whilst we're waiting for this virus thing to sod off. So uh, thank you very much for all of your input on the group as well, everyone. Um, but I think that's it then, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, uh, like you say, I could go on forever, but uh, otherwise the episode is going to be 10 hours long. <laughs> right, in which case then, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to hopefully hand over to Blitz and Krieg for another one of their Murder Brawl memories. Thank you, Steve. I am Blitz. <laughs> <laughs>
Krieg is currently not here due to the plague zombie outbreak that's ravaging the Underhive. We've attempted to follow enforcer guidelines about staying in our homes, but things haven't been easy. Copious amounts of plague zombies roaming the streets, and when they aren't there, there's the scum-sucking looters that, as I speak, are trying to get into my building! We know that you're in there! You really ought to try somewhere else. You're gonna regret it. Well, there's three of us and one of you when I like those odds. I faced worse and been the one walking away. You scrote sucking sump scum! Well, you're not here, I come! No, you don't! Oh, you're gonna pay for that, you old fart. Better take a look outside. It seems another player has ended the game. A large hazmat suited stranger is throttling both of the looters at the same time. Oh, he's just he's just crushed their heads together. The brains are leaking out onto the floor. The stranger must have immense strength. The bodies have hit the floor. He, he's heading this way. Now I appreciate the assist, stranger, but there ain't anything here to loot. Just a mean old bastard with a shotgun. I can't hear you in that suit. Who are you? I am Creed! <laughs> you son of a bitch. Actually, my mother was a vet. Good to see you, buddy. I was just making a recording for Subcity Radio. Let's get inside before the zombies are back. And this time in greater numbers. Most likely, Greg. Most likely. Especially with the fresh corpses you just left them. Your door lock is busted! Just barricade it with something, will you? Okay. I fixed it! Yeah, I, I guess the fridge will do for now. Anyway, was it just me? Or did those two looters' heads exploding not remind you of... The, the Murder Brawl MMXV Championship Bell Finale! Indeed it did! Good times! I've got a copy of that one on one of these tapes. Ah, here it is! So here we are, my fans. The audio recording of the last round of Murder Brawl MMXV's Championship Fight. And that's the bell! The fighters are slowly making their way back to their corners, and the assistants are running to administer stims and to tend to wounds. We're being told that both fighters are, are switching out weapons. An interesting tactic this late in the match. Okay, yes, it, we're, we're being told that Crusher Steel has elected to go for a chainway. Solid choice. Absolutely, and yes, we've just been informed that Buzzsaw Harris is going to be dual-wielding Eviscerators. Hmm, that's an extreme choice given the damage to his knee. Precisely, Free. He'll need to keep all his wits about him to get him close enough to use those weapons, keep him under control, and keep on his feet. This feels very much like a Hail Mary. All or nothing tactic, but will it pay off? Well, I hope so. I have credit some bus sort of win. May the odds be in your favor, Krieg, old friend. It looks like the fighters are ready to go. And they're off. Oh, 
fighters are running towards each other at top speed! What just happened? I, I, I don't know! You, camera scum! Get an instant replay on that now! Both fighters are down! Double decapitation! Okay, we're getting the playback in slow motion now. Both fighters are running. They're drawing back their weapons to strike. Creek! There, look! I see it, Creek. There! Just as the two fighters reach each other and prepare to strike, you can see, you can clearly see, but saw Harris's kneecap shift and his leg buckle. No! Yep, he clearly wasn't expecting that to happen. See the look of shock and horror on his face as his head now hurls towards Crush's active chain blade. Brutal! Buzzsaw's momentum keeps carrying his body towards Crusher. And as his arms flail, they catch a surprise Crusher in the neck. This is a one in a million event we are witnessing here, Creed. What were the chances of that happening? Like a rattling, ridiculously small. But how do we decide who won? This is supposed to be a sudden death match. It doesn't get more sudden or more death than this, Creed. Well, fair point, but we're receiving word from the murder for all adjudicators. Yep, I'm, I'm getting it now. They're saying that a winner must be called. They're looking at the playback. Yes, they're saying a decision has been made. The adjudicators are saying that the head to hit the floor last will be declared as the winner. Here it is. It's gonna be a close call. Their heads are neck and neck. Wait, what? No, neck, head. The heads are falling at the same time. I see what you mean, Krieg. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be a photo finish and... and... and yes! There it is! A mere fraction of a second apart. It is Crusher Steel that will be announced as the winner of Murder Ball MMXP. No! My credits! So, sorry, Creed, but that's the way it goes at Murder Ball! Well, that's definitely one of the more interesting finales we've had in our time as Murder Brawl presenters. Proving that two heads are not always better than one. Especially for the betters. Get it, Krieg? Betters? No. Wordplay is lost on me. Thanks for listening to our Murder Brawl memories. Now back to the studio. Later, haters. Okay, well, I think we can all agree that that was um, a photo finish worthy event. So, uh, which takes us on to our next segment, which is War Room. Welcome to the War Room. Let's talk tactics. Okay, right, now I've got obviously Steve here still. Uh, hi, Steve. Hello. And Jessly has joined us to blow our brains apart with all of the latest information. Ooh. Hey, Jess. House of Chains. Hi, Jess. Thanks for inviting me back. What's worth pointing out, listeners, is that Jess Lee is joining us remotely this time because obviously we're being responsible and isolating ourselves at this point. So he's not actually here with me this time in the studio. He is remotely calling in. Yes, that's yeah. a very good point because we are all very responsible citizens. So I just have to imagine the reactions we get from Steve at this point. Yeah. Hopefully you <laughs> should be able to hear them. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely. We're going to be uh, discussing Goliaths this time around aren't we Jess? Yep, that's the plan. 
Cool. So enlighten me, because uh, as uh, the listeners may well have picked up on already by this point, I have not read the House of Chains book at all yet. Um, I was planning to read it, but then with the Act Tribe dropping out, I had the brilliant idea that in the uh, the main segment, shooting the shiz, uh, that I would actually create a Goliath gang along from scratch with the book to see sort of how we get along with it. So uh, hopefully your information and knowledge here will uh, help me build a better gang. Okay, well I'll see what I can do. Well, I have the uh, only a marginally better upper hand. I've done a little bit of research. I've done some digging. Uh, again, as with them. Um, Enforcers and uh, Corpse Grinder Cult. I'm not really playing Goliath. It's more what this means for the rest of the gangs. I think um, my vitriol against Corpse Grinders is... uh, It's taken it out of me. uh, Because obviously what they were planning on doing was making... um, we, We saw the precedent set with Enforcers... It's moved on with Corpse Chronicle, and now we're seeing that what they intend to do is bring everybody up to speed with uh, the new way that the layouts work, the equipment works, the skill trees, the tactics, um, and with new additions like Gene uh, Smithing. So, um, yeah, for me, like I, I guess I've got to kind of eat a lot of humble pie and say Games Workshop obviously knew exactly what they were doing. Um, I wouldn't I say think- exactly. No, right, okay, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm no, not it's, giving it's a them a free pass, change don't get me forward. wrong, and I never will, I'll, I'll always kind of listen to, 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 to experts such as yourself, but I think they've certainly brought Goliath more up in line with Corpse Grinders, they've certainly made them a more formidable force. At the cost of simplicity, I have... And you know, I'm not a stupid man, but I've found some of this quite complicated in the way, kind of like judging the balance between taking stimmers or forge bosses. But I'm sure that Jessler will kind of um, talk us through that in more detail, basically. But I think it's really cool. I think they've really upped the law. They've really kind of they've given them their own identity outside of the way they look. I mean, even going back with such like simple things as names so um forge tyrant forge boss stimmer bruiser forge born and bully are all just different ways of approaching the old um leader champion uh ganger and juve with the addition of stimmer which is the kind of uber champ that they were talking about back in the day in one of the twitch streams um yeah. it's like a, a champ on steroids essentially quite literally in the case <laughs> yeah. of a stimmer but i mean even even with the other gangs that's kind of the way it's looking to go um yeah but i'm really keen to see what monstrous builds you've come up with jess because uh, you do often blow my socks off when it comes to this so off you go well we'll have some fun but definitely i agree with pretty much everything you've said the new house of chains book has increased everything for goliath They've given them a whole host of new options, changed some mechanics which should be implemented for all gangs going forward, and just given them a whole new lease of law. Um, so yeah, House Goliaths. Right from the start of N17, they have been the biggest, strongest, toughest gang. Coming in at strength 4, toughness 4, they are incredibly powerful, very tough, hard to put down, and that hasn't changed. So the benefits of the high strength, high toughness and high cool have been balanced out statistically with their slower movement speed. 
with most gangs starting out at M5, Goliaths were the first gang to come in at movement 4 inches. And as we've discussed before, that's since been met by Vansar and Gene Stealer Courts. But at the start, that put them as a very slow, indomitable force versus the more manoeuvrable gangs that would come in Escher and Orlok. And that still stays the same. It's like they've condensed what makes Goliath Goliath. They've upped it. They've, they've, they've kind of made it more intensely Goliath, but it's like they haven't lost that initial kind of... I want to come away from a word like flavour or theme, but that, that that core ethos that makes Goliath Goliath, that's like exactly what you said, slow and indomitable, that kind of relentless tide of unstoppable muscle just coming towards you, which they'd taken a massive hit when Corpse Grinder Cult first came out and it was like, well, what's the point in having Hans Goliath if you're going to have these hand-to-hand combat beasts yeah. that can get across a board without even getting shot at and at speeds that are pretty terrifying if you're getting your rolls right and you're, you're kind of combining your tactics and your um, skills together. But um, I've, I've read some pretty nasty kind of combinations that can be run with these guys. Obviously, we've also got the um, the Forgeborn, which I love the concept. I love the models. I think they're incredible. I mean, they're as cheap as a Jew. Do they really make much of a difference, though, Jess? Um, they can do. Uh, just going back to the main difference between Cor- um, Goliath and Corpse Grinders, a lot of people seem to fall into the idea that Goliath have to be melee-focused, whereas they're not. They're, because of Movement 4, they're going to be slow getting into combat. What you do have is a very strong, tough weapons platform. So with access to strong weapons like the stub cannon, bolters, combat shotguns right off the bat, you've got an extra body that can put off that can pull off the exactly the same strength as any other gang, but take a huge amount of firepower in return. Whereas corpse grinders focus on melee and getting in close. Goliath do melee very, very well, but they're far, far more durable. With every gang coming in at base toughness 4, you're taking so much more punishment when corpse grinders, their gangers, juves, and even their champions are in toughness 3. So although corpse grinders do some things ferociously well, Goliaths still have their niche in huge toughness, base strength 4 across the board, and incredible cool. Which is something exactly lacking in corpse grinders. Oh no, definitely. There's, there's, I don't think there's anyone cooler than the Goliath, is there? Not off the bat. Oh, definitely, and especially with some of the new gene smithing upgrades that we've said. Yeah, um, but I, going back to that, um, it's almost as if the toughness and the resilience of Goliath make up for the masks that Corpse Grinder need. Because Corpse Grinder, obviously, they have, they're not the toughest. You know what I mean? They're pretty baseline when it comes to that. But the the masks like an extra chance, and that armor's an extra chance of getting them into combat. Whereas with Goliath, it's like just a. Yeah, just a slow-moving wall that you're trying to chip away at and hoping that you break the integrity, um, the, like the, the, yeah, the integrity of the the structure to collapse it before it gets to you. Whereas so what you're saying is, is that with the corpse grinders, they've got the bonus of the extra armor via the masks and and things like that. Whereas with the Goliaths, they don't need that, and it's balanced out by their natural toughness. Well, yeah, and like Jess Lee was saying. You've got, I mean, you, you can throw a missile launcher <laughs> from creation. A missile launcher is an incredible piece of kit. Uh, heavy bolter, bolters, grenade launchers, um, all, stub cannons, all of these, some of them are long range and, and really dangerous, and some of them are mid range and really, really powerful. 
So, if if you're throwing templates across the board, you're not scared of corpse grinders anymore. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, once you get into contact, um, in the combat with them, you, as a Goliath, you could pretty much hold your own, if not dominate in some areas. But it's more, the, yeah, the, they're multifaceted. They they they're like a. I mean, I would argue maybe not so much a gun platform, because it's like the. They almost kind of compete with Orlock at that mid-range firepower, that real strength at like um, 12 to 18 inches or whatever it is. Um, whereas, obviously, with your corpse grinder, you have to be using your initiative initiates, sorry, to get in and use any firepower, because they're obviously nixed using any ranged weapons um, when you're talking about your gangers, champs, uh, and leaders. They've really they've become a, a real formidable force in this book, and it makes some of the older gangs start to look a little lacklustre because you're seeing the first of the original gangs getting that kind of pimp my ride. Well, what can we say are some of the biggest changes that have happened since this book's come out from Goliath previously? Yeah, so um, they're definitely the first of a new generation of gang, which hopefully we'll see coming across the board. One of the main changes that I've been impressed with is gang composition. So obviously we've touched on they've introduced new ganger types in specialist champions and specialist juves in prospects um but most importantly they've introduced the gang fighter x special rule and that's not fancy but it's incredibly interesting because previously gangs had to be composed of at least 50 percent gangers right so you need one ganger for every champion leader or juve you had in the gang so your core was all these mid-range able bodies you had to balance the books to get anything interesting but now they've introduced gang fighter your core gang can be made of gangers juves or prospects and that's really interesting because previously when you played a campaign outside of dominion no outside of turf war sorry you could add champions at will as long as you didn't oversee overgo the ganger limit but that meant they were competing with spots in your gang for juves who could obviously progress really fast and you could tailor their growth through skill picks and choice without the advancement tax but yeah. they start off at a lower level whereas champions will come in with the extra wound the extra attack and the skill from base but you don't get much further customization now that they've changed that rule your gang from creation can start off with juves and gangers so you're never like restricted on just default gangers so you'll actually get a lot more use and see a lot more of your juves um, so that means that the type of forces you'll be seeing won't just be 50% grunts with stub cannons and spud jackers. It'll be a mix of those guys with bolters and then you've got your forgeborn with the arc welders and you've got Jews just running in and scooping up the coupe de gras. Oh, definitely. And Jews have become... Uh, people will start taking them because of the restrictions now on specialists. And your Jews got like a... It takes like five levels, is it, to jump up to a specialist? Yes. Um, five experience. Where, whereas, kind of, if you're trying to get a ganger up to a specialist, it's a random roll, so you could essentially be rolling ad infinitum in order to get the one-off chance that he becomes a, a specialist. So juves are really, really viable options. Before we get too far away from the point, just to clarify then, are we saying that there's what at gang creation a limitation of one specialist is it yeah yeah that's one of the new rules they've put in previously when you start a new gang you can start with one ganger carrying a special weapon but then as play continues you can add any number of special weapons to the gang 
and then uh -huh. that leads to some incredible arms races we've seen, particularly with Escher who can get 40 credit needle rifles or Vansar who can have 70 credit combi las plasmas yeah. and then it just skyrockets now they've introduced the specialist oh, added to the specialist trait, so now one ganger in your party starts with the specialist trait they can choose their skills and stat advancements as before but now they're the only ones who are allowed to carry special weapons outside your leader and champs oh, okay right so in which case then that is going to be more interesting because if you're saying that that's going to put a cap on this as you put it arms race then that potentially is going to slow things down a little bit in campaign play um potentially not slow things down but definitely slow the murderous aspect it yes. should mean that if you're off to a slow start and you've lost your first couple of games and you can't get all the credits, it means that when you have recovered and are facing everyone on even level period, you won't have five grenade launchers throwing down at you. Yeah. Or the Dalak with two infiltrating web guns on the base gangers, that sort of thing. So it means that things won't escalate as quickly. You'll still grow. Yes, that, that's perhaps better, a better way of putting it than what I meant, but that is essentially what I meant. It's not going to escalate so quickly. Yeah, it, it won't get out of hand, and that should be... a really really good thing to see in campaigns going forward fantastic yeah um and then the only other well, the other main thing to gang composition is that we've hinted at the different equipment lists so now every single fighter type has their own equipment list they can buy from from the house instead of one multi-purpose list for the entire gang and some people have said that that's very restrictive and it limits what you've got. And it will invalidate some models because you'll have models from existing campaigns with special weapons everywhere, for instance. Yeah. But I think it's fantastic. Um, it really clarifies who can take what and it adds prestige to some weapons that you might have had elsewhere. So particularly like combi weapons and power weapons. They're a symbol of prestige across the Imperium. But for most of the N17 gangs, you can just buy them from your house list and have them anywhere but on a juve. Which mm. is the bad thing. But now, suddenly, if you come in with your combi bolter flamer, that means something. That's a signifier. of That's an important model. And now they're only available for champions and leaders. So yeah. it really, really stands out. And also means that they can introduce certain weapons that they wouldn't have otherwise. Because any model could take it and it could have unforeseen consequences. Like when a Juve gets the second advance and can take any melee weapons, suddenly they can swing a thunder hammer or you know, a power hammer. Then suddenly that's gone very differently to the standard Goliath, who's movement four, and that can really, really mix things up. Hmm. So now they can oh, That's have... sounding pretty good. Yeah. And one thing with the Goliath list is with the stimmers. They can have paired weapons, a yeah. trait previously only seen on the corpse grinders. So that works when it's isolated on one single platform because they have limited options they can get. But if you were to put those paired weapons on every single juve that can now form 50% of your gang, suddenly that's a very different threat. Because it's the same trait, isn't it? That's Yeah, it's the same weapon. So now yeah, they're restricting really that access. So it, it does limit and it will invalidate some models you've brought previously. That, that's the point, Stephen, is that Stimmers, right, you're paying extra, so it's um, 25 on top of a normal champion, so it's 125 mm -hmm. for a stimmer. You get plus two, um, two plus weapon skill, so obviously that makes them melee monsters. Yeah. Um, but you lose group activation, so they can't group activate like a normal champ, ah. but you gain access to um, paired 
and it's um instead of the renderizer they're called pulverizers and it's like a mini renderizer so they're oh, absolute right, nice. beasts and monsters but you can't just give that to anyone you couldn't no. that that's that's the whole it changes that's be the stimmers yeah it changes the way that the that you you approach the game entirely it's re it's like just he said people are saying well i find it really restrictive but they've opened up the amount of weapons that they can get on a starting list i mean their starting list is really nice if you look at it 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 just means that you you can't fill a gang like um again like just Lee's saying like you can't just spam with grenade launchers or you know you you've got to really think about it and you've got to think about well stimmers are awesome and they're you know what I mean? They look great, and they've got like the the paired skill, and they've they've got the extra the extra um, weapon skill. Mm-hmm. But you're losing that opportunity to group activate. You're losing certain things as well, and it's it's about balancing it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly that. And because they'll be absolutely ferocious because they start with three attacks. They have weapon skill two plus with paired. That's three attacks, one charging, one additional, uh, eight attacks on the charge. With gene smithing, wow. you can increase their attacks by one, so you could have a ten attacks on the charge that's from a non-corpse grinder, and that's incredible. But you could also have a champion who now has access to suspensors with their heavy weapons from creation. So uh, Stimmer's fantastic at murdering everything in combat, but if it gets pinned, if it gets uh, concussed, seismic, that can knock it on its ass regardless of what traits it's carrying. Whereas a ranged weapon can always kill at distance. So again, it's versatility and giving options. And generally, I think it gives a lot more than it takes away. It means you will have to think about what your army your gangers with, obviously. Um, so you'll see a variety of stub cannons, bolters, melee combat loadouts. Because they're not relying on the crooks of special weapons all over the place. Yeah. I've just checked that actually, as you've been saying that, Jason. You're right. They've they've got suspensors as a standard on the um, forge. Was it the uh, forge tyrant and the uh, forge bosses now? So uh... yeah, and and like um, Chris said, the missile launcher. And I converted (laughs) an Orlock with a missile launcher from I think the very first time we started playing the N17 box, and it's yet to see play. But now, if that's on my house list as well, you can bet your ass that's hitting the table (laughs) from creation. Yeah. That's going to be cool. And, and another thing it alters um, that you've really got to consider from creation, because you can't add this afterwards. It's not like um, where you can go at the trading post. It's your gene smithing. Yeah. That, it's there and it's done. It, yeah. Once you've got that, you've got that. You can't change it and you can't add it afterwards. So if you've created a ganger or a, a champ or whatever, you can't then alter them with the gene smithing because it's obviously law reason is that it's, this has been done while they've been in the Amniovats or, or wherever it is, that they've, whichever method they've used to create them. Yeah, yeah. so we might as well go on to them right now. Go for it, man. So yeah. gene smithing, like Chris perfectly summarised, are upgrades you can add or negatives you can add to your fighters at their creation or recruitment. And they depend on essentially how the Goliath was born or raised. So there's three different types of Vatborn, which are the standard Goliath baseline. They're made in vats, they're bred for their purpose, created for their purpose. There's Natborn, Naturalborn, who are bred physically from Goliaths, birthed by Goliaths, raised as Goliaths, and they tend to have a more refined pedigree. And then Unborn, they're the gangers that have started outside of House Goliath, been recruited pumped full of steroids and made into goliaths 
almost. And then they have vastly, vastly different traits available to them as upgrades. So the baseline Vatborn are what forms your gang generally. The Natborn have a price increase and Unborn do as well. But then from them you can get thematic upgrades or negative traits depending on how they are. Um, and they all have a credits, a credits cost or deduction. There we go. Deduction is the word I was looking for. So you can save some credits by hindering your fighters, and they are pretty damn awesome. So there's what, some the, uh, the detractions. Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying that the detractions that you can have from your uh, fighters are a, a good choice. They can be, um, because they add so much flavour and character to your fighters. Obviously, when you're playing campaign, halfway through, suddenly you've got a story of this one ganger who fought the incredible odds, or Chris's Escher Juve, was it? Who took out a, a leader, and yeah. stuff like that. You get such a great story to it, but when you add genesmithing, you're building this guy from the start. So if you think of an RPG, you're not just level one fighter, you're Boris, the level one fighter who's protecting his homestead, that sort of thing. Yeah, so when you say RPGs there, Jess, that reminds me, a lot of RPG systems have a character creation, uh, negatives as well as positives that you can take for your character to sort of flesh it out a bit. Yeah, so you have your traits and your drawbacks, and it makes, first of all, it adds a lot of character to it, but it can also be used mechanically to save credits for across the board where you need it. Yeah, it's like you, t you take a mild hit on, say, toughness or, or whatever skill it is, uh, depending on the gamesmithing. And yeah, essentially, it's giving you, say, 10 credits per ganger or per fighter back to then pump into equipment or, um, or weaponry or extra bodies. So it's about balancing it out. Whereas you could opt to take a smaller gang, pump more credits in, and get extra toughness with hardened skin or whatever, you know what I mean? And it just, yeah, it, it's like a, it creates even more variety in an already quite, um, with House of Chains, an already quite complex um, creation system. Because, um, I mean, I was looking through Yak Tribe, and one guy was like, I'm going to run, and they're all, they've all got negatives, they've all got negative gene traits, but that tied into the law for the gang that they were all misshapen kind of monstrosities that hadn't come through the, the Goliath creation process correctly. Oh, was uh, that the guy who said that he's going to have like a mad doc there who's based off of uh, Fabius Bile's work? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So he, he's used that as a template, but it works really well because, yeah, he'll be taking little hits here and there, but it, it allows him to create his own personalised version of Goliath, you know, like the... Because obviously you imagine that millions upon millions of these things have been spurned out of um, of Gene Smith and kind of factories, and you're going to get rejects and whatnot. And, and and this is a faction purely kind of built of these rejects. It's just such a kind of thematic, cool, and and yeah, flavorful idea. Yeah, and it just changes it from Ganga One with Stub Cannon, Ganga Two with Stub Cannon, to Jeff who has. Um, brave but foolish who suddenly has greater cool but he's absolutely idiot he has minus intelligence and then suddenly he's <laughs> different in the storyline to the guy next to him but another side effect is that during campaign play you won't always have the perfect amount of credits available when you need it so suddenly you can take a hit and save 10 credits by putting a hindrance on one of the fighters you're recruiting to make sure that you've got the right bodies where you are and then you can equip them out later and you know, make the best of it. 
but it can pull you out of that situation where you wouldn't have credits otherwise to afford the 55 credit ganger and the 30 credit gun because quite often it sucks with a ganger to compromise on the weapon when you buy it because you can't get rid of it then and if you go for a lesser loadout suddenly you're missing out the slots to get the weapon you want when you can afford it so that gives you that opportunity and that leeway to add character whilst also saving the mechanics of your gang that's pretty cool Hmm. So there's lots really of different like aspects um, to it. I'm just looking at some of the uh, sort of gene smithing that you can do now, and it's like hyperhealing. That sounds interesting. Hyperhealing is one of mine to note. So that's 15 credit bonus, and you have a chance to lose lasting injuries you've suffered after every battle. If you just want to read that out, Steve. Yeah, sure. Uh, seeing as I've got it right in front of me. Hyperhealing, uh, 15 credits. This fighter's flesh retains many of the regenerative properties from the amino tank. This fighter can roll an extra injury dice when making a recovery test and choose the dice they wish to use. In addition, during the post-battle sequence, if this fighter has any lasting injuries, roll a d6 and on a 6, the fighter can heal one of the lasting injuries and remove its effect from the fighter's card. That sounds pretty tasty. Yeah, because yeah. it's essentially an assisted recovery whenever you go down, and if you do suffer any lasting injuries, you can attempt to shrug it off. That's 15 credits. Yeah, that's big, and that's a, that's a Vatborn upgrade. So they're all distinct depending on the type of fighter you have. So that's, obviously, if you've been raised, yeah, from a VAT, you still have those traits. Um, again, another one I like is Fearless But Foolish, where you get plus one cool at the cost of minus one intelligence. So suddenly you've got the fighters who won't care that everyone's going down around them. You've got that rock-fast anchor in the middle of the line that should you eventually start bottling, they're not going anywhere. Because as we said, yeah. Goliath has an amazing cool. So suddenly Just don't, don't get him to open better. the door. <laughs> yeah. And then some of the negatives I like. Um, you can choose to save, I think it's like 10 credits, by losing minus one toughness or strength. Oh, Christ. Yeah, this goes on, doesn't it? There's, there's different like tables for each of the different types. Yeah, and you've got oh, your positives wow. and your negatives on each one. It's it's crazy. The the, the combinations, that's what I was, when I was saying at the beginning, I found it really confusing. It's not that I'm thick. It's that it becomes really no, dense. No, no. And Definitely in the, not. And in I'm the starting warfare, to see your point. It's great. It's it's such a it's such a good way to redo. I mean, right, coming away from the actual Goliath themselves, yeah. it 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 combines every hanger on you can have, every brute you can have. It combines all of the weapons that you have access to from creation. It combines obviously all of the different skills, etc. You get the new extra skill um, section, which is muscle, which um, certain ones have access to as primary as opposed to secondary. So that's another reason for taking a stimmer. But it, it also has um, territories that are specific to them, alliances that are specific to them, the benefits of taking, like financially and and um, and, and buff wise, for taking these different alliances. Um, so you see the reduction in things like um, Jordan Ogren, um, Servitor, sorry, the, the the big ugly, oh, yeah, I can't think. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah. Jotun, Jotun. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So you're getting reductions on those for being Goliath, but. It, moving forward seeing that this is how you just need that one book that is all you need and you get um goliath specific territories even goliath specific um like scatter terrain essentially so you yeah. can pull out barricades just or, an h grade so that was the one yeah that fact that's the one i was thinking i'm sorry um or, or, yeah like barricades that you can just chuck up after so everybody's set up on the board and they've got a, a special access to this scatter terrain and you just you can just chuck barricades up that give you um invulnerability against blaze and things like that as long as you're in cover it, it, it really changes the game <laughs> 
it that's makes, really cool. It, it's awesome, man. It, honestly, it, it's such a good precedent to set. Dear and God, it, they've, they've, they've done so much detail on this, haven't they? They have, and the law section's phenomenal on its own. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that... It, it's so rich now. And, 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 I mean, like, they go back and they've got, like, a... Um, uh, a history, like so, like a chronological kind of history of, of, of what Goliaths were to start with and, and right up to the present day, and it's like all these like um, really kind of pivotal moments within the history, within the timescale. It's so rich. I'm I'm really really impressed with it. But yeah, sorry, going back to Jane Smith and sorry, that's where no we no no that's a perfect thing because a lot of um, people were really worried when it was announced that it would be a, it would be revisiting the terrors of the gang war cycle. Yeah, or, or just a dirty cash grab, and I don't think that they can be accused oh, of that. God, I'm no. sorry. Clearly, anyone who says that hasn't even no, looked at the book. You no. know, so. but that was definitely one of the main concerns. But they are much more akin to a full codex in depth of law and options. It's definitely added way, way more than it's take away. Can I make one more point just to address something that I brought up in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, it was about the tactics card, and I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just voicing my concerns about it not being random. And I've already thought of a way around it. If you have a token, a D66 token's in a bag, and you pull one out, you can't change that, you can't alter it, but you know what I mean, it, it, it can still stay a, stay a secret. So on one side of the token, it's got the number on, and on the other side of the token, it's blank. You pull it up, you know what that is, because you've got the, the thing to go against, and you flip it over and put it blank side up on the table. Then when it comes to using those um, tactics cards, you can't be you can't be fudging it by, you know what I mean, learning the table off by heart, yeah. or, or lying, essentially. You know, we are talking about it possibly being open to abuse. Mm-hmm. Really simple ways of kind of to, to to negate that that abuse, I think. So, so listeners, if uh, any of you know where we can purchase one of these bags of tokens, with all the you just make them. Anyway. You literally just make them with <laughs> with like poker chips or anything, any circular oh, or, or square enough. token. I would just, just have a little you can get bag. a nicely crafted set from. Like oh no, I'm sh- I'm sure um, all of the third party companies will be um, would be jumping on that if they thought there was a. Um, market for a market it. for it yeah definitely but yeah no my initial concerns i'm i'm completely they've gone i've got no issues with the way the tactics cards run i think if we can all have them in our book and we all know exactly what we're dealing with it doesn't matter if you have the cards or not it really doesn't awesome. it, it is that good i really think they've they've found a, a workaround for for a lot of the issues that people had in the first place right sorry back to the genius that is jess lee oh i didn't say that <laughs> no it, it definitely feels like a quality product that's supporting the line as opposed to just a cash grab sure they could have done a couple of gangs at once and I'm looking forward to the compendium when all the house books are out if there is a compendium, fingers crossed but it's definitely a good standalone supplement that adds to the game. You do have the issue of power creep obviously at the moment because we're waiting for them all to catch up so this it's like um, I messaged you guys last night and I was just I'm trying to write my Escher list but I'm aware of the new things that are coming without really any idea of how the rules are going to work. Yeah. So I'm I'm reluctant to cut and stick stuff together, knowing full well that I'm going to have restrictions on certain guys with certain weapons, going to have access to new weapons, and then access to new different kinds of fighters and new different kinds of skills. So thankfully, Esher's the next book out, so I haven't got too long to wait, so I, I can hold off, you know what I mean, 
dive in too There's a deeply. lot of excitement about it for that book at the moment, mm-hmm. I think. I'm, I'm excited. I am, yeah. But that's only been exacerbated and then blown up by reading through this one. It's just yeah. so rich. It really is. Um, sorry to use that word over and over again, but I can't think. It, it, it dense, rich. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so led and, and awesome. And I'm just... I mean, you just have to see what people have been doing with Goliaths on the on the Goliath pages, on our page, on, on on all of the like Necromunda pages. Some of the conversions people have been making, some of the kind of lists that people have been coming up with, it it, it makes them exciting again. Definitely yeah. that it's relit a fire in the community, and instead of mm-hmm. just the jumpsuit orange gangers with bolters everywhere and as many powerhouses. Hey, what's as you wrong can with the in. jumpsuit orange? <laughs> <laughs> That felt very pointed, just No, it was... You know how that looks so Goliath? It's very yeah, yeah. evocative, and that looks... Oh, that's a distinct... Like the bright yellow fresher. Yeah. And you just do these base, big primary colours, but some of the depth of them... Obviously, you get lots of clowns and stuff, and the dirty colours, the rust, the verdigris. It, it's really exciting for how people are developing the gang for the fluff that's now available. That's it. it wasn't the dig at everyone using the same colour scheme. It was the fact that people are open to so many new ideas because the fluff I it was has dig at my Goliath lit that spot. For orange. <laughs> no, I know. I, I love your Goliath. They're incredible. Yeah. Especially when I get to use a champion and just murder everyone in murder downtime them, games. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> um, so back to Gene Smithing. Um, it's it looks like a trait that could be applied to lots of gangs going forward with the different types of fights. So you'd have the naturals, the elites, and then the outsiders. So a lot of people have been speculating to see if that will come back. Because they may not be physical stat buffs, but potentially ranking, access to equipment, that sort of thing. Because it represents a lot of the gang culture, as well as just the mechanics that they change. Right, okay. So it'll be interesting to see if that does stay in some form for each gang. Because you could imagine the chem addict um, Escher, the wilder ones from the... um, outside that become through the uh, hunters or whatever they end up doing that way so you could easily have the different aspects or like orlocks you'd have the toll road workers as opposed to the ash waste caravan guards and how the different aspects of their gang might have different traits that they could bring in Hmm. so we're interested if that stays but anyway so napbon uh, these are the Goliath who are born from Goliath, and they have a refined pedigree. Yeah. And I just want to uh, sort of clarify at this point as well: any of these um, variations, so the the Natborn, Vatborn, and so on, you can apply that to the different ganger types. Is that right? Yeah, or is there yeah. Restrictions? Across the board, so every single Juve, Prospect, Ganger, Champion, Stimmer, Leader, you choose how they were born, and any traits that they. Obtained. That's very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And even just, aside from genesmithing, becoming a natborn, I think it has a changer because you've born that way. You, I think you suffer like minus one cool, but you gain willpower and intelligence yeah. because you're refined, you've evolved. Yeah. You're not just that stim, deadened, reckless, Template. natural, uh, vat-born Goliath. Mm. Um, and then you get the gene smithing traits on top because there is a cost just to be vatborn or run, natborn or unborn. Yeah. And then the upgrades. So it can get a bit costly, but you can add so much character to every single member. And if you don't want to, that's fine. Just run it as vatborn and have it straight from the production line. 
out of the tube into the gang. And that doesn't take anything away from him because that represents the masses of the Goliath. And that's just as cool as anyone who's customised with the upgrades and downgrades. No, this is all great. I'm loving all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Have a look through because it changes I'm doing it massively. right now, yeah. Um, so the natural born, obviously two of the easiest to look at are prime specimen. Plus 10 credit cost, but you get to increase any stat by one. Which is pretty big because obviously a stat upgrade is normally nice, well, depending on what you go for, but 5 plus XP. If you go for ballistic skill, strength, toughness, then you're looking at 8 plus. And you can put that anywhere. So you can increase yeah, your thing. starting. That's the, it's the, the free choice. It's like somebody saying, there's a chip, put it on whatever colour you want. That I mean, that's it's a real flexibility for 10 credits, I think. That's, yeah. So you want a slightly faster Goliath? Chuck it on there. Yeah. No, you want a slightly, for some reason, even tougher? <laughs> Stick it on there. Oh, you it's, certainly It's can. really cool. And that seems like, with that, suddenly your champions go from Ballistic Skill 3 to Ballistic Skill 2+. Mm -hmm. You've got a strength four, toughness four, Van Sar in your Goliath gang. I say toughness four, las guns, auto guns, they're already wounding you on a five plus. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it, actually, you're right. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I've got I've got some builds. Not nothing horrific, but that's a really easy way. And for the ten credits, and I think to put Nat Born it's twenty. So for thirty credits ish, you suddenly become a Van Sar in a Goliath gang. And you can still increase your strength and toughness through upgrades. And you've got the cool so that you aren't going to run away. It's like, think of Escher. When they're running around with their plasma guns and stuff, you take a couple down, suddenly the entire gang is fleeing. You've got this yeah. anchor line of bodies that aren't going anywhere, but sniping with heavy bolters, or missile launchers, or combi bolters. And suddenly that's wild. So yeah, like yeah. I say, we can go for um, Toughness 5 on a starting Goliath. And you can do that as a Vatborn as well for 10 credits. But this means you can choose any stat. So if you want to go for an extra wound, think of that. All orcs stand out because they can and have. Presumably, if you want to go mental, you can like get all of these different stats for no, like the same. No. They do model. cap your Jews uh, and gangers can only take one gene smithing upgrade, uh, and I believe leaders and champs can take two. I'll have to just yeah. double check that. But when you're looking at um, gene smithing, like the tyrant's own, so that's again that's another. Yeah, I was just looking one. at that. <laughs> yeah. That's two extra, like you can pick a, put an increase on two different uh, characteristics of one. It, if it's you took just... that and adaptive biology. Yeah. Um, and that can, uh, Tyrant Zone can only be on the leader. So you'd have to have it all, both of these on your leader is what I'm thinking. Yeah. But so you could do that and that's like that's... three stat increases. Yeah, for 30 credits plus nap one. So say about 50 credits. And a couple that I've got them written down is um, go for plus one ballistic skill, toughness and wounds. Suddenly you've got Weapon, uh, ballistic skill 2+, plus, toughness 5, 3 wound champion. He's shrugging off any shotgun bolts because they're wounding, or uh, even a bolter. A bolter is wounding him on a 5+. plus. Yeah. Then armor, and even if it does a wound, he's only taking 2. Because he's still got 3, so he's still standing. He's not taking any flesh wounds, he's not hitting the ground, <laughs> he's not dead, he's standing and shrugging it off. Yeah. Which just goes to back up the sort of the, the, the story and the lineage of Goliaths, isn't it? Yeah. Like being super tough. Or one of the really exactly. scary. It puts things. them back in that place where where they, they kind of the they had to take a backseat to corpse grinder while this was being kind of brought out and published whatever. But my God, have they come back with a vengeance? It it, it doesn't 
doesn't mean that they destroy corpse grinder it just means mm. that they're, they're tough in a totally unique kind yeah. of way they have yeah. their own strengths and mm. it's very different to how a corpse grinder gang fights and uh, you were saying earlier that you know uh, corpse grinds can be fast because they build up through their skills and they keep fighting but they don't have natural access to nerves of steel but you could have a nat born leader with plus two movement and well, take your pick toughness wounds or even weapon skill for that two plus and suddenly you've got a goliath that's running around six inches with toughness five or weapon skill two plus that's crazy yeah but really cool and that, that can be absolutely amazing um, or one of the things that I think was really, really gross when I was looking at um, the difference between Chaos Cults and Chaos Affected Gangs uh, was the benefit of Nurgle. Yep. Whereas if you become devoted to Nurgle, your leader gains plus one wound. So if you have a nat-born leader with prime specimen and tyrant's own, you can increase your toughness by one, wounds by two. You could have a strength four, toughness five, five wound leader. With no weapon restrictions. That's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. Sure, yeah, it is 50 credits on upgrades for this one fighter, whereas that could be an entirely new fighter in the gang. What stands out to me is that you'll notice that I'm not losing my shit this time. What the fuck? I'm not, but that's just this, that's just that. It's because you know that something like this is coming for each of the houses. Yep. Do you know what I mean? No one's getting left behind. So the, the, the fear of power creep, it's temporary. It's purely until everybody gets brought in line with this new kind of um, system. And it, that's what got me so hyped and kind of thinking, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not just going to have to collect all of the gangs and, and work my way through them and I'll get bored eventually because I'll have played every combination. You, you, can, you can forget that. That ain't happening. You could literally play Goliath five campaigns in a row and not play the same Goliath. They're that. It's that adaptable. It's that. It's that kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just having a look at the unborn ones, and I'm getting ever so slightly ahead of us here about like Doc's failure at minus ten. That just sounds yeah. hilarious. The hindrances. Got so these cool. misshapen like Goliaths wandering around. But you're you're pulling those creds back though, aren't you? That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, so you've got a, a completely different looking or, or acting gang, but they're starting from the base stat line and then yeah whether the vat born or nap born or um unborn and then the jane smith and on top of that it's it's so yeah. cool yeah so i think corpse grinders were and still are absolutely terrifying because they have all these bonuses stacked on innately within the cost yeah. whereas it looks yes. like the idea going forward is the houses will have these options but you buy it and you choose it not everyone's going to have plus three stats thrown at them because it's going to be accommodated with a cost. And that's going to be the big difference going forward with the House of Books. Yeah. Um, one last Natborn Gene Smith that I think is incredible. Adaptive Mind. It's a Gene Smith upgrade that lets you treat secondary skills as primary when choosing them as advances. And sure, in a skirmish, that's completely neg um, at creation. You're thinking, oh, I could have plus one in a stat. I could have plus two in a stat on my leader. But if you take that on a champion, as soon as he gets some XP, he can treat leadership as his primary. And you could have a second overseer in the gang. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. huge. So you can have your tyrant's own prime specimen, Nurgle leader with toughness five, five wounds, whatever. And you can slingshot him into the enemy. You can have your Vansar 
heavy bolter, oh, Goliath, yeah. Yeah. running around, shooting twice because his mate's urging him on. Whilst the leader, instead of being stuck at the back with just a chainsaw and a pistol, is suddenly involved. You're not losing that prime body and huge stat line to ushering everyone around. Hmm. Look, you, it, it justifies pumping all of that money into a guy because all of a sudden he's, he's in the fray, he's using those awesome weapons and those awesome stat lines. Yeah. Whereas before, with Overseer, it's kind of... It, it, it's a lead from behind, isn't it? Yeah. So you, you kind of... The main oh, leader give, loses the spotlight. Mm-hmm, I'll give him a token weapon, uh, you know what I mean? Just in case kind of my, my gun line breaks or my, my, my flank gets broken through. And then he can just about kind of manage himself on his slightly improved stats. All of a sudden, you're yeah, like you say, you you you're using kind of the momentum of your champ, who's now kind of your de facto leader with regards to the um, Overwatch uh, overseer, and he's yeah, barreling your leader in. And all of a sudden, people are like, "What the actual?" And also, yeah. it means instead of taking a stimmer, you could take a do the guys forge boss. But they can switch to have muscle as primary instead of secondary, so you're gaining the muscle skill, so you can get access to those, but you still have your group activation because you're still a forge boss and not a stimmer. Yeah. And it yeah, it, it the flexibility is just through the roof, man. It's it's insane. And some of the muscle skills are absolutely fantastic, so working around it and getting at the primary is worth every credit. Mm-hmm. But that's just one that really stuck out to me because previously uh, you either give your leader really naff weapons and he does nothing or you're not using the skill. Whereas now you've got your champion, who is your second in command, doing it. He's monitoring the troops while the leader runs straight into the enemy and takes them out. And that's just ignoring the horrible opportunity of having Overseer on your leader and Overseer on a champion and a stimmer and just <laughs> running him the hell in. Because he could do three yeah. activations. That's three charges. Uh, a stimmer with plus one in a stat would have ten attacks on the charge. <laughs> if you don't want that side of the board to have any models, you could do it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it's open to abuse, but it's cool. With all of these gene-smithing options that you've got here, there's... I'll just read through it now. There is so many different options for creating models. I imagine the people who do the spreadsheets for Yak Tribes uh, tools for gang creation are going to have a nightmare of a time putting all this in. Um, So thanks to them for as and when they eventually get that sorted, assuming they haven't already. (laughs) But um, my my question at this point is, then, do you think that what we'll see is people focusing heavily on the genesmithing and not worrying so much about the weapons to begin with, just so that they can get that spread of various models and all the different skills and things like that that they want in there as a result of the genesmithing and then worry about the armory later on as the campaign goes on probably not early on we might because playtesting has been stimmied by the current situation Mm. but as people build and play with the genesmithing options because it's going to take so much playing to find out what works they might go heavy on it but in a campaign you still need to survive the first couple of fights that's true so it may be that you have an idea of what you want to recruit later on and you will make some compromises with negatives on gangers and juves to save those credits so you can harness and enhance your main fighters you're interested in. But I don't think you can go heavy on genesmithing at the exclusion of weapons and equipment mm. because you're going to suffer for it. 
Yeah, I suppose it might possibly delay the arms race, as, as we mentioned earlier on, even further, because if people are wanting to spend additional credits on the models, then those credits aren't available for the big, big old weapons that normally they'd otherwise be aiming for. Yeah, so it could be that everyone's on a slower start. Yeah, but when somebody says to you, right, I'm going to have a forged tyrant, Natborn, he's going to be tyrant's own, so that's plus, he's going to decide to have <laughs> plus one wound, plus one toughness. Prime yeah. Specimen, another plus one toughness. Missile Launcher with Suspensor, Chain Axe, <laughs> Furnace Plates and Nerves of Steel. 440 credits. Oh, yeah. And so that's it. half your budget on a starting campaign, but you are a monster. An and then a bunch of uh, handicapped mo- Jews running around <laughs> so, just to make out. Just so you don't flee on the first casualty. You think so? Yeah. But, but look, this, I pull this as an example list. This isn't my list because I don't play Goliath. So, but um, so you've got your one Forge Tyrant like that. Okay, you've got your Goliath, two Goliath Stimmers, Vatborn, Dermal Hardening, so plus one toughness, Assault Grenade oh, wow. Launchers, Assault Grenade Launchers. So they're the stupidly risky kind of uh, yeah. crazy ones. They're twin-linked with stun rounds. Um, furnace plates and nerves of steel. That's 205 credits each. And then you have two Forge-born um, prospects. So they're VAT-born. Re- reduced bone density. So you've taken the um, strength down one. Um, stub gun, uh, dum-dum rounds and furnace plates. That's 40 credits each. And then two Forge-born uh, again. But these ones, um, you take with stub gun um, and just your basic um, Under Armour. 35 credits each. Hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't harm you. It adds a lot more, and you can balance the books out to have those big strengths. Like most of your base gangers, if you give them a ranged weapon, you don't need to be strength 4 as well as toughness 4. So you can cut 10 credits off each of them by reducing the strength 3. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly each of those has just brought plus 1 and a stat for each of your leaders and champions. Well, that's what this guy's chosen to do yeah. here. He's, he's, he's got four guys there, minus 1 strength. And you think, well, but they're, they're just meat shields. He's not giving yeah. them anything special. They've got stub guns, and they're running around, and they're causing chaos. But essentially, given he's monster of a leader, and he's kind of beasty um, stimmers, the, the cover and the support that they need, yeah. but if he loses them, he doesn't care. Because yeah. the, the 35 credits are pop. And I will just add in, they're not bad. They're still gangers, and they're tough as four. Yeah. You know, every other ganger in any other gang, and they're tougher than them. And they're saving credits to allow the monstrosities that they leave them. So it's not as if they're super crippled, because they're still stronger or tougher. They're still better but than the baseline ganger that elsewhere. Shows how, that shows how flexible and kind of plug-and-play every aspect is. He's got a killer leader to killer champs. You know, mediocre, normal kind of um, ganger slash Jews running around. But he's had the option. He's done exactly... He's done both of the things that you said, Steve. He's, he's, he's opted to use Gene Smith and in this instance to negate the strength of his, his gangers, his juves, sorry, or his prospects. But he's, yeah. he's opted the other direction to chuck loads of toys at his main guys and loads of Gene Smith in, in order to improve their, their, their baseline stats. He's literally had the best of both worlds. Yeah, I hope this flexibility, though, will leak its way through to the game in the sense of that people will spend more time thinking about well why is my gang like this why is my 
you know, all these Jews over here looking a bit weird and, you know, mutated and not quite right. And then these guys over here, super, you know, and it'll create further stories for it. It's, as you say, the example of the, the chap, whoever it was, that did the sort of mad doctor, Gene Smith, Goliath, and where a lot of them have gone wrong and things like that. You know, it, I'm hoping it'll put more of that flavour into it. And then that's going to cause more of the, uh, the uh, sort of a, a renewal of what should have happened with uh, Necromunda in the first place, which is where people haven't been min-maxing the hell out of it. They've just yeah. been playing it for the rule of call. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And f- fingers crossed it will. There will still be the players who just go, well, I've got 10 credits plus one toughness. And that's not a bad thing because they're still a hardened bunch of Goliath. It's just another thing to work around. But I think hmm. because it adds so much more to the community in options, the one or two fights you might have where it's just mechanically perfect Goliath yeah, it'll be tough and you'll struggle, but then when you smash through them, that's going to mean so much more. And like yeah. the list that Chris just read out, every one of those fighters has their own story. Presumably they'll have a name, but they'll all have their own character. And then that gang is yours. And that's yes. that's absolutely incredible. So the last little bit of Gene Smithing before we carry on with Barricade, just because I think this is fantastic, is the unborn traits. As you said, with Doctor Zone, you can have these malformed guys who haven't been up to the tough standards of Goliath and they will have short, horrible, miserable lives. But when you become an unborn, when you make an unborn, you can choose any outside skill set and add it as a primary. So that adds huge options as the guy learnt tricks before he became a Goliath and kept them with him. Oh, so you could go for like shooting skills. You can go for shooting. So like we're saying that with that cool. suspenser heavy bolter, suddenly you've got trick shot. So you don't need to worry about the increased ballistic skill because you're ignoring cover. If you've got fast oh. shot, suddenly your grenade launchers or combi bolters are just unleashing hell everywhere. That's crazy. On a strength 4, toughness 4 body. Hip shooting on a combat shotgun. 4 inches slow, but what happens if you can move 8 and then unleash the template? Or one of the things that I'm absolutely in love with, the idea of. I'm not sure how to make it work, but I want to try. A cunning stimmer taking infiltrate. <laughs> that sneaky, roided yeah. monster. That's going to be awesome. Running up. It's going to be the equivalent of running uh, running in an ambot. Yeah. That's awesome. It's the bit in Left for Dead when suddenly there's a charger coming out. You're like, where did that come <laughs> yeah. from? Just pounding them into the crowd. Exactly. Because you think, if you've got... They do... Is this a two lives one, sorry? Uh, no, just the base roll of Unborn. Uh, if I can... Oh, right, right. Sorry, I was looking at the James Smithen option where you can kind of add to that, can't you? Oh, I do love where that. The... Two lives that you was just mentioning there. I was, I was looking at that in the book earlier on anyway. And I think that is separate to what Jesse was talking about earlier on. Yeah, it's an enhancement of it. Because when you make an Unborn fighter... They gain the outsider trait of a life before joining the clan house has given the unborn a wider experience of Necromunda in its societies than most Goliaths ever see. So they have an additional primary skill set chosen from either agility, brawn, combat, cunning, ferocity, shooting or savant. But they can never take muscle because they haven't been grown or born with that incredible Goliath bulk. But that unleashes so many horrific options. It's like, if you don't want to go with all the power plays, savant, and just have the guy that fixes all the heavy bolters, and you just have this roided up blacksmith, or fixer, for some <laughs> extra credits. 
obviously there's combat and so if you want extra bull, or bull charge from ferocity and stuff like that but it adds so many options and you think yeah everything you think of a goliath the strength for toughness for running charge shoot with a bolter can be thrown completely on its head or enhanced with outsider influences yeah i just can't get around the possibility that you've got there of like the cunning skill tree on a goliath or, you know, like the shooting skill tree on a Goliath. Yeah. But it's just weird. But it's really cool. Well, that's the thing. You'll have the cunning alpha predator who's an outsider, but he's got Overwatch. And then suddenly someone yeah. comes past. He goes, bam, bam, unleashes his bolter, knocks him on the arse. You're just not going to be expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can't. That's the thing. You can't plan ahead. Like, you say, with a baseline Goliath gun. You know, as long as you know what the equipment list is, you've got a pretty good idea of what the what the strengths and weaknesses are. But when you throw this many variables in, mm. it just yeah, you cannot prepare for every every encounter. Yeah, and I think because you can add it when you recruit the fighter, you could even start a campaign with you know baseline just toughness stats and stuff, and then when you're able, suddenly you hire the Overwatching champion mm-hmm. who's watching your flank or the Juve, and suddenly you can have. Um, a fast shot you, you can prepare with an un, an unborn um trying to think of the word the prospect yeah forgeborn an unborn forgeborn with <laughs> um shooting and suddenly you've got fast shot on his welder and suddenly he's running in <laughs> recklessly throwing 66 rapid fire at anything in the near vicinity and that's just so <laughs> goddamn cool yeah, he's going to explode so oh, quickly. Horrifically. Though, really cool. And you won't have the Natborn resilience, which is cool because you can't get the best of every world. Yeah. But yeah, I think just even without any of the Gene Smith upgrades, being unborn is worth the credit cost because it adds that versatility and, ver- and variety to your gang. You might not want it on every ganger because obviously they can't get skills outside of being a specialist. But for your juves who you're going to grow into that role, or the champions and leaders who are forged in it, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And it, it, it's a two-way street as well, because on the one hand, you've got the surprise aspect of kind of people don't know what's going to happen necessarily, and, and it could be so far at left field that it takes them by surprise. But also, this can be reactionary. If you're finding where you're lacking in a campaign, you, you all of a sudden, you can tailor, tailor craft the fighter to hire yeah. instead of just going from your, your basic you know the, the options are yeah really really opened up and that's a mechanical and thematic success because if you're facing a lot of Escher and they have the gas weapons and toxin you can literally go to your genesmith and recruit from his stock a natborn who is only affected by to- uh, gas weapons on a six and that's you winning you succeeding at the campaign but also thematically again we'll use flavor and all that stuff that's your guy going, I've had it with these girls. They keep gassing my lads. Yeah. What have you got? And I, it adds so much to the game. I think it's going to be really exciting that you can plan ahead it's, it's or just react. Like, I can't wait for this year to be finished with now for various reasons, but also <laughs> so that we can get this extra book content from all the gangs that are going to be coming out yeah. in the meantime. But let's just fast forward to like halfway through next year, please. Can we do that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and then it's obviously if you go for the infiltrating, you can go for the combatant who's close enough to do it, or the guy in a commanding shot. So we'll go back to the um, heavy bolter with a suspenser, or a missile launcher with a suspenser. Suddenly, you're expecting him to have to walk up and get a field of fire, and you go, no, actually, he's not deploying. I'll put him on that sniper tower afterwards. 
Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, that's a thing you can do now. Yep. <laughs> Infiltrating missile launcher rocking Goliath. Obviously, you have to use the cigar piece from the sprue, because if you don't, oh, yeah. then you're wasting your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that just... should be automatic 30 cred hit. If you don't. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's the rules. I'm <laughs> it's sorry. It's, it's yeah. there. Nice I can't quote the page it, number, though. but it's in the House of Chains, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then just to finish it off before we talk about the territory, the barricades, uh, the muscle skill tree. I think this is really, really exciting. Again, adding and exploring the depth of what it means to be that gang, because all the different um, skill lists are what anyone can do. It shows you their so proficiency. Just to confirm for people like me that haven't quite. You know, read the book properly yet? Because I am, you know, furiously flicking through the pages, looking at it as we've been talking. Uh, the muscle skills—that's a new skill tree, uh, presumably just for Goliath. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be the second house. No, wait, third, third. house-specific skill tree because we had the Palanite drills, didn't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had savagery. Savagery for the corpse grinders. Yeah. And now we've got muscle. Yeah. So that's cool. So fingers crossed, this should be a sign of things to come. Again, it might not be. It might just be fancy for Goliath, but it makes sense that every gang, as well as new tactics cards and specialist fighters, will have a skill tree that represents what they are at their core. Yeah. Because anyone can do combat. Anyone can do shooting. But what does it mean to be a Goliath skill-wise? That's it. Yeah. So, so yeah, muscle skills. Yeah. Um, it starts off as a secondary skill for... Again, I have to double-check everything. But it starts as a secondary skill for every fighter apart from the specialist champion and the stimmer. Is that right, Chris? That's correct, yes. Yes, I did the thing. Um, <laughs> no, because there's so many... I say, rule complexity. There's a lot to read and double-check and go back. Oh, yeah. Um, so it means that you won't be cherry-picking most of the skills. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading some of these. Unleash the beast and they can flex yeah. as a simple skill. <laughs> and the tactics card specifically goal. around that one skill as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it means that you won't have primary access to it. So you'll still be defaulting to stuff like Nerves of Steel at creation. But then it makes the adaptive mind gene-smithing trait so much more desirable. Yep. Because you can then go, no, I want that guy to be an epitome of a Goliath. Not just in how high his strength and toughness is, but in what he's able to do innately. Yeah. And as I say, the Stimmer has it as a primary, so he can do some horrifying things. <laughs> so yeah, there's some fun ones which don't necessarily scale as well in a campaign play, but are fantastic for one-offs and skirmishes. Like Fists of Steel. Unarmed attacks made by this fighter counts to having a strength too higher than normal and inflict two damage. That's cool. You're a strength six body base doing two attacks. Three on the charge. Damage two. But don't don't limit that to um, melee either. I mean, you think you've got a missile launcher... You run in with fists of steel. You've got no pistol, no no side no sidearm, no um, close combat weapon. You're you're mullering on yeah. do you know what I mean? Plus two strength and inflict two damage. Yeah. You're just punching a guy or swinging this missile tube and destroying them. And that's <laughs> yeah. cool. No other gang can do that. You can't look at an Asher and think, yeah, they're capable of that. Or a Vansar or Spidery Delag. It's like that is so Goliath. As yeah. a counterpoint, isn't there one of the pre-existing like standard skill trees where you get a bonus on one of the skills against unarmed attacks? Yeah, uh, Iron Jaw, where your toughness yeah. counts as one higher against unarmed attacks. That so that actually makes that useful then. <laughs> Subtly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. but you know, but it, it has a, it has a, a use. To it. If you know that you've got this punching fighting boxing goliath champion 
Suddenly, your next recruit's a champion with an iron jaw, just for that thematic encounter. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, it's like, oh, that's cool. I've you you can change how your campaign goes, and suddenly it's so much more personal. Instead of, yeah. oh well, I'll get an Overwatching champion to counter him, so that when he tries to do the charge, I will take him out. Suddenly, no, you have Iron Jaw Joe, who's going to come out and slug it out with him. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's really cool. So it adds relevance to some things that yeah. wouldn't otherwise have. Hopefully that'll happen with more of the, the skill trees that currently were like, yeah, there's not really much point to this one, is there? Yeah, so it might not make them relevant, but Call it'll make them more interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to wait till next year to see the benefits of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then Iron Man. Look at Iron Man. Have you read that that's one yet, Steve? Uh, let me read this out then. Okay, Iron Man. This is my first reading of this. Okay, this fighter's toughness is not reduced by flesh wounds. Okay, I'm liking this already. However, if this fighter suffers a number of flesh wounds equal to their toughness, toughness characteristic, they will go out of action as normal. That would have to be quite a lot, though. Yeah, um, no. I can see it happening. That weapons, it, that you can't do the old tactic of, of chipping in, reducing their toughness, and then going in for a killer blow. Because the toughness isn't being reduced with flesh wounds. They're, st- You've they're got coming, it's an all or nothing. Yeah. They're coming at you with the same ferocity and with the same um, resilience right up until that last flesh wound's gone. That's great. So say, for example, they've got, what, a toughness 5 model that you've, you've crafted. Yeah. So this fighter's toughness is not reduced by flesh wounds. So he's in the scrap. He's getting hit by flesh wounds. No matter so how... So that's not shifting. Yeah. No matter how many times you shoot him with a las gun, it's always going to be a 5+. plus. Yeah, that's mental. Yeah, because normally um, you could say, if it was Toughness 5, like an Ambot, then you shoot it with a bolter or a shotgun, take it down first, hit it to Toughness 4, and then you're on a 4+, plus or a 5+, plus for um, strength-free weapons. Christ, you would you would literally have to be, in my mind at least, a corpse grinder champ with, like, chain cleavers or something. Yeah. To bring that guy down, yeah, because that's the only way you're going to be rolling enough dice to get the number to actually start doing the damage. Yeah, so that's crazy. Think about like if you're going for a Nurgle cult Goliath gang, oh. coming from <laughs> one of the uh, what I can't remember the name of the spire that was closed for plague. You could have a strength five toughness, uh, strength four toughness five five wound leader. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, you couldn't do it with him, but. Yeah. Hang on, what about if you go for a Nurgle leader that's got that one where you can boost it by two and you put them both into toughness? Could you do that? Uh, let me just try and... Adaptive mind or would be a skill. So you could go two skills. separate skills and adaptive mind yeah. for muscle. So you could yeah. have strength five, uh, toughness five, three wounds. And that. And then when you get some XP, you could go for I don't know, true grit or recovery. Or even if you go for that's the mental. later skill of walk it off. Where during your turn you can make a toughness check to shrug off a flesh wound. That's crazy. Uh, you can just imagine people like going up against the Goliath gang, where they've crafted this, and they're just like, "I'm going to charge in and yeah. have a go at this guy," and they just don't know what it is that they've done. <laughs> they're just going to get pummeled afterwards. I think, imagine running in with your like four attack, five attack on the charge, Escher. Running in power, you get a couple of sixes on the hits into wounds, so you carve off three, four wounds. And the Goliath player laughs. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you get that in Nerves of Steel, then you'd be weathering so much fire on the way in that it doesn't matter what happens. You're essentially recreating what I first imagined Zerkers to be. Just like this hulking behemoth 
of like muscle that's not going down. You know, he's getting shot by guns left, right, and center. It's making no difference, and it's it's making these characters almost cooler than the Zerka, really. Arguably, yeah, because you can then give it different equipment, and you can have guns. Or just that guy in the action movie who's running in with his heavy bolter, go chum 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 chum, and just not caring. The bullets are hitting him; yeah. they're sinking in; they're not bouncing. And he just gives no dams. That's so cinematic. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, so immovable stance. You can literally plant your feet and not get shoved around, which is cool. Uh, no! Like block a corridor or... Yeah, it's, 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 it's very situational, but it could be a really cool kind of payoff if it does... Or gantries. Yeah. Like with the wind conditions and stuff like that. That would be super mm-hmm. useful. Um, Gnar is a perfect one that I really, really enjoy. <laughs> and I can't help but go back to my young days in Warhammer World where any an orc player is doing their phase and they shout wah and you hear this chorus of little kids going wah! I can't get it out of my head every time I see the name. Yeah. But it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, shall we read, read this one out then? Yeah. Um, during this fighter's activation, they may attempt to perform a third action after completing their first two. Roll a d6. If the dice roll is equal to or less than their toughness, then they... Or equal to or less than their toughness. So if you've gone in with, like, toughness five... Mm-hmm. Gee, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Uh, if the roll is greater than their toughness, or is a six, their activation ends immediately. Whether the Okay, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and if you do fail, you are pinned regardless of nerves of steel or anything like that. So there is a cost to using it. But that's big. Think about moving into position and firing... And or move and fire, fire. If yeah, you've I mean, suddenly tactics got tactics cards that give you the ability to have an extra action are always like the favourite ones to go for. They're high ranked, especially if you go by the Goonhammer table that they yeah. did. And yeah, that kind of thing on a model mm-hmm. as a skill, that's awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. And it just adds so much to it. So you could run, shoot, go for cover, move, aim, shoot. It opens up a lot more tactical efficiency because you have the what is it, action economics. You've got that extra resource in your pocket that you can put out. And I suppose as a, you know, you say the negative is if you roll a six, that's it, you're pinned. Mm-hmm. But if you do it whilst you're next to cover because you, your extraction was that you're going to run into cover and you know try and shoot someone, you're down behind cover now, so nobody's going to be shooting you at long range. Yeah, it's really good because that's not always a it's not always a punishment. Yeah. But what I like about it is it looks very, very strong, but it's not broken because it doesn't allow you to stand up and charge. Because it specifically yeah. gives you a third action after completing two, you can't do two and then one. You can't stand up and then charge because charge is a double. It means yes. you could charge, survive, consolidate and move, or charge, shoot, or charge, fight action with a versatile weapon if you end up having one. Again, that just feels far more cinematic. Yeah. But it, it stops that, because my first thought was, holy crap, I can almost corpse grinder from the tactics card. Yeah. <laughs> but you literally can't. It doesn't let you do that. Yeah. And I think that's it's Very good, good wording. Yeah, that's so satisfying. So Bravo Games Workshop for that one. That's very well worded. Yeah, strong without being broken like um, a lot yeah. of the savagery skills were. So I, I, I find that deeply satisfying because it's not busted. It's just good. Yep. Uh, Unleash the Beast is fun. Unleash the Beast. You flex and everyone's so wild, they just get knocked back in awe. It's just that moment <laughs> in every action movie where the hero gets piled upon by like 20 guys 
and you think, oh, that's it, he's dead. And then somehow he just stands up with his arms kind of uh, in the Charles Atlas pose and they'd yeah. all just bounce off in uh, opposite directions. This feels like what Neo did in The Matrix Reloaded yeah. where he's got all the Smiths piling up on top of him. Mm. So that is, <laughs> is, is very much what it is, yeah. It's exactly or any anime like, uh, oh, what was it? Is it um, Alchemist one? Where you've got the the sergeant who just like Armstrong, he just flexes his clothes like rip off. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist, yeah. <laughs> it's just that kind of thing that I'm picturing. Yeah, and an interesting thing with that because I was thinking about when would you use that is because they've changed gang composition with the Gang Fighter X special rule. People may be running large gangs. There'll be more juves on the field as opposed to just gangers shooting. So multiple people running in to engage a high-value target, so you get the allied bonus and you hit them with the um, outnumbered. Suddenly, you may find yourself in situations where you're being herded like that. It's not unco- it's not going to be common or all the time, but you know the corridor player might well be firing a lot more numbers on the field than usual. Yeah. And suddenly you just shrug them off. So it might not scale well in campaign play, but that's cool as hell if you've got stunning Dave, who's just absolutely flexing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And depending on build, you know, you might not use it a lot, so you might not state he has it, or it might not come up every game. But the one it does, holy crap. Oh, uh, what was that character? Was it, uh, was it something like Angel out of uh, One Punch Man, the prison one? Mm. And if you've seen that, but anyone who's seen that they might know what I mean. Um, and... Yeah, I can just imagine like a big Goliath who's a little bit on the campsite, just like oiled up and flexing repeatedly, and everyone's like moving back in like stunned awe. It's just, <laughs> this is brilliant. I'm loving all this. The cool thing is, I I really like to picture that on a shooty champion or leader, particularly one where you've built up his toughness or wounds from his actual stats. So you could very well be nat born with. Uh, the leader with toughness and wounds and then adaptive yeah. mind for muscle access because if they charge you and you survive during your turn you'll still have two actions you'd only be able to fight them once you can flex them off and unload your bolter in the face that's yeah. the beauty of it isn't it because they don't get the retaliation like you would normally get with a melee um, uh, resolution because they're obviously pushed D3 yeah. away they've been disengaged away. Oh, wow. and if you're on a walkway most of the uh, terrain yeah that you know you can get these days the mdf stuff isn't the walkways aren't that wide no. so you're literally just going flex and everyone's going wee and disappearing yeah, so, so if you're getting jumped by four guys one yeah. or two of them fall off the the gantry and then the other two are just perfectly in like well within about a meter's distance if you just unloading a heavy bolt straight into the yeah. stomach that's awesome yeah if you think like a goliath's a 32 mil base if it's on the stimmer that's 40 millis? Suddenly, that's taken up the entire walkway. Anyone around you has pushed D3 inches. Unless they're directly in front and behind you in the centre of the walkway, they're going off the edge. Yeah. There's no way around it. You are going, oof, and they are flying. Yeah. That's it. They're beyond, the, like, beyond on the edge. They're off. Yeah. So that's really cool. And then just red you, walk it off as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So should this fight perform two or four, uh, sorry, two or more move simple actions during their activation, they can make a toughness check at the end of their activation. If it's passed, this fight may recover one uh, lost wound or discard a single flesh wound. That that's is awesome. powerful. That's huge. That is really strong. Obviously, if they're doing it, they're not fighting. 
So they're recovering oh, yeah. by pumping themselves up, getting that second win going. I'm picturing a situation where you've literally just come out the winner from a scrap yeah. and you want to head towards the next situation that's maybe you know, half the board away mm -hmm. and that's just helping you heal up from the scrap that you've just had. But if you think of that alongside Nah, suddenly you can do two moves, pump yourself up, unleash your bolter, recover a flesh wound. Yeah. Or if you were a stimmer who has access to it, basically, you can have the Natborn bonuses for the higher stats and the damage reduction. And then you can double move towards the enemy because you need to close, shrug off any damage they've done with their firepower, and then continue again. Cool. It adds a lot of a lot of viability. And when you consider there's um, other stats in Ferocity, um, Unstoppable, where you can shrug off a flesh wound if you've been seriously injured. You can then recover to a point where you won't die, stand up, move, recover again. Suddenly you're nearly full health. And you've got to remember, with just those two, two flesh wounds back puts you on toughness three, which is any other gang's fighter. Just base like yeah. yeah. You've recovered from death, and between two skills, if they haven't finished you off, you're back up at anyone else's fighting potential. That's cool. Yeah, and that, it's, it's it's pretty big. But again, it's not broken because it has the requirement of making specifically two move actions. Which obviously prevents you from being in a fight or, or, or making a fight action or a, um, a shoot action. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a payoff. You, you, you have to balance it, which yeah. is, yeah. And it's not all purpose like Nerves of Steel. It's a choice for a specific effect, a cinematic trait of this fighter. Who is, who is it and what does it do? I, I, yeah. I really like it because obviously ball charge yeah, you definitely. know you're going into combat anything you hit is going to get hit really so much harder yeah and, but all of these do something either strong or, str or thematic but they're all so evocative of what the gang could be and you see the skill use it's not just I'm not getting knocked on my ass by that bullet I'm not ducking for cover yeah it's what is a Goliath it is so cool yeah so I, I think that's generally the wrap up from the House of Chains, in that it adds so much more fluff and cinematic flair to it that suddenly you're not just playing with toy soldiers, you're in the Underhive and you're champion, you're leader, you're seeing their story unfold through the stats, not just the banter between the players. Yeah, it's it's awesome. not just, right, everybody needs to read this document because this is a very important short story I've written to kind of <laughs> tell you exactly who Errol is and about his, uh, his traumatic childhood and why he is the way he is today. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. It's like, no, it, 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 on every level, at every layer, this is this character. It's, yeah. it, it's not just a funny head I've put on. It It's the actual... It, it's from the ground up. He is this. This defines him. This is... Yeah. It, it's really, really cool. That's really cool. Um, you just wanted to talk about the Goliath terrain. Mm. Do you want to go over that, Jester? Or... Uh, I, I, I must admit, I haven't read them yet, but you seem to have okay. uh, delved in. So yeah. I'll give you the... I'll give you the, um, the basic... Uh, Intro. Yeah. I know we don't often read out of books, but uh, Goliath often make use of terrain in their battles against their rivals. Sometimes this is whatever's lying around uh, the underhive battlefield, such as barrels for cover or bolt holes from which to launch ambushes. Other times they bring the terrain with them, setting up fixed weapon platforms, defensive barricades or piles of ammo crates with, within easy reach of their fighters. 
Goliath gangs can call upon a number of specialist terrain features to include in their gang. These pieces of terrain are bought from the trading post during the post battle sequence. Once bought they are added to the gang stash and can be filled in any battle the gang takes part in unless noted otherwise. So let's just go through these bad boys. Amnio canisters, furnace barricades, heavy rivet cannon, pillar of chains, relic of the forge. Now Right, so you got your amnio canisters. So this is the stuff that they're grown in, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and basically, any Goliath fighter within three inches of an amnio canister can remove a single flesh wound during the end phase of any round. Uh, heavy barricades, uh, sorry, furnace barricades, heavy heat shields can be found throughout the Goliath forges. And basically, what that you just chuck them down in front of you anywhere. <laughs> And as long as uh, you're within one inch of the furnace barricade, you ignore uh, blaze and melt a trade. That is just oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> ignore both the blaze or melt traits when suffering hits, provided the barricade is granting them cover against. Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be using awesome. it for cover. You've got to be gaining like that. You, you'd have to be behind it and covered by it. But yeah, yeah. You, you're not going to throw it down somewhere where that isn't the case, really, are you? But that doesn't matter though, yeah. does it? Because it's like guy on the other side four inches away oh i've got my melter gun you're in for it now no i'm not mate no i'm not <laughs> yeah as a serial abuser of blaze in campaigns just for how ruthlessly yeah. efficient it is, that that's amazing that's cool yeah yes it is um especially if you're using like if, if you're in zone mortalis you, oh, wow. you've, you've totally blocked off a, an avenue of kind of just template spam it's great yeah and the um, thing is, I was just looking at the cost of these as well. That furnace barricade is only 10 credits, and it's a common one. So wow. that presumably is really easy to get hold of. Well, yeah, you can just buy that straight away. From, you don't need to roll on a rarity travel or anything. It's just what, What's the deal with these things, then? Is it a case of that they're just one-time one use, or do you sort of keep them in your stash and you just plonk it them says, down? It says they're in your gang. They're in your gang stash. Yeah, so it must be like um, booby traps. They're gang equipment that when you go out and deploy, you have it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, again, can place its terrain in its in its own deployment area, or if noted, in no man's land. Um, so anyway. with the Amnior canisters, you, yeah. you're really only going to benefit from them in your own deployment zone. You can't yeah. pull them forward with you and chuck them down like you can with um, with the barricade. But if you've got a guy hanging back for whatever reason, you yeah. know he's going to benefit from. If you've got, say, if you've Gimped your leader and given him Overwatch or um sorry um overseer, yeah. And you are using him to barrel your stimmers forward, and he's taking shots from long rifles or anything with a with a decent range on it. He's got those amnio vats near him where he can just, you know what I mean. As long as he's within one inch of them, he's he's, he's getting that flesh wound back or that. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. They're really cool. I mean, I was just sitting there thinking that some of these things would be really useful for certain scenarios, like those ones where you get stuck in like no, in the middle of the board and you've got to defend the area. But it actually says on here that certain items will only be made available um, if you are sort of de uh, defending. There's limitations on them. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't just pull them out at any point. So, do you want to go for the next one? You want to read the next yeah, one? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Rivet gun and cannon are a vital tool of the Goliath factories. The heaviest examples are fixed to tripods or tracked carriages and supplies with an abundance of ammo. Unsurprisingly, gangs turn these tools into weapons, hauling them into position over to cover corridors and doorways. 
can only include the heavy rivet cannon if you're the defender in a scenario with an attacker and a defender. You wouldn't want it as the attacker, would you? If it's a it's a fixed no. gun gun uh, placement, so it's a heavy rivet cannon. Rapid fire is six to eighteen inch range, plus plus one. Plus one hit on the short range. Accuracy on the short range. Yeah, strength four, minus one AP, damage two, uh, three three plus ammo roll. It's fixed, so obviously can't move. Rapid fire, rending, and then superheated. You lose the range um, between three and twelve inches, but your accuracy goes up uh, plus two on the short, six on the strength, which is a beast of a weapon, and minus, minus two, two AP, AP, two damage, and again you're still just three plus on your ammo roll. So it, it's almost like you know, um, Gears of War. That, why yeah. is that not going in my head anyway? That didn't sound right when I said it. But anyway, you know, you just get them gun emplacements and it's unlimited ammo and you just shoot and shoot and shoot. Yeah, exactly. That's essentially what they are. And it, in those games where you are a defender, something like that would be really cool to have a player with. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, if you're playing meat with this kind of thing, would <laughs> yeah. be awesome. Uh, I don't know if you can do that. Um, if it being I, a defen- or are you classed as being a defender if you're uh, playing me? I can't remember. I, I think so. it's all gangs deploying the center. But yeah. that would be kind of cool, though, still. I mean, like, or any kind of corridor game. If you're using Zone Mortalis uh, and you've got like a narrow corridor with which you're having to defend, having one of those sat at the end of it would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, they add so much more to think about in your scenarios than just which fighter are you bringing and what's his loadout. Because if you're bringing a couple of the barricades and the amnio cask, suddenly you've got such a defensive position. And likewise, you can dictate how your opponent's going to come at you if you've got a sentry turret on one side. It means you've not got to split your forces quite as much. Mm. That that adds a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Quick question about these heavy rivet cannons. Um, I'm going to assume that to use them, you have to be in base contact with them. Um, because it doesn't mention that that I can see on here. But it's not going to be an automated cannon is it it's not going to you know just fire as and when it's not going to... or is it i don't know it doesn't sit so, so you're going to have to argue with the guy who's pulling that out and you're at this yeah be the guy <laughs> solve the problem that yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I would say it's like a being base contact with it and then whoever's doing it is the one who's uh you know using their ballistic skill and whatnot so that's something that could definitely be clarified because if that's an automated turret you're essentially getting another fighter Aren't you? Like an Overwatch That's it, fighter. Yeah. So when yeah. do they activate would be the question at that point. But um, I suppose the easiest way would be just whenever it is that you know you can use their activation marker. But, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say definitely uh, it's it's a guy that has to operate that. That's how yeah. I would... I mean, even if I was using that, I would say, no, that's fair enough. I, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, what else have we got? Well, you've got your two different gang relics. So, you know, you get your gang relics in the base game. Yeah, yeah. Um, were these, like, a tailored to the... So you've got um, Pillar of Chains, Goliath often used crude iron spikes hung with chains as a conventional method of securing slaves. Captives are dragged back to the Pillar of Chains and locked in place for later transportation back to Goliath Enclave. When a gang with a Pillar of Chains has a chance to capture enemy fighters, it may re-roll one or both of the dice. So it's just giving you the extra chance to... Because of their new closer links to um, the Slaver's Guild, yeah. it's just giving you extra opportunity to catch people. Oh, nice. um, and then Relic of the Forge. Now, that's one you, you have to be the defender in a scenario again. But um, Forge Relics are pieces of broken machinery that have been reshaped into a totem pole of clan icons and industrial weaponry. 
gangs often use these to mark the boundaries of the territories, uh, the grinning iron faces beaten into their sides, a warning to trespassers, a relic of the forge counts as a gang relic. In addition, Goliath fighters within three inches of a relic of the forge ignore the effects of the disarm trade and can re-roll failed ammo checks. Hmm. Enemy fighters who end their activation within three inches of a, a relic of the forge must make a nerve test uh, or become broken. Now that's interesting. Yeah. That last bit, because if you're in one of those defile the relic kind of games and you're using that, then it actually uh -huh. makes it a bit more interesting at being the defender. Oh, definitely. You're going to want to stay near it to get to benefit from the. I mean, disarms neither here nor there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But with the re-rolling uh, failed ammo rolls, that's always awesome. And then, ah, yeah. anyone who's coming up to try and piss on it is literally going to have to do a test. They're risking being broken and just fleeing the board, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool, because then it's not just tied to one fighter. It's not one loadout. It's your gang brings it and can use it. Yeah. Yeah, so looking up the rivet cannon, yeah, it's definitely not an automated thing, so it looks like a train feature, and then when you're in contact with it, you use that in place of one of your base weapons. Yeah, no, because it would, it would have to have a rule written in there to see when it activated, like if it was like yeah. an Overwatch kind of thing, yeah. It, it also, it'd be, have to yeah. have a ballistic skill, really, yeah. wouldn't it? So. Well, yeah, no, it would, yeah. Well, that's cool, because then suddenly your Juves, who have bad weapons, mediocre <laughs> ballistic skills, suddenly they're taking turns on this heavy rivet cannon go... And just mowing down the <laughs> enemy. The legs flailing behind it as it spins around. Cackling madly. Or even better, if you do have um, an outsider with Overwatch, suddenly you've got this guy standing there waiting, waiting. Everyone else is taking turns. Then suddenly someone pops their head around the corner. He grabs the handles, unleashes these blazing rivets at them. That's that's very cool. And a fun way to like almost circumnavigate weapon restrictions because you're paying for, so, yeah. to have it not on a, we not, not on a fighter. So, kind of rounding on this then, just because we've gone through some of the sort of creation aspects of, of Goliath gangs, um, was there anything particularly nasty other than like the Nurgle sort of addition that you thought of when you was going through this? Generally, no. It seems to be that it adds a lot of good stuff, but everything seems roughly balanced out. Like because you can't take your pick of each tree from the gene smithing. Yeah, it's not that it restricts you, but it stops you abusing it horrifically. So like just a base stimmer, uh, base stimmer, give it um, Natborn, and then it can take the extra toughness and an extra wound. So then you've got strength uh, four, toughness five, or no, sorry, extra attack. Get the extra toughness and the extra attack, so that it has four attacks base. That way, when you're charging with paired weapons, you've got four attacks going to eight, plus one for charging, plus one for dual wielding. You've got ten attacks on the charge, and that's gonna hurt. That's yeah, that that is going to not enough power. And he's weapon skill too. So there's not enough parries in the world to save you from that collider. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it can then yeah, take skills. True. So you can choose the either the default nerves of steel, where you can ignore getting pinned, or go for gnar and then do the double move so you're constantly applying that pressure. And <laughs> and, and that's just really exciting. Yeah. Or uh, say the high toughness uh, Iron Man build where suddenly you've got a Nurgle Plague Lord of Toughness 5, 5 wounds, and he's always Toughness 5. Yeah, until he's dead. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. Until, yeah, until he's dead. And that's until horrifying. Not, yeah. <laughs> um, that's so cool. Yeah. No, I, well, that's given me a lot to think about for when I'm going to go building my gang next. There's a change um, to... Is it Mastercrafted? Yes. That's one of the things that they've changed, and it makes sense with the equipment list. So before, yeah. you had to buy it from the trading post. You could buy any weapon Mastercraft if you had the rarity. 
it costs 25% more. And you could re-roll one failed uh, roll uh, per round. For roll one failed to hit roll per round. Yeah. So suddenly you get a lot more reliability. But it was but always... now it's once per battle, isn't it? Yeah. Now but you can get hold of it straight away from creation. So it takes the takes the rarity out of it. They're available, but they're not as ridiculously OP because hmm. that's yeah. open to abuse. It's a small selection of weapons are available on the house list and mastercrafted. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's like you can get paired uh, mastercrafted spudjackers, maybe? It's all there in the house list on who can take what. Which is cool because like some of your special weapons, it should be a mark of prestige. Whereas it's always exciting when you hit mid-campaign, you hit the rarity and the cost to buy something fancy for your leader you take it off him and give him the new gun. But now you can do that from the get-go. I think that was a really good change that they've they've made with that. Uh, was there anything else specifically that you wanted to talk about, Jess? Not really. They've tidied up a couple of weapon traits, which is really, really good. Uh, a lot of people constantly questioned Blaze on whether you took the hit, ran, and then activated normally, or if you could activate at all. And there was a... some people found it to be not clear. But now they've specified that this is instead of your action. You follow the being on fire procedure and then your activation ends. You don't make uh, any further action, which is really, really good. Cool. And I can't quite remember the exact wording, but they've clarified versatile. Uh, they've changed the wording slightly yes, so on Yes, so you, you don't have to charge into contact. You can charge up to your versatile limit. Yes, it's nice to be right. Because <laughs> people were saying, oh, no, that's, that's you're breaking the game. You're, 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 how would you know it's too chaotic, it's too... It's like if I've if I've got this shock whip and I've been using this shock whip for five years and you know what I mean whipping cigars out of Goliath's mouth, I know full well where the limit of this this shock whip is because otherwise I'd be hitting myself in the head. Meet with my it. champion, Scarmouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you can t- you can go up to the limit of your versatility and then hit and then they don't get that. Whereas before people say no, what you have to do is you have to come into base contact. You have to go up to the limit of your movement until you hit contact and then it's like well, what's the point of having a versatile yeah, weapon then because you're always literally... suffering the negative penalties of being point blank yeah the weapons are designed yeah. to be used at range and uh and, and if you've got a minus one to hit on a melee weapon it's like well, oh great nice one yeah you've got a spear yeah. you've got a chainsaw on a stick i'm not going to come up and hit you with the haft no no um so i can't really exactly but yeah how we have ruled it and when we said how we were running um corpse grinders and shock staves for enforcers that's it seems to be the correct way they've just clarified that a little bit so obviously these are only the traits that apply to weapons available to goliaths on the house list so hopefully going yeah. forward we might have an almost a painfully slow living errata as they clarify different traits gang by gang so again like they did with um escher and toxin going from the N17 rulebook to the 18 update, where they said, yes, you do still get an armor save. It just bypasses the wound roll. You don't just die immediately from poisoning. Hopefully we'll see that going forward with any troublesome traits as they come along. Yeah, and it's 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 obviously the reason that they're wanting to do a live market, um, trading post, mm-hmm. because then you're not referring to several... Um, errated lists from different books and using the latest one as the correct version. They can you can have a live evolving document that always changes according to the the, the latest um, rule drop, which I think is really cool. Yeah, because currently any gang book Goliath, if you're buying a masterwork weapon from the trading post, 
you could easily argue that no, my certain trading post, I re-roll every round. Yeah. Because it's only this current book of chains. If you're the only person in the gang that in the group play group that has it, there could be arguments. Where the living um, trading post with the traits to go along with it will say, look, you don't need to buy a book of chains. This will tell you this is how Blaze works. This will mm-hmm. tell you this is exactly. how Mastercrafted works. And that cool. that will be a good thing. It will be painful as it comes out piecemeal, but it will be way better in the end. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up there then for the War Room. So once again, thank you, Jess Lee, for joining us to get this done, even, even though it's remotely this time. But thank you anyway. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm afraid there wasn't anything particularly terrifying but hopefully just the array of options. Other people yeah. have an idea of how to abuse an infiltrating fighter because that's really easy. That's what I'm taking away from it this time. It's a, They're kind of maybe dulling down the super scary aspects of gangs now, but in place of that, you're getting the creativity and the uh, explanations for everything properly as well. So I'm really looking forward to this moving onwards. Oh, massively. Me too, me too. Exactly. It, um, it's exciting for Goliath. But they're getting things, and I'm not going, oh, no, that's so unfair, it's ridiculous. The fact that this is pulling everybody up to a certain kind of standard is, is, is nothing but a positive for me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. Awesome. Right, well, in which case, guys, we'll hand over to Becky Boom, who I'm led to believe is currently locked into a quarantine safe zone on the west side of Sump City. And then we'll be back with Shooting the Shiz, where me and Chris will actually go through the creation of the Goliath Gangs. Nice one. All right, cheers, Jess Lee. Bye. Bye. you do pops film plague bearers well 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 come in get closer to your speakers cause you and me need to have a little chat now listen times are tough enough as it is my poor little hands are soft so I tells you, from all the goram times I've been made to scrub. I can't remember the last dang time I scrubbed my little mitts even once. Oh, wait a sec. No, that's not true. I can indeed remember when I last scrubbed my dinky paws. That was when I was ten of making acid rounds for some slave driver from House Escher. That material was corrosive, yo. But I digress. Do you know how hard it is to find moisturizer in the hunter hive? Or anywhere a necromunda for that matter. But that's not even what's grinding my gears, listeners. Nor is it the fact that I'm having to stand in line at this here rinky-dink black market trading post. Well, everyone be hacking their guts up like. Oi, don't get cough on me, you little squirt. Get off my back, bitch, or I will shank you with a sharpened spoon. I got tugs in my niggas. I swear to the bro. All right, throne, just calm it down. <sighs> but yes, listeners, is this. Oh, oh, you know what that is, don't you? That's right. The pantaloon supporters have spoken. And you know what they wanted me to talk about? 
mother fucking threat me to words. Okay, little Jew, what have you got there? Do you want to buy that? Good sir, I managed to find this here can of your finest low-grade cornstarch runoff just sitting over there on the back of that there ship. Oh God, Emperor, I forgot that we had that swill. That's three credits. But you said it's terrible. The can alone is worth one credit. Fine, let's call it two credits then. Done. Here you go. Come back again soon. Plenty more things here if you need them. Yeah. Okay. Bye. In case dear listeners, you're wondering what just happened there, I done got pulled a whole switcheroo in the labels with some manky old out-of-date starch runoff because these thread needle worms aren't cheap but I'll tell you what they actually are they're dangerous yo y'all remember me talking about them bad items the ones that are bad like real bad like you walking down the service tunnel and you round the corner this is this homeless dude that's eating something rotten and is exploding at a boat and on the floor in front of you when you walk in on it. Ugh. Ugh. Well, listeners, this is one of those items. And you chose this for me to talk about. I thought we had an understanding. Did you think it would be funny? The old... Oh, she don't gone. Opened up a can of worms now. <laughs> that joke is as old as the saying. And I'm as deadly as these here worms when I say it ain't funny. Why'd you go do this to me? <sighs> Well, I guess I better tell you all about it. These bioengineered creatures are about two inches long, needle thin, and covered in razor sharp nanoplates. They lay dormant while in the specially sealed can. But when this thing is opened, whoa, you better not even be there. Or at least get your ass out of town. Fast! Each can tends to have from 15 to 1800 worms, and they can ravage a whole area in seconds. Which is why even the users should be aware that there is a one in three chance that even you the user will be caught by the worms if you still in the area of effect. On the plus side, the little vicious bastards don't have much of a lifespan once they've been released. 
So whilst they spread quickly, they die fast. But they still cause a lot of carnage in their short life. Hey, what you got there, girlie? Hello, scammer. I've got important stuff to do. Well, Mr. Plasma Gun here thinks that you want to be giving us that kind of food. You lowlife couldn't even afford a power cell for the... I stand corrected. So what you got there, eh? A pollution scroll? Hand sanitizer? What's that can? Food, is it? We'll be taking that then. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Uh, m not my food. I work hard for this food. You can't just take that. Curse you, bad, bad man. What else you got? Or maybe we'll just take you. <laughs> I like to see you try. I have a spoon. <laughs> what you going to do with a spoon, girl? Some spooning. Well, you know what they say. What's that? Spooning leads to getting fucked in the eye. Get her off me! Get her off! Get her off! She's stabbing me in my eye. I can't get a clear shot. There she goes right at this. Dumbasses is gonna open that. Yeah, it looks like she's scarped. Pass me that can. I'm starving. I'm pinching shit with you here, so, um, yeah. Hey, my eye trail! What? Praise the Emperor! You are now about to witness Summer City 
Okay, listeners, welcome back. And, uh, well, yeah, that's what happens when you ask someone to go messing around with thread needle worms, really, isn't it? Chaos in shoes. Uh, that poor quarantined area. Those zombies weren't enough to worry about. Now I've got all that going on as well. Um, anyway, it's now time for shooting the shiz. It's time to shoot the shit. Okay, so a little addendum that Jess Lee wanted us to add in from the war room. Um, obviously, he's he's connection's gone now and we've not been able to get him back on the line so he can't add it himself uh, hopefully he's okay and the zombies haven't gotten him um he forgot to point out about the new gang composition rules and what he really wanted to mention was uh, to do with the options to keep any jews that you hire um this is with regards to the underdog bonuses so think about forgeborn normally they're cool but the welders are expensive and risky if you use underdog to recruit them then the welder is essentially free for that game, so you can have fun using it. If they get hurt, then you don't recruit them at the end of it. But with the weapon being higher risk, high reward, they could net a big chunk of XP, so you then would want to choose to recruit them. Similarly, with genesmithing, with underdog bonus, you can freely recruit as many plus one toughness Jews or prospects as your heart desires, or any of the more uh, adventurous options that you can get. And you can keep them afterwards as well. That's what it states in the underdog rules. You can keep those Jews. So you can just genesmith the crap out of them and just keep them. If you're defending and outnumbered, go yeah. for huge swarms or negative traits to hold the line. But if you're looking to set yourself up for a campaign, then choose prime specimen Jews. It means that even with just using the underdog tactic, you've still got different ways that that can benefit you for different kind of um, approaches. Ah, right, yeah, no, he's got a point there. And two wound Jews for free, mm -hmm. or even from gang creation, if you so choose. Oh, yeah, two wound Jews, bloody hell. So you can start with a gang of two wound fighters, yeah, it's... Right, well, that's partly useful then, because considering what we're going to dedicate some time to in this section uh, is creating Goliath gangs using the new House of Chains book. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, something else that we would have normally done in this section is we would have talked about a scenario that we've played um, and then break it down a little bit more in detail. Um, however, obviously, with current events, we've not been able to go outside and play the game with other people, so we've not been able to do that. Or at least I didn't manage to get a game in before we got put into lockdown. I don't know about you, Chris. No, not at all. Um, uh, me and Pete were just organising our next session, and it just, yeah, it was literally days before they said, no, that's it, nobody's allowed to go anywhere, so I haven't been anywhere. Well, the closest that I've managed is, and I've already alluded to this earlier and on in uh, Rapid Fire, was uh, playing a more role-play orientated version of Necromunda with Bill Harvat and a couple of other people as well. And he's doing that through his YouTube and Facebook uh, Underhive TV pages. So please do go and check that out. I think he's posted up in the group a couple of times as well. And I think it's actually a really good idea for anyone who can do the setup. I mean, there are other ways it can be done, but his particular one is to use something called Streamlabs and a webcam. And I'm very faintly familiar with this myself because Adele was using it for a project that she was doing on YouTube a while ago. Um, so it allows you to have, have a fancy fascia over whatever it is that you're streaming and, and set it up in different ways so that you can show, in this instance, the board that you're playing on 
and then you can have various people connected in our case through Facebook Messenger so that you can all chat amongst yourselves as you're playing the game. So it's essentially like Dungeons and Dragons version of Necromunda. I suppose bunkers and badasses would be a, a more appropriate kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Analogy for that. Uh, a more appropriate analogy for that. Um, if you're familiar with the Borderlands universe. Basically with it, what's happened so far is we've gone through character creation, which is in this version the same as literally just writing a uh, Venator character and obviously choosing your stat line and picking your gear and all that kind of stuff. And then the way that game's played is again using the same rules for Necromunda, which when you're doing... Yeah, for anyone who's played a roleplay system before, you know that the mechanics in it are very carefully thought about to balance it out so that the players aren't ridiculously weak, but they're not overpowered, because you go either way with that and it detracts from the fun of the game. Actual Necromunda rules, as you all know, Chris, can be a little bit unbalanced sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a case of that, you know, we come to accept that and you just adjust your tactics to suit, really, don't you? But with, with the roleplay aspect to it, you can't really do that because if you're one character that you're playing instead of a whole gang that's under your control goes out, that's you having to write up another character. So we've um, tried to tone that down a little bit, I think, in the mechanics behind the rolls for the dice. But other than that, it's pretty much the same as just playing Necromunda. So we use his webcam... Uh, Bill's webcam to show us what's going on on the board so you can only see so much at a time but that kind of adds to it you know, I remember like in days in the Mega Drive we had like Streets of Rage and you'd have the fight that's on the screen and then you'd move on to the next screen mm. it's, it's kind of got that kind of vibe to it at least for me anyway but what I like about playing it more as a, a role play way of doing it is that you can I don't know, add in those little like movie moments or quips and things that you would in your head see happening on the battlefield anyway. Kind of slows things down for that. So I mean, it's like, and here's probably the best example. Have you actually listened to any of it, Chris? I've not. I've not had a chance to yet. No. Yeah. I'll give you these highlights then. The second time we played through it, um, we managed to afford an ambot with the credits that we picked up from the first session. Mm. So we bought an ambot. We called him Carl. That was Kevin from Promethean Borges' choice to call him that. I've no idea why. But yeah, so we've got an ambot called Carl. So we go into this uh, underhive area and we find a bunch of chaos cultists down there. And of course, Carl goes running in first, Muller's the crap out of them. I go in, kill a couple as well. And we then just go, you know what? These bodies are actually worth credits to the corpse guild. So we'll just strap them onto Carl. And then we'll carry them around until we finish this area, and then we'll we'll take them back to the trading post afterwards, and then trade them in. So what happens is that we then use the hooks on the ambot to strap these bodies onto Carl, so they're literally like hanging all over his arms and over the front and stuff like this. Like the Americans do with deer when they've been. Yeah. Hunting. So um, so imagine that heading towards the dead guy's friends with their dead bodies hanging all over this ambot. Uh, so, so as he got further along, more and more bodies are getting added to this ambot, and it's just ramping up the fear factor. <laughs> These chaos cultists, this big fleshy ambot thing, sort of like uh, Buffalo Bill, but ambot version. It wraps the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Uh, heading himself a skin suit. Yeah, skin suit essentially um, out of them. And yeah, and the other thing that we did was at one point, uh, ambot gets to a barricade in this kind of very movie-esque style. All these chaos cultists come running into this area, setting up behind other barricades as well. 
And I just say to him, how sturdy is the barricade that the Ambot's set behind? He goes, well, it's not that sturdy. You could, you know, if you were strong enough, you could pick it up and all this kind of stuff. Can the Ambot pick it up? Yeah, he could do that. Okay, right. I want the Ambot to pick that barricade up and use it like a shield as he goes charging in towards the leader of the Chaos Cultist. <laughs> so, you know, it's stuff like that that you can just go, you know what, I want to make this choice about how this thing happens and it's very thematic and very cinematic as well in your head. But you can't do that with the game. You know, you're a little bit more restricted in it. So it's like creating the narrative and then allowing the rules to fill in what happens after that rather than, I think, with the tabletop game. It's the other way around. You have the rules and then you go, oh, right, well, that must mean that this happened. You see yeah. what I mean? It's kind of yeah. the other way around. So I think that's kind of what I like about this role-play element that we've got going on with it, and we've got another session tonight, which for me sucks because being in the UK, I have to wait until 1am in the morning to be able to play with these guys. But, you know, we're in lockdown, so it's not like I've got to be well, anywhere. Uh, I'd be awake, but there's no way I could um, talk. That's the problem. So unless <laughs> I could play pr- quiet, like silently, unless my characters are mute... And yeah, you all learn sign language, and I learn sign language. Then yeah, it would just be yeah, it would just be not doable for me, unfortunately. We'll make you like a penitent character or something. You've yeah. you've, been, you've had your mouth sewn shut for your, mm. your sins or something. But um, yeah, I would actually strongly recommend that if anyone else is getting the shakes for not having rolled dice in a while, this is actually achievable. You don't need to have the webcam set up for this um, that's a nice elaborate way of doing it and if you want to see how that works out go and check out under Hive TV and then see how it works there but what you can do, I saw this posted up in a group, I don't know if it was our group but someone has been doing it via pictures that they've taken on their phone so it doesn't have to be a webcam and it doesn't have to be streamed live as long as you've got a chat thing like Skype or Facebook Messenger WhatsApp, anything along those lines it doesn't even have to be video as long as you've got the audio so you're all connected at the same time, all you've got to do as the person who's got the board set up is just take pictures of it as you go along. Right, okay. Um, and a lot of these apps and things have editing features on it as well. So if someone gets the picture sent to them, go, right, okay, my guy is currently at this point on the board. I would now like to move five inches in this direction. You can literally just draw. That's it. And you just edit it with a little X and see if Exactly, there, yeah. You go, I'd like yeah. to go there, please. Uh, and I'd like to be facing in this direction with the little arrow. So, you know, there's ways of doing it. And it almost makes the game, I don't know, it's it's kind of renewing it in a way because it's new in an interesting way of playing it. It's like when we've had new rule books and things land, you know, how everyone gets all excited about, oh, we can play the campaign like this now or this, this thing that we can do. It's kind of like that almost because it's exciting and it's a different way of doing it. So it's a way of playing the game as well. You know, admittedly, you've got to trust people on their dice rolls. Um, and if you've got webcams and stuff, you can literally go, all right, here is my dice, there I'm rolling it, you've just seen what it is I've rolled. So if you want to go to that extent, but otherwise just trust people and have a laugh with it. So, yeah, if you want to be able to get some games in whilst this is all still going on, maybe consider doing something like that. Get a couple of your friends onto a Messenger app or, you know, program on the PC or something like that and, and just have a game. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see the way people are kind of adapting to the world that we're living in presently which which isn't great obviously um, yeah. it's very restricted especially for um, a social hobby like ours obviously you've got the the the, the painting building uh, aspect of it which is personal and kind of um, tends to be pretty uh, solo but then yeah the actual getting together for a game has been 
Totally blown it, out of the water yeah, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, basically the kibosh has been entirely put on that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely good to see alternative ways of doing it. I wonder if, like, um, it'd be nice to do, like, a, a couple of role-play scenarios within a normal campaign. So you play the, the tabletop game, but then, like, for certain interactions, you do these little role-play uh, scenarios to flesh it out a little bit more, become a bit more like uh, Inquisitor. Yeah. That kind of style. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, to be fair, I was always interested by the concept of Inquisimunda. I don't know if you've, you've heard that term thrown around. Yeah. Um, where people have combined the, the two sources, essentially. Um, I, I never got enough information on it to put it all together and actually play it. To, to be honest, I don't know if, if what I'm doing right now with, with Bill Harbour is, is essentially that. Or you can, you, know, you can just make it up as you go along, I guess, as long as everyone on, who's playing is happy with how it's being done. Well, yeah, if you're an arbitrator and you've put together a, a campaign, you kind of say what's going to happen anyway, don't you, really? So, and yeah. you assume that the people who are joining in your campaign are on board with it, so I can't see any kind of problems with it. it it's just, yeah, finding a, a group of like-minded people who are willing to, to try it out. But yeah, moving moving forward, once we get all this virus bollocks out of the way, um, yeah, adding this kind of way of playing the game into it, could make it more uh, malleable for people who've got time restrictions on things as well. So if you know you can't make it to a certain location for travel reasons or work reasons, something like that, but you could, in theory, sit down for a couple of hours in the evening, then you could still play the, like, these little missions with other people in the group. It's a way of sort of keeping everyone connected still. Definitely. So there's that. Also, what we wanted to talk about in this section was creating a new Goliath gang. So as you'll have heard within the war room with Jess Lee, uh, I haven't properly read this book yet, which I hold in my hands, The House of Chains. I do now know how detailed it is, however, and just how cool this book is. And again, big excitement for House of Blades when that comes out now as a result of it. But I need to create a Goliath gang, partly because I want to, and partly because I thought it would be a useful way of filling time that otherwise we would have spent on Yak Tribe, which we're not going to anymore. <laughs> So uh, that, and uh, we've had people say before in the group, you know, it'd be nice for you to do things from a beginner's point of view. So beginners, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Um, I don't know much about this book. I know a little bit more than I did, you know, about an hour ago. So what we want to do is start creating gangs. So Chris, first off, have you got any thoughts on this? I know you've read the book a little bit more. Thoughts on it? Uh, uh, yeah, we, I mean, this section could, in theory, be hours long. It's not going to be, because... Um, what I've done is I've pulled two example gangs. I've, one's referring to the one that I talked about in um, War Room, which is pumping everything into your leader, pretty much having a couple of stimmers, um, and then uh, four Forgeborn uh, prospects. But kind of having them almost um, disposable, like as if the leader really becomes the character. And what I've... What I love about House of Chains is that you create characters. You're not, like, say, I was talking about building Escher and now they seem a bit lackluster. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. They're a great gang. They're very effective by all accounts. You know, I, I, I know people who run them and run them lethally. They're, they're really strong, really consistent kind of, um, uh, of gang to use. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But... With House of Chains, you can, you're not just giving them a different set of weapons and a different paint job and a couple of different skills, you know what I mean? And like, say, straight out of the gate, 
you've got a guy that you've forged and shaped and made into your own thing so that you could potentially have four people in a campaign all running Goliath and all of your lead not just the gangs are different and you've you focused on different weaponry but from the ground up they're different their stats are different they're, you know what I mean it, yeah yeah so the first example I've got here I'll go over it again um, I did just mention it in um, War Room but so you've got this big badass boss of a leader forged tyrant uh, leader obviously and Natborn um and he's got Tyrant's Own, which gives him an extra wound and an extra toughness. Prime Specimen, which is another extra toughness. So you talk, he's, he's a beast already. Missile Launcher with Suspenser, which we just spoke about earlier, being <laughs> yeah. available on there. I mean, that's just going to be so much fun. You motherfuckers is crazy. Look at that big motherfucker got a rocket launcher. Like a really active in-the-fight leader, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um... With a chain axe, furnace plate, and nerves of steel, that's 440 points, and you think that's that's basically half of my budget. And if he goes out, you've you, you know what I mean, you're in big trouble. But what a big gamble to kind of actually pull oh, off. Yeah. Can you imagine that? You get that on the on the table, and he's an absolute beast. And you think, well, at 440 points, it's not leaving you much to play with. But that's still for 205 credits each. You can have Goliath Stimmers, which is obviously your larger champions. You have them Vapborn with Dermal Hardening, so you get the plus one um, toughness. Assault Grenade Launcher on both of those. Furnace yeah. Plates and Nerves of Steel. So you've got this missile launching boss from the back, just, just firing missiles at... I can't remember the range of a missile launcher, but it's disgusting. It's it's really, <laughs> really ridiculous. With them um, five-inch templates. So it's an absolute killer weapon. You've got him, and then you've got two crazy psychopathic stimmers running around with uh, the assault grenade launchers, which are just insane rules-wise, but really cool, risky to use and stuff, and you know what I mean? Not not particularly accurate, but who needs accurate when you've got an assault, a rapid-fire grenade, grenade launcher? launcher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you've still... That still leaves you credits for four prospects. So you've got four of these guys, uh, two of them running around with reduced bone density, so you're taking a little bit of a hit in the in the strength. Yeah. You're minus one strength. But what, what does that matter? You're probably not going to be utilising the strength too much. You've got stub gun with dum-dum rounds, furnace plates. They're just going to, you know, um, for tackling objectives, for... for cutting off firing lanes for you know what I mean you're just throwing them around you're not bothered you, you get another one basically for 35 credits a pop or 40 credits a pop if you're just doing the ones without the furnace plate so again the same two prospects vat bone again re- reduced bone density stub, stub gun and dum dum rounds so still you know four uh, strength four hits with the dum-dums and 35 credits a pop they're cheap as you know and yeah, yeah you've put a lot of cash in uh, your leader and your champs but they're like the the characters they're the guys who get the name on the poster and then the others you know what i mean you you'll, you'll have to earn it this is your it's your bit role in a big movie and you've got to kind of show how much you want this and and and, and stand out amongst <laughs> the crowd um yeah so you've got that approach, and then the other one, you could take it a bit more, um, a bit more restrained. So uh, you got again your, your forge tyrant, um, giving a power hammer, and a combi stub plasma. Yeah, always a good choice. Bit. 
he's a net ball with tyrant soul so he's again benefiting from the plus one toughness plus one wound but he's not getting the extra one from prime specimen yeah but that means that he's coming in at 255 credits which is a steal for something that beastly a forge boss champ so remember that they obviously they can still do the group activation but they miss out on the muscle trade renderizer classic awesome weapon furnace plate vatborn he's taking at no extra cost um, and dermal hardening for uh, the extra toughness then a stimmer so you're taking you're getting the best of both worlds you get one stimmer one uh, forge boss paired pulverizers because that's just such a cool um, yeah. weapon to use uh, it's nice plates. to see the glass with paired yeah really nice to see that being expanded across the ranges definitely uh, dermal hardening and then a couple of gangers, so uh, you've got, um, for a 55 credit base, you've got a grenade launcher on one of them, because remember you can still have one guy as a specialist. Furnace plates, dermal hardening on a vat born, so he's not, you're not paying extra for the way they're born, but you're paying the 10 credits for the dermal hardening again. And then another guy, same build, but with a shotgun instead of the grenade launcher. And then you still got money for uh, a prospect with uh, stub gun dum dum rounds which is pretty much what everyone goes for if they get yeah. a stub gun consider some kind of close combat weapon or not it, i don't think it really matters i think that you don't want to clog them up too much because you want them to be able to progress and be able to take on new weaponry so if you if you throw in like 10 credits on a fighting knife it can be a bit of a wasted slot you know yeah it's, yeah. it's all right for maybe survivability early game but you've stimmied how much they can um they can progress and grow because you're you're leaving them with no options for weapon change uh, and then a juve on top of that and remember juves are pretty useful now they're, they're they're decent and they've got a good chance of being um like a it's a pretty quick progression into a specialist for a juve now which is really cool and he's running around with a spud jacker um, stub gun with dum dums, furnace plates, and dermal hardening. So they're all benefiting from the dermal hardening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a, a nice solid spread out costs. Do you know what I mean? Like your juve and your prospect are coming in at around thirty to forty credits more than the last list, but you've you've given them a little bit more like consideration. Like they're not necessarily as disposable, but you wouldn't be totally good if you did lose them. Yeah. But okay. obviously then you, you're getting your two gangers still, which means that you've got access to that grenade launch for one of them. Right. But just that, two lists, two totally different builds, two totally different approaches. Well, it certainly attests to the variability or uh, the number of options that you've got within House of Chains, isn't it? That you can go, here are Goliaths, but look, they're completely different. Well, yeah, because you've got, you've got your weaponry, you've got the kind of level of Goliath that they are, whether that's Vatborn, Natborn or Unborn. Then you've got the new skill tree, which and the the original skills, obviously. But then the um, the Janesmithing just changes everything up completely. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I say that you've got two very interesting approaches there, and I have to say that the idea that I had in my head for what I wanted Cray was perhaps a little bit more along the lines of the first mm. option. So I'd already started making some notes um, after Jessly signed off and we handed over. So for my Goliath Forge Tyrant, I thought, you know what? Let's go down a different route because every other gang type that I've created so far um, with Goliath, it's always been spread the options. Go with the plasma stub pistol and the hammer or a power axe, you know, and then maybe a bit of armor and stuff like that. So that's the route I've always gone down before, play it safe. What I thought this time around was, you know, I just want to 
especially with all of these um, options where you can change the stat lines around. I want to go with what Jess Lee suggested, a Goliath-sized Van Saar, basically, rocking around with a heavy bolter. So that's what I wanted to do for the leader. So 135 credits for the leader himself. I was toying with the idea of light carapace for like 80 credits, but that would then put my suggested leader build up to 435 credits, which is nearly half of the 1,000 points that I've got to start with if I'm building a 1,000-point Goliath list. Might not be the best idea. Well, I've just demonstrated <laughs> you can still run a crew of um, seven guys. Well, yeah, you can. But to say for 80 credits, that's what you were saying is the equivalent of two models that I could get on the board? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'll, I'll scrap Light Carapace as an idea for now. Because this is the beginning of a campaign list, isn't it? So you can always buy additional armor yeah. and stuff later on. But what you might want to begin a campaign is bodies on the board. So let's get rid of that. So I'll go with furnace plates because weirdly there are only five credits, which I swear is a bit of a change. I could have sworn it was ten previously, or is that like the cost change varies depending on who you're looking at? I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh no, it is five five credits for gangers as well. And uh, let's check the Jews page. Uh, no, five credits. I could have sworn that it was ten previously. Edit bot here. Hive scum Steve is correct. In the book Gangs of the Underhive. Furnace plates for Goliaths cost 10 credits. Whereas now, in House of Chains, it only costs 5. So, um, by all means, people in the groups point me out if I'm wrong. But I could have thought this one that it was 10. Anyway, so we go with that. So that puts him up to 140. Uh, a heavy bolter and a suspenser. So that's 160 and 60. Which would then bring him up to 360 credits if I'm adding that up right. Where's my phone gone? So I'll just double check that. Um, but what else am I looking at doing there? You, you're saying gene smithing is the kind of the tricks that's been used in this example that you was looking at, is mm. that right? Okay, so that's my Goliath leader. He has no close combat weapons of which to speak. Um, he has a heavy bolter and a suspenser and a tiny bit of armour. So if I want to round him out, I want to be looking at the skills that I can select. Now... Would it be worth, skill-wise, me picking... Bearing in mind he's going to be a guy who's going to want to sort of stand at the, the back and just sort of hammer home with things. Getting his ballistic skill down to a 2-plus roll, which was the aim, means that I need to get him from his 3-plus down to 2-plus. So that needs to be a an augment there somewhere. So that's going to come in the form of genesmithing, I'm guessing, then. So for me to be able to do that, what was the type of Goliath that you... Unborn, right. So if I want him to be, have to unborn, be from outside the house, right? Okay. So as an unborn, that's a plus ten credits. Okay. So he's now three hundred seventy, and he's an unborn. Okay. Cool. Right. So let's have a look at the unborn list. Unborn. Right. Here we go. So you you can choose an additional primary skill from whatever group you're coming from. Yeah. Um, well, maybe maybe it's Snapborn that I wanted then. Any two of the right, the tyrant's own. Because bear in mind that he's he's the leader that I'm going for here. So the over tyrant's offspring are amongst the strongest of all Goliaths and often walk the path of the Alpha. Their gaze set upon one day claiming the title of over tyrant themselves, and then here's the bit that we want. This fighter can improve any two of their characteristics by one. Only a forged tyrant leader may take this Gene Smith upgrade. So if he's the leader, 
then I can put that into ballistic skill, can't yes. I? Yes. Yeah, so that's plus 20 credits. So that's also Natborn, which is... Go back a couple of pages. Plus 20 credits. <laughs> okay, so so he's a nat born now with Tyrant Zone. So he's now 400 credits. Just as well I didn't go for that <laughs> light carapace. Do you want to go for your um, hive yeah, tyrant? I'll yeah, go yeah. with I'll go with uh, the Tyrant mm -hmm. Zone. So that means I also get one other stat that I can boost as mm -hmm. well. So let's uh, flick back to the stats for him. Okay, yeah, so looking at the stats then. Uh, I've now got him on a ballistic skill of two, movement of four. Mm, considering he's got a long-range weapon that and that's his primary focus that's not so much an issue i feel weapon skill is a three plus anyway so that's not too bad strength is four toughness is four maybe an increase on toughness yeah so that's always a, always a good one so that would put him at toughness five well if you're taking so, the, if you're taking the drop in armor it's nice to yeah kind of counter that in yeah some way. so he's a plus one ballistic skill and plus one toughness so he's a toughness five on ballistic skill two so yeah, he is the equivalent of a um, Van Sar for that now, with a heavy bolter. So that should be fun. Um, right now, as for the, I think that's about it for Gene Smithing on him, considering let's put him in at four hundred credits. So I think now it's the skills that we want to look at. So I mean, I could go with all the standard skill types. So what's primary for him? Brawn. Ferocity and leadership. So, oh, interestingly, shooting is a second. Yeah, shooting is a secondary for the leaders. But what I'm thinking is maybe something off of that new skill tree might be useful. Or can it? Oh no, that's that's secondary anyway. The muscle one yeah, is secondary. You have to be a so, stimmer, don't you, to have that a stimmer or a zerker to use that as a primary. Yeah. So, in which case then, ah. Um, now this raises an interesting question: Is there any of those gene smithing options that allows you to take a secondary skill as a primary? Skill? If you're unborn, that's what um, Jess Lee was referring to: is you can take other gangs' primary skills, ah. sec like as your your secondary could be a primary, or um, uh, unborn fighters can choose to have an additional primary. Oh, there is one for natborn as well. Or do they have the same? Yeah, and that born's got adaptive mind. Uh, genetic memory combined with an evolving intelligence grants this fighter an instinctive understanding of countless fighting uh, styles and skills. This fighter counts their secondary skill set as primary skill sets when spending XP. Ah, but that's... Spending XP is when you're mid-campaign, yeah. isn't it? Okay, so that might be <coughs> worth doing because it's only five credits. If we put him at 405, that means that in a campaign you play can tweak situation... Him. Later, yeah. Later on down the line, he's got immediate access or cheaper access to, at shooting. Least, to yeah. shooting. So I reckon that's got to be worthwhile. So let's put him at 405 credits. So he needs a skill. Um, nerves of steel, probably. It, it's a pretty solid one for Goliath, to be fair. Yeah. So we'll do that. Nice, easy choice. Right, okay. I wanted to put one of the twin linked salt crate grenade launcher stimmers in just because those models look fucking cool and I've got one on a sprue somewhere and I want a good reason to like break it out of the sprue and get it built. Oh, do you have do you have the new Goliath kit do you? Yeah, I've got I've got the kit. I've uh, not even touched it yet. It's still in the cellophane. What I've also done is I ordered one of the additional um Forgeborn female models because I thought it would make a really cool Escher model for when we get the House of Blades book come up as well. So I ordered a separate body for that because um, I thought it'd make like for a heavy or oh, something. Somebody's posted it on all the groups. Uh, they've done a great one. Um, oh, is it Gunhilda? Yeah. 
yeah, really cool mm. that one. So yeah, I think I might have been where I got the idea from. But I thought I'll you know just get an extra body in case I want to do something fresher. So okay, so let's have a look at this guy. So we're looking at the Stimmer Champions now. So it's 125. Were they always 125 credits? Oh, that's a lot. Because I don't know if they've they've mis mixed with the um, the costs of the leaders and stimmers and so forth when they've released this book. That feels like they have. I thought that the Goliath leaders were a bit more expensive, and the champions weren't that much. I mean, I could be wrong. Edit bot here. Hive's come. Steve is correct. In the book Gangs of the Underhive, Goliath champions cost 110 credits, whereas in House of Chains, stimmers cost 125. I know, I know people always complain that they were an expensive gang to make, like, to get either the bodies or the equipment to to make us, you know, like a, a, yeah, an yeah. effective, flexible gang, um, which is obviously not an issue for them. Not, they're still expensive, but what you're getting for your money is great, to be fair. Yeah. Okay, so 125 credits for the stimmer, 65 credits for the grenade launcher with frag and stun. I don't feel that I need to upgrade that uh, beyond that. I think that's enough, to be honest. So that's 190 credits right there. So, what were you saying that in that other list they went for as gene-smithing upgrades on the stimmer? Because I'm thinking I might have to carefully consider some of the uh, the upgrades for this guy. Two seconds, I'll just pull my list back up again. So for the stimmers, he'd just gone um, VAT ball, dermal hardening. So he's getting the dermal plus hardening. one toughness, yeah. Is that something they get as a standard if you go in that ball then? VAT ball. Oh, VAT, VAT ball, yeah. right, okay. <laughs> this is, this is going to be one of those things where terminology gets easily confused because of the names being so similar. Oh, here we are, dermal hardening, yep, yeah. fine, da 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 Increases his fire toughness by one, so ten. So that brings him up to two hundred credits. So we go with derm hardening. What was the gene smithing that, or was it? Oh, it might be on the muscles uh, tree where it's that one where. Oh, here it is. It might be fists of steel. Yes, unarmed attacks by this fighter count as a strength two higher than normal, and inflict two damage. So maybe going for something that ups the strength if possible might be worthwhile and then go with that as his skill just for the lols if nothing else because what is he strength four it counts as being um, strength six if you do that and two two yeah. damage when he's in close combat with just using his fists oh so it's too higher anyway oh so to be fair i wouldn't have to augment his strength no really yeah that's it i mean strength yeah, six. It, it's a bit redundant i mean it, you can it just means that he's he's punching <laughs> just people overkill. with the strength of a heavy boulder. Well, there was overdeveloped muscle uh, musculature. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, which is plus five credits, but that slows him down by one as yeah. well. So I'm not so sure about that. Reduced bone density. Nope, don't want to do that. Wouldn't bother with that. Completely counterintuitive. Well, to be fair, you could go, you know what, I'm going to give him dermal hardening and I'm also going to give him re reduced bone density. <laughs> so you're, you're like essentially back at the same point that you were before. Your credit level's the same. He's just got more flavour. <laughs> Willpower and intelligence by one. So genetic ancient. Fearless but foolish. Cool by one but reduced the fighter's intelligence. No, corrupted slug. How's that? Oh, data slugs, yeah, of course. Uh, has resulted in this fight having only the basis level of education. Reduce this fighter's leadership, willpower, and intelligence. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking a really stupid guy with the grenade launcher kind of sounds kind of cool. And plus, I don't think that's massively going to affect anything. I suppose as a stimmer, the leadership might be an issue. But, uh, no, sorry, I think I'm going to go with that. Just for flavour. the door up so your grenade gonna... launcher. Yeah, great shout. Yeah, so that put, puts him back to 195 because he's got a corrupted slug. Okay, so a quick review. So we've got a leader sorted now, nerves of steel, carrying a heavy bolter, suspenser, furnace plates, and he's a tough son of a bitch, uh, and he's got a really good shooting skill, but beyond that, nothing so far. But, let's say, at the beginning of the campaign, that's going to do really well, especially if you end up going up against, uh, like, Bansar or something. They're fleshy little bodies, but they're able to shoot quite nicely. So, that's something to consider. Then we've got our... Stimmer sorted now as well for 195 credits. Uh, Twin-linked assault grenade launchers with stun and frag. Can you imagine putting crack on that, though? That's, that's what, like, essentially putting a heavy stubber on, but for cheaper, isn't it? It'd be a pr pretty basically... Uh... Uh, did you notice, um, sorry to uh, deviate, but that Andy huh? said he found a sneaky way of getting spiras in? No, that, what was that? Well, the, he, he hasn't revealed what, but I'm... Ever hopeful that Van Sar gets Spyro rigs in the House of Artifice? <laughs> you reckon that's what it is? It's going to well, be. Well, he said he's found Sarge a sneaky skill. way of getting them in, so I'm wondering if it is something like that. Yeah, like they get the yell hmm. and uh, all that. that could go. Oh, what you mean? Just as in like the extra bits in the book, like we've got slave ogres. No, no, like um, as part of their their expanded kind of law and history is that they developed maybe the the spiral rigs and they they've got experimental ones which is why you possibly get things like Frankstone like maybe that was an experimental oh, rig oh yeah is, i forget which one it is it, uh, what was it i think it's probably the one that i can't remember the name for uh, you've got the jakar the maclodon the yeld is the flying is one, isn't it oh the yeld yeah the yeld that would that would be the one so yeah that was one that was zipping around so i'm wondering if there's a nod to them through that anyway sorry go back to no, no interesting point right okay so um i've got 400 500 nearly 600 credits gone there so what can i do to flesh this out because i've got two people so far I was thinking Goliath Bruiser with a grenade launcher, but with 400 credits left, that would take 110 of it. So I'd have 300 credits left to spend on additional bodies. Now, with the new composition that they've got for the games, can, can you take, like, a shit ton of Jews, basically? The Jews count as fighters, so yeah. Jews yeah. are like gangers in, when it comes to building, yeah. All right, okay, cool. So that, that's like the corpse grinders then with the yeah. initiates. Right, in which case then, yeah, I'll do that then. So we go with the Goliath Bruiser, uh, who's got a grenade launcher, so that's 110 credits. Sorry, I'll just actually add this up. Oh, I suppose it might be worth giving him some form of armour as well, wouldn't it? So that'll put it back up to 200. So give him uh, the furnace plates. Go with the Bruiser, again, furnace plates. So 600, 7, 715 so far. Okay, so we just want to pad the rest of this gang out with Jews, I think. So, what did you say we need to do? I mean, get Jews, but reduce their toughness. So, what was the skill, oh, sorry, the gene smithing tree that I wanted for that? You want uh, reduced bone density, minus one strength. Oh, so they're going to be um, that born? Yeah. Which is zero credits. Yep, so that would make sense. Prospects. Oh, shit, but prospects as well to think about. Might sneak one of those in. Let's uh, check on the Jews first, see how much those are. So... Same prices of Apple. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, same, same as prospect, prospect as well. Yeah. Thirty-five. Yeah. So thirty-five. 
and we're going to have the reduced bone density, so that'll make him down to what 30 is it? Yeah, minus five, minus 10, isn't it? Reduced bone. Oh, it is minus yeah. 10. Okay, so that puts them down to 25, and that's their toughness by one. And again, so yeah, again, toughness three, which is what standard, standard human, guys, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 25 credits, it's already saving money. Let's give him some armor, so that's five credits. So, or do we want no do we want our, no that'll make him cheaper wouldn't it just uh, stick him out so stub gun five credits dum dums for five if you fancy it if you want to give him a little bit more stop and power might as well yeah I mean we've just balanced out the well, essentially you're getting your there, weapon so. and your ammo for free aren't you if you take these if yeah, you yeah. take the reduced bone density and don't bother with such fancy shit as armour <laughs> yeah what's that toughness three you're not doing too bad um, so we've got that Mm. Do I want to give him anything else? What's their strength? Strength four, as well. So if you send him in unarmed, could work out all right. Remember, you took the minus one strength. Uh, was that minus one strength as well then for reduced bone density? That's what it is. It's minus one strength, not toughness. Oh, actually, it's either. Also, you choose. Um, all right, 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 right. Yeah. So reduce either this fighter's starting strength characteristic or this fighter's starting toughness by one. So he can still have strength four. So going in with that with just fists could be okay for a juve so yeah all right so we'll just give him a stub gun see how he does with that uh so that's 35 credits so if i go with three carbon copies of that that'll be 820 credits now where's those prospects gone what's the advantages of a pro oh well movement five for a start yeah. i guess whereas yeah juves are still four strength three toughness four okay they got access to different weaponry as well, haven't they? That's it. That's what I was thinking. Because I just wanted a little bit of that flavour in there. Oh, and they've they're, uh, they've got armoured undersuits as well. Did everybody else have access to armoured undersuits? Because it's under personal equipment. Yeah, they do. They do. So, ooh, rock saw or the other thing. What was it? Storm Stormweld is only 75 credits compared to the 120 of a rock saw. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like my rock saws. But that storm welder looks like a crazy piece of fun shit. So, <laughs> I kind of want to go with one of those. What's that? So, we say 75 credits on top of 35, so 110 Storm Welder. Um, combat is a... Oh, and they get a, a Glyph Forgeborn has access to the following skill sets. Do they get one at standard, though? I don't think they get one at creation, no. No, no okay, fair enough. Da -da -da -da. So, yeah, just give them that one thing. But I think some armour might be an idea, so 115 credits. One five. That puts me at nine three five. What do you reckon I should spend the rest of this on? Ooh, I mean, just some maybe some grenades or something to kind of round it out. Yeah. That leave me with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's not the worst starting list that I've ever had. I think generally that's six. So. What did you have left again there? What cash did you have? Uh, I've spent nine hundred and thirty-five so, could, so far. Could so still I... get another bloody juve or prospect for that. To be fair, then couldn't you? And just have an extra yeah. body in just to save you. Um, although Goliath don't tend to bottle because of the um, awesome cool. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's always nice to have an extra body. But yeah, either that or just pimp a couple of your guys out with, with, with extra armour or, you know, again, you don't want to clog them up with weaponry because you want access to cooler stuff later on. But certainly yeah, kind of um, war gear, like maybe a couple of drop rigs for, uh, I, I can't remember what's on the war gear list, uh, if they have drop rigs or something like that. Or... Well, it depends who you're looking at, I think. But oh, actually, no, it's, it's pretty much the, uh, that's war gear grenades. Um, four different types of grenades, furnace plates, personal equipment, armoured undersuit, bio boosters, filter plugs, 
Well, that does vary a little bit depending on who you're looking at. Um, so, for example, the gangers get more personal equipment than the uh, prospects. So, um, you've got armoured undersuit, drop rig, filter plugs, photo goggles, respirator, stim slug stash. So, uh, for the gangers and, and stuff. So, actually, oh, that's fine. Stim slug stash is nice as well. I guess you can get that. Yeah. But... Well, none of my guys thus far are particularly focused on the. Um, the close combat, yeah. which is unusual, because normally I tend to have quite a strong mix of that in my Goliath gangs. But, um, well, mate, there you go. Maybe I should chuck some close combat weapons onto some of them and fill out the rest of the, the bits that way. And if I go plus 35, how does that... 70. That still gives me 30 credits. So if I chuck in times four on the, um, the Juve... <laughs> and it's kind of handy, actually, because they're the vat-born ones. So they're the ones that are literally carbon copies coming out of the vats. Yeah. So that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll do that then. So I'll put four of those in, and that still gives me 30 credits to throw around on a 1,000-point starting list. That's a so, pretty formidable list. That's probably a couple of smoke grenades, really, because I have really learned the importance, especially playing as corpse grinders a lot recently, that smoke grenades are really useful in early campaign. Mm. Because nobody else really goes to the extent of buying all the expensive like sights and photo goggles and things like that, where they kind of nullify smoke grenades. So they can be really useful against other gangs starting early. So I'm thinking two lots of smoke grenades. Oh, it's a solid option um, for any gang that can take it from creation. It just gives you yeah. it's another tactical kind of avenue afforded to you. Maybe chuck one onto the prospect. Oh, can can the prospect take the smoke grenades? Uh, yes, they can. So chuck one onto the um, prospect because he can move faster, or she in this case. Well, yeah, for either beating hasty retreat or getting up ahead and clearing a path for your big boys to come through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we've got all the Jews, so one of those guys will have to have it. So there we go, and that's a thousand point list. So recapping them, we've got our absolutely like ballistic skill overload Goliath leader who's got a heavy bolter suspenser furnace plates um, and a couple of tweaks using this um, gene smithing so he's in that born and the tyrant's own so that means we're getting um, plus one ballistic skill and plus one toughness so that means he's operating at toughness five out the gate so that's like ambot levels of toughness but with a much better ranged weapon which is rapid fire, so that's going to go down well, hopefully. Uh, Stimmer, which is rocking the twin-linked assault grenade launchers, uh, 65 credits on top of 125 credit body. Dermal hardening, um, so that brings him out to, what, 400 credits. Uh, Goliath Bruiser, so a standard ganger who's got a grenade launcher. Four Jews, all pretty much the same, where they've got reduced toughness, but they've all got a stub gun with dum-dum rounds, uh, one of which has got smoke grenade, and then one prospect with a storm welder, just for shiggles, and a smoke grenade. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight gangers on a thousand points with you know some fun shit in there as well. Yeah. That's actually not a bad list, considering how quickly we've knocked that together, and I, I feel that this is something that probably is worth further investigation when we get the other house books drop as well. I'd, I would um, like to do this moving forward, yeah. I think it's a good way of kind of um, to really really getting to know the book, I think, because it makes you... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm totally not endorsing the fact of not reading the book beforehand because I had to, like, during the break after Jess Lee's got gone from the war room, go, oh, shit, yeah, let's, let's read through this quickly and then get a better idea of what's going on. And I still really do need to look through it properly because there is so much cool shit in here now, obviously speaking to you and um, Jess Lee about it in more detail mm. through that. But, uh, and that's it, we haven't yeah. really touched on the Ogrens or the, um, or the Alliances or... Yeah, but, um, I think that's going to be another whole, you know, one of these like gang building things by itself. Doing the Ogryn, uh like slave game, yeah. that'd be really cool. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. So that's a thousand points. Eight, but yeah, because when I do like cool builds with the old house list, I would often come out with six yeah. models, and I'm sitting there going, ah, if something happens, I'm bottling straight that's the away. Thing, and you can't just rely on your cool to get you through it every time you're going to get bad rolls it, it happens yeah. it does this it is simply and that. it does yeah. yeah often so but yeah that that's eight models and I'm happy with that yeah there's there's some carbon copy bullshit going on in there but you know that can vary as soon as you start getting the points in because you've not overloaded them with weapons you've still got two weapons yeah, you're, you're allowed you're allowed the campaign to to, to give them their personality and character because it's like yeah. oh he's pulled off this awesome thing he's going to get rewarded for that or he's made an absolute idiot of himself so he's going to get punished appropriately you know I mean, he's not getting any upgrades this time you know and exactly yeah. it's all about adding that additional flavor and of course in a campaign you don't know what's mm. going to happen or who's going to go for what gear and, and especially with these options available you have it's even more of a crazy i don't know what the fuck's going to happen because you could get like vansar when their books come out going off with some kind of crazy over-the-top gun route or you know maybe they'll even have something which augments them in a different way they'll have access to like technical suits that'll you know make them come stomping in like goliaths or something Who well knows? that's why i'm i'm kind of it, it nerdy wishlist and, and reading between lines that possibly aren't even there when andy uh, suggested that he's found ways of getting the spires in. I would, yeah, to see Van Sark get some kind of experimental rigs would be just phenomenal. Cool. Right, well, as I say, I think, uh, especially with these books coming out now for the gangs and we're revamping everything, people who are listening to this, yes, you, the listeners, if you want us to cover gang building in a different way or from a different point of view or... I don't know, anything that we think that this segment is missing, given the way that we'll do that, then, you know, let us know. Either message us directly or put a post up in the group on Facebook and we'll see what we can do to sort of add to this. Because, you know, this was pretty much born out of necessity for filling up a little bit of a time slot because we were going to be covering Yak Tribe and everything that was going on there. But obviously, due to the virus, we can't do that right now. So, by all means, you know, let us know what you want us to do with these segments or any other part of the show for that matter and you know we're still growing we're what four or five months in now so you know let us know if you want us to add anything into it but with that done Chris uh, did you have any thoughts on gang building at all or anything else that you would have done with that list um, just that I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to um, and yeah I, it's one of those where like um Vansar get a lot of shit because there's really one way that Vansar work. There's another couple of little tweaks you can do and you can be really experimental with them, but they're designed in a way, like Goliath used to be designed in a way, that you, really there's an optimal build. So most people are going to go for the optimal build. I think with this, it shows that there's so many different approaches you can take where you're still getting um, 
like a, a competitive level gang, not stupidly OP, but just like they can hold their own and you're gonna get some wins and you're gonna have some fun. And you're going to take some losses, but the losses won't necessarily be the end of your gang's career altogether. And maybe you're a fighter yeah. or two, but it, you, yeah, it it just uh, to to use the same word over and over again, it excites me. It really it enthuses me for for going forward. Um, and the fact that yeah, we what we spent less than an hour just throwing a couple of like you know, I throw I, I gave you two suggestion gangs. You built a gang, you know what I mean, in less than an hour. Yeah, normally building a gang for me takes like four or five hours easy. Uh And you know, you could go back and tweak this. You could go back, and a couple of different tweaks would make it an entirely different gang. It's just, it's so malleable and engaging way to increase, develop the the kind of the individual nature of each house and yeah, the the options available to them. And I'm just, yeah, yeah, really completely agree with that. Really looking forward to to everything going forward. And there's not a house I'm yeah. not interested. Is it? Say Delac, I think Delac look cool, and I never played them, so I, I can't really, you know, what I mean, give you much of an idea of of how I feel about them as a as a as a gang to play. But even like probably the ones that I'm least interested in are Delac and Enforcer. But even Delac, I'm quite interested to see what they can do to expand that. Like, because I, I couldn't have guessed the Wild Runners. I mean, Death Maidens are there in the literature that they're alluded to in the rule books. But yeah. with the like the Wild Runners, it was just yeah, just just what the hell that means for Delac, what that means for Orlock, what that means for Cordor. I don't know. What exactly? Nobody does, and that's, Who knows? that's just really. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all up yeah, in the air. At the it's moment. the unknown that makes it even more like uh, yeah, palpably kind of uh, yeah uh, exciting I mean hell for all we know they might actually come right round full circle again and do enforcers with a full book like this and then you end up with dirty cops and all kinds of like off the books kind of shenanigans and stuff like that who knows well, yeah. that could be a possibility mm-hmm. well because we don't know but, where it goes after um, uh, after the fourth quarter so yeah we only yeah. go up to Vansar as far as we've seen the roadmap maybe next year they'll have yeah enforcers put back into it I don't know who knows? But I'm 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 really hoping, seeing as you mentioned that, that they will just go, Delac, and then uh, Cordor or Cordor Delac, and just be done with it for the six houses. But in the meantime, whilst they're getting all this done, hopefully there's a whole bunch of crazy shit that they're going to be coming out with. But on that note, seeing as you do mention Delacs, uh, we've got Salacious Paul coming up next, and I have no idea what to expect from him this time around, other than the fact that I will probably want to go away and like have a full shower. Again, because he really quickly. Yeah, nosy bastard's so. probably been through your bins again. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> knows the consistency of my poop. <laughs> right. So yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, over to Salacious Paul. Thank you, boys. Well, despite the chaos stirred up with the recent viral outbreak, my surveillance servos goes. I've been very, very busy recently, scouring from spire top to underhive in search of the most delicious bits of information for you, the listeners. A few new establishments have been growing from the wobble of high promise, including the Sump Home Hotel, a half-star accommodation boasting such luxuries as tarpaulin doors and mesh windows. Sounds cosy. 
I'm sure you'll agree. Spamuel von Honeck, a new resident, declared it's perfect for screwing scavengers. Each to their own, Spamuel. Each to their own. Davo Dante, the proprietor of the newly opened Dante's Dangerous Pets, is hoping for a roaring trade in Fauna Exotica as his collection of unusual creatures can't sell today. He told me that the rewards of owning a loving family pet far outweighs the inevitable loss of a limb. Debatable. I'm sure you'll agree. Behind the gregarious owner's official business, it has been suggested that he may run a more illicit trade in xenoforms and genetically altered beasts, specifically for Hausesha. But when questioned, he denied such accusations and was in fact heard to be shouting at an enforcer patrol, I have fuck all to do with Mr. Whiskers and you can't prove it, filth. Suspicious, I'm sure you'll agree. Gurney's Trading is a new marketplace edition with a wide range of consumables and haberdashery, with an unbelievable discount for buyers who got the subsidy radio name at point of purchase. That makes economic sense. I'm sure you'll agree. A hundred credit bounty has been placed on Champion Blood Blaze of Neon Venom of House Escher for unspecified crimes against the conduit. So anyone struggling financially may want to take advantage of that. A group of grizzled veterans going by the name of Talatown Compact, led by Caban Coldmallow, have been making a name for themselves recently. These vagrant vets are as likely to scream to themselves of eldritch horrors beyond the stars as they are to accept bounties, so caution is advised when considering hiring them. Another dubious character, going by the name of the Gunslinger, has been seen frequenting the local area. Little is known about this shadowy individual, but rumours are circulating that he possesses a key which is becoming increasingly coveted by the house leaders, and possibly even the noble houses. Intriguing, I'm sure you'll agree. Well that's all for now, back to the studio. Thank you very much for that, Paul. Okay, Steve. Now it's time for the segment that gets the listeners really involved. One of my favourite sections, I have to admit. It's your letters. 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 Okay, so first off, we have uh, a letter here from Tom Carter, and it says, uh, Do you think you would survive longer in the medieval time period, or the Underhive, and why? Do you want to answer that one, Steve, and then I'll go? Yeah, sure. Um, I, without a doubt, would go for medieval time period on that one, for a number of different reasons. Uh, one, because the medieval time period's already been, so we have knowledge of that, so as a result, you could probably do that sort of fancy, I am a wizard kind of shit like by playing your cassette player or you know having weapons that fire ammunition you know all this kind of stuff that's technology that's light years beyond anything that they could do that and the only thing that you've got to worry about is people within 
a, a time period that you, you know what the limitations are on things and what people can do. You look at the Underhive, way in the future of the 41st millennium, and you've got plants that'll kill you, you've got giant rats, you've got, uh, you know, presumably a very, very dirty and unclean Underhive where you're lucky if you can live past being a teenager, and anything beyond that is... Um, a really high-ranking you have to be a proper hard case to do that <laughs> so I, I don't think I would do so well if I was literally dropped right now as I am into one of those situations I would not do very well in the underhive I, I, I think I'd probably die within a week yeah now see if if I'm taking the the premise from your perspective so you're saying you go back into the medieval ages with um, all the knowledge you have now and I'm assuming some kind of preparation period. Uh, yeah, probably the medieval time period purely for the fact that we understand so much more. You know what I mean? We don't believe in sorcery and, yeah. and witchcraft and stuff. Uh, we have science. I'm just thinking medieval dead. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! But if it was literally just dropped in in your skivvies, I think probably um, Necromunda for me, because if it was dropped into the medieval um, period, well, for a start, I'd probably be one of the oldest men alive at knocking on 40. I'd certainly be considered an, an old, ancient guy. Um, and toothache can kill you, breaking a leg can kill you. Everything's just deadly. Whereas, although everything's trying to kill you in Necromunda, there's so many scientific kind of um, answers to to death and injury. You know, you can just chuck on a bionic or go to the mad dot and get revived. And you've clearly not listened to Terminal Overkill yet, have you? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. There are all those options available, but in the underhive, it doesn't matter if you get toothache. You, you'll get shot before you get a chance to fix it. And even if you do get a bionic, um, there's the maintenance for it. Yeah. If okay, yes. If you're in the the spire. No problem whatsoever. You've got all the uh, equipment and you know, medical support for your bionics that you need. But if you're in the underhive and you've got a dodgy, like, God knows how many hand, like, 245th hand uh, bionic arm or something like that, it's the connections to the actual tissue. Because they, they, I forget which character it is, but in Terminal Overkill, there's a character that's got a bionic and they're having real problems like they've got oozing sores and stuff all around where the bionic connects to their body because it's not meshing properly with their their flesh yeah it's just not bonding properly it's with rejecting them. it like an yeah and, 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 they, and they of course say oh the machine spirit's not happy here and use this salve that i've created to you know sort of soothe the wound and make the machine spirit a bit happier i but, know but it, it, counterpoint to that i know that there's no such thing as a machine spirit much oh, in the way that i know that um Witches didn't make the the milk spoil this time in medieval period, you know. So I come in with a bit of knowledge around that. I'd understand it's a machine mm. and it doesn't have any sentience. That's the weird thing about the 40k universe, though, isn't it? It's like we believe that there is no such thing as machine spirits, but there are chaos warp creatures. Go figure that one. So, so <laughs> I will pray to my chaos god and get benefits from it. But oh, hang on a second. Yeah, no machine spirit. So it's weird, isn't it? Well, yeah, given that it's all kind of taken from an individual's perspective and not it's not an objective 
viewpoint. We always get a subjective viewpoint, mm. um, and it's written by remembrances or um, point of view from some character of import. Yeah, it's obviously a biased, um, subjective opinion and perspective of experience. But I get to witness the the world and the law in a godlike kind of capacity because I get to read all of the different angles, all of the different law, all of the different approaches. I get to play the game and the game being broken into mechanics means that it negates some of that nastiness and grisliness that the novels can go into that the game mm, yeah, doesn't right. necessarily cover. So I, I think I'd be pretty screwed in either, to be fair. You know what I mean? I, I can light a fire, I can go to fish, I can go to rabbit, skin a rabbit. Yep, I've done that once as well. But you know, I'm I'm no I'm no soldier, I'm no warrior. I, I used to quite like a scrap as a kid, but I wouldn't like to kind of face off against a, a chainsaw wielding Goliath or a heavy bolt wielding Orlock and fancy me chances very much. Much in the same way that you know a, a load of nobles that decide that they're gonna collect more than the taxes that I can afford as a simple land worker in the medieval period. So mm. pretty shit either way. I mm. like them both as an observer and somebody that, you know what I mean, in the case of Necromunda plays the game and loves the setting, awesome. And I like history, so the medieval period I find very interesting. But again, wouldn't really want to live there. If I could dip in as a tourist <laughs> for a couple of hours, no one falls. Just want to well Bill and Ted it around these time yeah, periods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I could Bill and Ted it. That's it. You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. So um, no, I, I think it's six and two threes. Then after listening to your argument, you're probably right. It's probably just as brutal in either. Right. Um, okay. So next letter. Thanks, Tom. By the way, that was great. I'm going to have a crack at this one in a voice, and apologies if it's not the right voice for the character that's wrote It's better when in. you get it wrong, mate, so crack oh. on. Dear Thump City Radio, my name is Brom Ratty, a slopper to the suffering psalm gang of House Cordor. The boys and girls of the gang have tried to follow leader Greta's teachings and go vegan, whatever this is, all I know is it means no meat. I've tried to replicate Cannabella's lovely-sounding cookery show, but with just fungus and moss. Mm. Well, they lapped it up, but they have all stripped off, rocking back and forth, smearing feces all over the gang hideout. This isn't anything new, but the symbols they are making are glowing in and off green and seem to be making the rusted walls warp and twist. Uh-oh. My employment may be coming to an end after this, and any other gang or bounty hunter needs a good slopper. I'm your man. I will also bring plenty of mystery meat along for the right price, too. I may have to sort the slight off-smell with plenty of spice fungus. Many thanks, some city radio. Brom Ratius. Right. <laughs> well, it I sounds like, that. like quite a situation on his hands there, doesn't he? So, yeah, yeah there we um, are, ladies and anybody gentlemen. Anybody else like, sensing Taint and Urgle there somewhere? So. Uh, a touch, just a touch, yeah. Um, so, anybody looking for a slopper um, with mystery meat? I'm assuming that the mystery is in uh, air quotations. Uh, get yourself uh, Brom contacted and, uh, yeah, get yourself a new slopper. Okay, so the next one. Um, hi, Chris and Steve. First off, you guys rock. 
Well, I yeah. never get bored of hearing that, Steve. I don't nope. know about you. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the podcast, community, and everything. Uh, hope you appreciate my terrible attempt at a Goliath love poem. Cheers, James. Here's my letter. That's uh, James Lamb, just to confirm. So. Okay, cool. Alright scummers, long time sump lover, first time writing. I was wondering if you could do me a favour and read my pretty poem to my love, Becky Foo. If she likes it, she can find me at old Bill's Rat Sub Tavern next Monday. I'll be the one wearing the giant rat fur cod piece. This is going to be cringeworthy, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like a father figure to Becky, so in a in a way, so this is going to be so cringy. I just, I just feel it now. Yeah, just just we may have to take out a restraining order. Let's find out. Okay, <laughs> so, whew. a poem for Becky from Gorbag Sump Stimmer of the Rad Zone Riot Boys. Becky is beautiful. Everyone knows. If you think not, then I'll smash your bones. When I think of her. My heart goes boom, boom, like when I smash my hammer on the end of the tube. <laughs> she is so lovely, she makes my head spin, like when them Escher shoot their darts in. Okay. I want to take her and show her the oh. sights. Okay. I'm glad it went there. <laughs> <laughs> like the Rad Zone's twinkling hazard lights. Oh, Becky, you're lovely, like Cannabella's meat stew. <laughs> when I'm polishing my weapon, I'll think of you. Oh, okay, that's cringy. If you want loving, I'm here for you, because you make my stubber. Oh, God. Right, yeah. <laughs> I expect you put in a nice <laughs> sound effect. I don't think I want to know the rest of the... <laughs> that's the end of it, pretty much, but you can imagine where the last line goes. Uh, oh, God. What a bad man. <laughs> She's a juve, man. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's just wrong. I, I feel unclean now. You know what? That's kind of like a more poetic version of Klaus in the way that I feel after that experience. So, well oh, done. No, um, <laughs> it's, it's like a horny teenager, isn't it? Like just desperately trying to express the, the feeling of lust is a feeling of love. It's, yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Like you say, Becky's our kind of young ward, I'd feel. Yeah. <laughs> we will not be passing on her no, address. We will not be passing when, that on to Maybe her. when Becky's a little older, we'll pass this on. But thanks very much, Gorbag Stumpstimmer. I'm fairly certain that Cannabella's got more of a motherly approach to Becky as well, for some reason. So uh, you don't want to get on her bad side. No, I, I, yeah, I, I certainly want to fuck Cannabella off. Um... Right, okay, next one. Uh, where are we? Oh, the Dark Ravens. Who, who are the Dark Ravens? Oh, it's the girls from the Dark Ravens. Just, it is just so girls. you're clear of that one straight out of the gate, Chris. Mm-hmm. I won't attempt to do a lady's voice, because I think that would be quite insulting. Um, dear Scum and Scummer. Ah, uh-huh, nice. Yeah, I see what they did there. I got their reference. Uh, My gang, the Dark Ravens, are all big fans of the show, but thank you very much, Dark Ravens. Uh, We heard recently that Cannabella, who is our Mm favourite, as she is to most, to be fair, she's a very popular lady, um, has been a bit under the weather and had to visit the Rogue Dock. Well, most of us think she's our favourite, except for 
Kailich, who seems to have a bit of a thing for Klaus. Oh, yeah, the other favourite. Yeah. <laughs> she keeps overcharging her plasma gun whenever he talks about ears. <laughs> we can't understand why. No, me either. It makes <laughs> no, that's me a feel really dangerous thing to do, overcharging sick, a plasma yeah. gun. Uh, anyway, since our foolish elders in House Escher cast us uh, out with the absurd excuse of not liking our bird skull masks, uh, we made some new friends who told us all about the architect of ah, uh, architect of fate. Architect of so fate. We are we decided, familiar with this term? Um, we decided to hold a little dark ritual to ask him to help Cannabella recover quickly, so we can all enjoy her recipes again. He okay. really is very obliging, and it only took sacrificing a few dozen local scavies to get him to pay attention he even threw in some delightful latent psychic powers as a bonus so i can now make your heavy stubber jam from 50 yards away how good <laughs> is that we have also enclosed a block of our special chemically rendered some crock fat which is highly nutritious and ex excellent for frying up those tasty morsels near the air vent fan blades how is that what that package was from current coronius coronius please oh. forgive me if i'm pronouncing that wrong and all the girls of the dark ravens well mm. um thank you uh we will definitely be putting that some crock fat to one side um, and passing it on to cannabella and as well as your regards and your um <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't think we can fully in uh, officially endorse you know, unsanctioned psychic powers through some city radio. I don't think the Hersian Guild would take particularly kindly to that, but you know, no, no. good for you. So, no, that's it. it. It's a really nice sentiment. You've probably gone a little bit towards the dark side, uh, even for Cannabella. I mean, I don't think Cannabella would um, resent the, she the has sentiment, but so. possibly don't sacrifice people to dark gods. I don't. I don't know. I, I, Maybe, maybe it really is situational it. isn't it so <laughs> but thanks so much for your letter I hope you enjoy the show okay, you know what listeners so. I'm just wanting to interject here and, and get real for a second I would I would like to see more problematic letters I want to I want to hear about people's problems that aren't gum related because you know what Chris when we arc back to oh what was it episode 2 or was it episode 1 mm. where we had that R tunes letter and it was I forget the name of the kid but the one who was um, leading his brother astray Oh with yeah, drugs and running with gangs and all this kind mm -hmm. of thing. I want more of those. I want to get the Artunes theme back in our show at some point. So, by all means, listeners, write us your sad, sad situations that are going on in the Underhive, and we'll see what we can do to offer some advice. Uh, and I don't, I think it'll be perhaps more sensical and less weapon orientated than Klaus at the very least. But yeah, <laughs> get those letters into us. It does make everything about weapons. There's yeah. no terrors about it. Um, another thing as well, uh, obviously, uh, we're going to read another letter out um, this episode, but we've had loads, and thanks so much for all of them. They're yeah. all great, and they're all obviously taking years time, and you've really thought about them, and it means the absolute world for us. It really does. Um, uh, last one, anyway, uh, short and uh, very sweet, like Becky. Hello, lads. Just want to thank you for the podcast. It's amazing, and I really love the amount of time and energy you invest into it. <laughs> and all the awesome characters you have for it. It's just great. The concept of a Necromunda radio show is just gold. My favourite character is Becky Boone. I'm guessing her cousin might be called Tina. 
No, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, I think she's very good friends with Tina. So uh, keep up the top work and look out for hand flames. That's great advice for anyone. I love the how em- we've started this movement of like people being really nervous around hand flames. Yeah. <laughs> the Emperor protects, uh, and that's from uh, Philip Rosberg from Sweden. Thanks so much for your letter, man. And uh, yeah, Becky is another. Um, fan favourite uh, and it's not surprising why she's extremely dangerous and extremely funny uh, everybody likes that don't they that's a winning yeah. combination it's all of the crazier characters that get the love isn't it really it's like poor old Natomi she's like yeah regularly every time giving us the atmospheric reports and uh, informing us letting us know what's going on in the hive nobody seems to say anything about her bless her no, we, so, we've got unsung heroes. There's no yeah. two ways about <laughs> they it. They just crack but, on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone would just be screaming and hitting each other all That's the it, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now it's on to our competition winners. If you remember last month, Steve suggested offering a token donation to a cancer charity of your choice and many of you went above and beyond what was asked and we just want to say thank you. It's really, really good of you. Obviously, we get no gain from that but knowing that you have all um, just gone out of your way to support a charity that's uh, dear to you guys and obviously very close to Steve's heart it just means the world it just goes to show that you're an awesome bunch of bastards so thank you Uh, yeah Chris I just want to say as well thank you very much to our community I think it's just a testament to the quality of the, the people that we've got in the group that they as you say went above and beyond to donate to various cancer groups so yeah thank you very much for that and yes very close to home at the moment because we're still ongoing with it and obviously with the lockdown that really hasn't helped things so no thank you very much guys and we have selected some winners so Chris I shall pass back to you okay Steve uh, drum roll for the first winner of the t-shirt Carl Johnson um, Carl Johnson is the winner of the large t-shirt Okay. And that'll be sent um, off to you. One. We'll be uh, contacting you for address and stuff like that, and we'll get that sent across to you. Uh, drum roll for the second one. And that's Sarah Beth Monks. Uh, she's the winner of the other t shirt there. So fantastic. Uh, hope you enjoy that, and no doubt we'll be seeing photos of you from um, Michael because he does like to uh, model you off in the group wearing bits of <laughs> paraphernalia and carrying your new toys that you got home. And I believe it was. Was it your birthday recently, Sarah? So, um, happy birthday for that. Yeah, happy birthday. So, uh, yeah, and what was it? Sisters of Battle, I think she ended up getting, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. some stuff for a corridor as well, because she's well into a corridor. Uh, do you want to announce the winner for the cards? Yeah, sure. Um, so, again, this was the share us around a bit, put us out there, let us know that you've done that kind of competition. Um, and we had a couple of people chip in for that, and this was to win a set of the new Goliath cards that accompany the House of Change book. So, drum roll. And the winner was... James Lamb. So, well done there, James. Uh, those cards will be sent out to you as soon as A, we get an address, and B, we know that the postal system is working properly. So, uh, thanks for actually joining in on those competition guys. Again, uh, we like to try and put some stuff back out to you, and it's, it's the best way that we can really show to do that, other than doing the show itself. So, uh, thanks, guys. Awesome. Um, uh, which brings us to the next uh, section, which is a new competition. Got to be doing something for the people stuck at home. Well, yeah, we thought, um, what can we do? Um, everyone's stuck in the houses. 
in isolation or uh, quarantine or whatever terminology you want to use. So we thought everybody's getting sticking in, uh, getting stuck into those projects that they've maybe been putting off or um, kind of or wishing that they'd stocked up on stuff to be doing now that we're all stuck indoors. So what we'd like yeah. to do to help alleviate that boredom is provide one lucky winner with uh, a gang box of your choosing. Um, so once the winner's announced, you just let us know what you want. We'll pay for that, get it posted to you, and then you can hopefully get building a, a new gang or adding to your existing one. We did put a category choice out to the veteran group, and we had some great suggestions, but we figured that this one was really cool because it made you make use of what you had in your house, which, of course, is really good when people are struggling to get things sent out from... Um, companies and whatnot the postal systems are a bit unreliable at the moment so we've gone for a trash terrain competition this month so we'd just like you to um, create a piece of terrain for Necromunda out of stuff that you've just got lying about the more imaginative the the better really Steve and myself will adjudicate the entries and we'll announce a winner given the situation that we are at the moment it's a case of what do you have available all the all the rubbish and leftover packaging from the stuff that's being sent to you because you can't go out to the shops anymore or the food packaging and stuff like that so it's like yeah let's just do something with what we've got so i think that's the best way that we can do it so yeah we'll put up an official post into the group where people can start tagging on their entries for that and yeah maybe the best person win definitely okay right well with the competitions out of the way then we need to move on to doing the thank yous so let's start with the patreons we've had since last month shall we Oh crap, do you think that's a Gilded Coin again? We've paid them off, but better fucking not be. Uh, maybe we should just turn out the lights and they go away. Oh, just that, mate. If they're after more bloody credits, I'll stick this microphone so far up their ass that we'll be able to tell if they have a heart murmur. <laughs> uh... I know you're in there, little piggies! Oh, shit. shit. Hello, darlings. You have to be letting me come inside, yeah? Oh God! Because we're recording, mate. You can't just come. Shh. Oh, but darling, this is business, not for pleasure. Yeah, you know I would never stop you mid-performance, but this relates to your show. Oh, for fuck's sake! Just let him in, Chris. Thanking yous. What? Well, just get on with the clouds. State your business. So forthright, straight down to the nits and the grits. Nitty gritty. I thank you for putting yourself in my mouth. The nitty gritty. <laughs> so silly. Okay, I'm here to assist in the Patreon message. It would appear that you have been getting a little mixed up, and we can't have this. It's fine, Klaus. We're, we're just about to do. Shh. Don't you know it's rude to talk with your mouth full? My mouth isn't- IT WILL BE IN ONE SECOND! Sorry, what were you saying? Is this the list? Uh, uh, yeah, but- Okay, good, yeah! What you boys need is someone to take the situation in a firm fist and strangle it into submission. <sighs> Thank you, additional Patreons! 8-bit! Core, our warm sense is coming in your ears! Jeffrey Nelson, our warm sense is coming in your ears! Leonard Dime, our warm thanks is coming in your ears! I'm scared, Chris. Ollie P, 
Our war thanks is coming in your ears. Jordan Karata, our war thanks is coming in your ears. Oh God, we're gonna be all James Stevenson, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Someone said help. Richard Harris, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Christopher Holmes, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Christian Bayer, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Chase Reinhardt, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. John Christensen, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Matthew Webster, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Alice Thomas, our warm thanks is coming in your ears. Oh, I am spent. Sorry to discharge so violently in your faces, boys. You look so grateful and open-mouthed in appreciation. No, shh, don't speak. You are welcome. And I will now withdraw. So... So... Never doing that again? Never. Never, no, ever. No, that was... Okay, that was an experience. And I'm sorry, listeners, that you were submitted to... Uh, that experience that, that was that was not good um let's get the thank you so, done one because i need a bath after that it's just yeah <laughs> okay so let's move on um cheers klaus so uh yeah thank yous uh carl rigby a uh, big big shout out to you buddy for 3d printing those hive aid logos because the guy just sent them out to people whoever wanted one he would just send one out and they just wanted you know, like similarly to our competition just like charity donation of some kind if i remember rightly wasn't it yeah, after yeah, he'd, um, he'd, he'd sent out a few, and then like you said, I'm getting lots of requests for these, so really cool of him to do that. Um, yeah, top guy. Let's thank Simon Westlake as well. The chap has been amazing. He's been working as an admin for our group, uh, as well as being an active member. So all those posts that we've been getting nice and sharply after we've had news announced officially. Yep, that's Simon. So, yeah, Simon, thank you so much for doing that, mate. Yep, top lad. Um, and uh, good luck with the move and the um, change at work as well. So, yeah, especially when you're going through all of that stuff and, and, and still being such a um, um, active. Active presence. Active presence, thank you. That, that's it. Uh, Panny Mouser and Michael Monks for the various bits of artwork which are turning up in the group. When I first put this thank you in here to uh, say thanks to both of you, it was just Cannabella artwork at that point, but since then we've we've had all sorts. We've had Becky Boom artwork go up just the other day. Uh, we've had the Eightfold Harvest Lord and uh, Mr. Wiggles, that ridiculous, like, really in-joke that me Michael have come up with it just keeps spiraling oh, out of control rubber ducks and yeah, folded newspapers folded all news over the place oh my god it's just great isn't it it just keeps coming as well yeah <laughs> so thanks guys really love the artwork keep it coming uh, another thank you Bill Harvard uh, for sharing his Necromunda TV YouTube test with the group uh, which then spiralled not into a test but actually now three episodes worth of Necromunda TV uh, where I have uh, been on that with uh, Kevin from Promethean Forge and a couple of other guys as well. Um, the latest episode we had uh, Wookie 
um, who's been in the, the groups, who's in my gaming group as well. He's joined in as well. And I've got to say, as we were earlier, it's a fantastic way of sort of keeping the game going whilst we can't physically be with other people. So again, guys, think about maybe trying to do something like that yourselves if you want to keep the Necromunda alive whilst we're in lockdown. I wouldn't mind giving a shout out to Luke Jane, um, continuing to be a legend uh, with more posters. Um, what he did with people's scenarios, where he kind of jazzed them all up and made them look like official scenarios from JW, that was incredible and above and beyond. Um, and he's also made some transfers and he's basically opened that up to the group. If you've got an idea for them, um, he's going to see if he can get them thrown together. So that's really cool. Um, and also, um, actually, he's one of our competition winners. So, Carl, again, thanks, because he's added um, a load more posters. Um, for the propaganda and stuff like that, and he's done some cool, um, like uh, tag style with graffiti. Uh, some oh, graffiti, radio. yeah, yeah. Um, so he's basically he's got a Dropbox, and you can just go there and download, you know, the stuff that he's taken hours and hours to to make. So another awesome guy uh, contributing to the group. If you're a bit late to the uh, the group on that one, just uh, go to the Facebook page, find the search box for the group, and type in poster or graffiti and i'm sure it'll come up with the relevant posts where you can get the links for that i'll, I'll chuck a link uh, in the post oh, cool. yeah that makes things well. easier uh yeah another uh, thank you then to tim from eye of horus again we'll chuck a link in for his podcast to the description on this show on the facebook group um he did the i don't know if people realize this or not i think we might have mentioned it somewhere else but i just want to clarify it he did the voice work for dongo ray barb on episode four um so yeah please go check out his podcast for necromunda yeah, top guy. Um, and, and if you haven't listened to Gangbang, get listening to it. Um, they're not as regular um, as ours, but that's because they run several different podcasts covering several systems. But And they're not getting much fibre. So. But they're really, really good. So um, definitely worth a listen. <laughs> Sorry. They're not getting much yeah, what? Um, not getting much fibre. Oh, you said they're not as regular. Oh, so. you did. I'm keeping this in. So, <laughs> um, Right, a last thank you then, I suppose, has to go to Simon Gurney, because um, since our last episode, he has come forward and offered our UK members the discount that he's doing through his shop. Obviously, that's been slightly skewed by the fact that we've now all been locked into our homes by the government, uh, and so Games Workshop have closed down, and, and thankfully they're, they're doing other things with the factories. But until normal service resumes, if there are orders that people want, and they absolutely do definitely want it but they're prepared to wait he will still take orders i've been told so yeah um, and, yeah, and just check that through. goes too is it means you're getting something reserved and you know that when all this madness is over you're going to get your goodies and it's money that you would spend anyway but you know on the other hand it's also helping keeping a guy afloat really so yeah if you were thinking i really want this uh definitely after this and you were gonna get it from someone definitely consider simon he might not be able to get it out to you immediately but you know that once all the craziness is over you will be getting it and you will be supporting somebody who's offering us all in the group a fantastic discount so definitely consider that edit bond here just to confirm simon gurney is only able to offer this discount to citizens of the uk right so that's the end of the thank you section of the oh, sake. bloody windows gone now hang on chris did he did klaus lock that door on the way out Oh. Right. Looks like they're coming in there. You know what this means? No. Yeah, combat shotguns. Combat right, shotguns. Go, go. Where is it? The desk here somewhere. 
Right, I've got mine. Right, they're in, they're in through the door, mate. Right, good. Yep, yep. Still on the outside, still on the outside, still on the outside. Who the fuck put that on? Chris, is that you? Dickhead's not shuffle on Spotify. Zombie on the music desk. Right, listeners, we're going to have to go and sort out this uh, current situation. Okay, let's deal with this then, Chris. Okay. It's, it's closing, closing time, time at the bar. bar. Goodbye, listeners. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more hijinks in the hive and all things Necromunda. Remember to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get more involved, join our growing Facebook community page. Just remember to answer all the damn questions. Do you want your letter read out on the show? Email us at sumpcityradio at gmail.com. And if your raids have been successful and you've plenty of creds to spare, why not toss a cred to your DJ over at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash sumpcityradio. Every little bit helps support the show. And thank you for listening. This is the one, the only, Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.